Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Tetra Hearing. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and to share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody. This is the day two of our convention conversations. This is a stacked list. Uh, I hope you guys got a chance to uh, download day one. Uh, Now we're going to offer you day two. And our guest list is as follows. Mark Prudhomme kicks us off. GNCC Hall of Famer, call maker, super nice guy. Uh, they They had such a wonderful time. And such a great display of talent at the Grand National Calling Contest that was held upstairs. Uh, if you were following along socially, you know, we live stream that. You guys can go to YouTube and watch all the live streams. But the biggest highlight, I, I want to say for me, is, is, is just as far as the calling contest. The kids are always great. The Pulse Division. But huh, th- that young man, uh, Gavin, I believe his name was, who, who won. The emotion that ran through that room, through that little boy's face and his eyes, and he just welled up and he was overcome. What a special moment. Uh, Producer Gilbert and I were were in the room for it. We were backstage with uh, a lot of the competition, um, you know, monitoring some of the technical side of of the the distribution. But we were there for this awarding and uh, we were able to capture some of that. So if you get a chance, go. We we set that up online. On all the social channels, just specifically uh, that that award uh, presentation. And uh, hey, if you need a, a good waterworks moment, go go check it out. Because uh, if you're watching that young man's face, I don't know how you can possibly hold him back. There was uh, probably not a dry eye in the house. It was a very cool moment. But anyway, so we welcome in uh, Mark, uh, who's going to talk about all of that and his Hall of Fame honors. Uh, Dr. Bill Dickinson. And, and Bill, I'm sorry, man. When I introed you on this, I didn't even realize I mispronounced your last name, but proud sponsor. We love having him as part of uh, uh, the, the Turkey Call All Access family by way of Tetra Hearing. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Tetra, his products, and, uh, you know, what, why you're hearing and, and, you know, good health and fitness is important in, in turkey hunting. So a good conversation. I, was, I really, Really enjoyed deep diving with Bill. Dr. Brett Collier from LSU, uh, we were able to get Brett in. Um, and do go check out on YouTube. Uh, the two docs, Chamberlain and Collier, is up. So you can check out their seminar. It's so much going on at convention. You can't be in, obviously, multiple places at the same time. But we were able to get, we, we were able uh, to get coverage. So you can hear him here on the podcast. And then go check out the uh, the seminar talk because there's just some great stuff there. Uh, right after Collier, we welcome in Daniel Hayes and Jason Hart from Mossy Oak. Uh, again, we're just we're diving into the buzz, the excitement of the two launches in the Fox Vest. You get to hear from Daniel and Hart on that and the whole buzz. This is this is day two. So they had already given away the first 200 vests. They'll talk about how they navigated the uh, the line that started forming, I think, around 4 p.m. Uh, the the afternoon prior for the next 200 vests um, and everything that came with that, the companions uh, release and 
So anyway, you'll hear from Daniel and Hart. Um, we had Neil scheduled, but they were just so busy. He couldn't break away. Just like at the rendezvous, uh, both of them had to, had to head out to facilitate and help, help their team do all the checkouts. I mean, just the, the act of checking out people that already stood in line was, was such a, a, a monumental task. And anyway, you'll, you'll hear more about that. So after that, we welcome in from uh, big frig, uh, Brock Hutchinson, Lauren Plunkett from. Sawyer products, good conversation there. And I got to follow up with Lauren because we start getting into uh, moose talk, which I always get excited about. Um, Anyway, tick prevention and just how to eradicate those little pieces of trash. Alan Probst from North American Trapper and then Mark Drury from Drury Outdoors. We then have... Simon Kilabani from SK Guns, Ronnie Evans from Remington Ammo. Uh, let's see. And from Silencer Central, uh, Drew Sorensen joins us, talks about the new the new ways you're able to get cans now. It's it's a pretty streamlined deal. If if you're interested in getting a silencer for any of your firearms, you're gonna want to tune into that. That's uh, some good information there, a good program, and also good. Good, proud sponsors uh, of this here program. And personally for me, I got to fanboy out a little bit. Dr. John Deloney, uh, a local there in the Nashville area from uh, the Dave Ramsey show, Ramsey Solutions. uh, And he's a mental health expert. Uh, We connect the dots. Why being outside is so important for human beings? Why is it important for your physical health, your mental health? Um, And, you know, our our season hits right uh, during... um, uh, mental health awareness month. And I think that's well-timed and, uh, Hey, sitting at the bottom of a tree, listening to beautiful gobbles and other songbirds is, uh, is good for you. So, uh, the good doctor and I, we get into that and then Omar crispy Avila joins us. He got in the night before the veterans breakfast, which was presented by Winchester and, uh, yours truly, has the honor two years in a row of hosting that event of emceeing. So um, I hope I get to continue with that detail because um, it's uh, it feels it feels right being there uh, amongst my my veteran brothers and sisters. And um, I just I just really enjoy it. And it's there's there's a nice personal touch there. So me and me and Crispy chop it up and uh, learn more about him and his story. You guys want to tune in for that. And I will remark on the veterans hunt if you're hearing this and you didn't know the veteran uh not veterans hunt the veterans breakfast if you didn't know that we did that well you do now and find a way to be there if you are a a vendor man come on down before you hit the show floor we'd love to have you we do some really nice stuff to recognize our veterans um the speakers are always good and um yeah it's important that we pack those those tables full of vets so if you can be there in 2024, I would I would look forward to that. We end the day with Dan Compton from Federal, uh, Ronnie's boss, as you will affectionately hear me <laughs> laugh about. So another stacked, packed lineup. We're going to get right to it on day two, the NWTF Convention Sports Show. Again, uh, wink and a nod, 15, 20 minute segments. These are like radio, terrestrial radio style interviews. So they're not super long form. So if there's somebody you want to get right to, I'd encourage you to listen to all of them. But if you want to jump around, there's your warning. We're going to do all that in 90 seconds. Let's go.
Hey guys, this is Aaron with The Hunting Public. Each spring we head to the woods chasing turkeys and one overlooked product that we use religiously is Sawyer permethrin. We've used it for years to keep ticks off of us and it's worked extremely well. We don't like messing around with Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anything like that. So I would highly recommend if you're a spring turkey hunter spending any time in warmer climates in the outdoors to use Sawyer permethrin. Learn about their advanced insect repellents and family of technical lightweight water filters at Sawyer.com. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. All right, up, up and away. It is day number two of the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention and Sports Show. Coming to you from the Turkey Call All Access Podcast booth on the floor of the Delta area. We're kicking things off. Class of 2023 Hall of Famer and prolific turkey caller and all-around caller, world-class caller, Mark Prudhoe. Mark, thanks for uh, separating yourself a little bit from the uh, upstairs world of calling competition and spend some time with us. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. How are, uh, how are things kicking off upstairs? It's doing good. Everything's, we're really busy. A uh, lot of callers this year. Everything's doing real good. So... What is it? You know, I it's it's it's, it's a treat for me to get some, to have someone like you, uh, with all your accolades and your your calling resume and the years of experience. That event, in you know, right here we got it streaming. Uh, we have it streaming uh, live on on our Facebook feed and this year YouTube. So we're we're hitting two huge audiences with it. And there's always great response. What is it about the subculture? And that's and I affectionately call it so, of of turkey calling. What is it about that that's so rich that just People gravitate to that and just and then we'll hang up there for hours. Well, I think that one of the things is uh, turkey hunting is is unique in that that you're actually carrying on a conversation with the turkey. And I think that the better you are at that, the better, the more successful you'll be. Mm. And then I think that everybody wants to try to be as good a caller as they can. And they want to learn from these, you know, professional callers. And there's a lot to it. You know, the one, I always say the one, the one link that we have to the turkey is sound. Mm. And to try to imitate and learn the, the wild turkey's voice and vocabulary is just, it's just really cool. And uh, the, the better we can get at it, the 
the better, more successful we'll be. There are some callers, and, and I've talked about it on this program, that uh, oftentimes sound better than the actual bird, right? Oh, yeah. And so uh, I think some some turkey hunters, especially new turkey hunters, think they need, to, they need to get to that level right away to have that level of success. It's fair to say that you don't have to be Mark Rodome or you know, put somebody in there with high accolades and call the same way to get the job done. No. Um, you can be a successful turkey hunter without being a, you know, a great caller. Mm. Um, I think woodsmanship plays a big role mm. in it as well. It's very important to, to, to understand the wild turkey and its, and its ways. Um, and that makes a big difference, knowing everything there is to know about a turkey. And calling is a, is a big part of it, mm. but calling is not the, the, you know, I've seen some really, really good callers that mess things up. Sure, sure. And I've seen some guys that can't call a lick end up killing turkeys. Yeah, so yeah. Woodsmanship, I think, is very important. So for sure, woodsmanship, no doubt. But in, in, so with calling, maybe it's fair to say, it's not necessarily the, the the level of demonstration that you can perform, your proficiency of you know being you know an intermediate to a pro. It's understanding the vocabulary and literally speaking that language, like you alluded to, of, of having conversation that talking sure. to that turkey and knowing what calls to use in the appropriate time. Yeah, knowing the vocabulary um, and knowing what to say and when right. is 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 important. Is how you sound, I think. So, so talk about that. So for the first time, there's a lot of first timers here this year and, and the crowd was crazy yesterday. Here we are Friday and it's, it's just as good of a crowd already. Yeah. Uh, and it was spitting snow earlier. So in, in the crowd's still coming for the first timers hearing that, like, what does that mean? And, and, and go into that a bit so they can understand more like, you know, I just don't like the box call that's going on in the background. I just don't go out there and just start ripping on something. No, I think it's important that you need to understand what you're saying and when to say it. Yeah. You don't want to do a putt when the turkey's, you know, right there and and, and giving them an alarm sound. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's times where you you probably don't need to call. Uh, I've always been taught that if something's coming to you, you don't call it. Sure. So um, the main thing is it's really important to know when to call and what to say. And the only way to do that is to get out there and do it and learn by experience or, or learn from from other folks that that know that and it, it's hard it's difficult to know um the turkeys have a lot of different they make a lot of different sounds and uh knowing what to say and when is is really important the time of the season sure <laughs> you got um a lot of times in the fall you hear um more assembly yelping and more kikis and things like that springtime you got you know a, a lot of excitement a lot of different calls so knowing what did you know season whatever season you hunt you know a lot of places have fall seasons and that kind of thing so um and you, i don't a lot of people don't don't do it but um you also you know sounded like a gobbler a lot of times is very effective so mm. it's not just hen talk and especially in the fall gobbler talk's important too yeah completely and i've, I've personally noticed that myself talk about gobbling because i mean obviously here on the floor this is all you hear is, is a lot of hen talk right yeah um 
certain safety aspects of it that need to be considered, but you know, the biology of a bird, how these birds are built is is for the females to come to the males. And it, and somehow in our in our way of hunting, we've uh, we've been able to work it out and flip that script and get the male birds to come to us act most of the time acting as a female, but gobbling in, a, in the in the right situation, understanding your environment, who's around, potentially private land maybe is probably the best place. Sure. But in using that gobble to work on the dominance of that bird, speak to that. Well, and, and here's here's the thing. A lot of people use uh, a gobbler decoy or mm -hmm. a strutting decoy. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so what you're doing is you're giving a visual, you know, you're, you're, you're playing on his jealousy or dominance. So let's say you're hunting thick cover or you're, you're in places where they can't see what, you know, a decoy is a visual. So I'm going to give him the audio version of that. So he's, when he sees a strutting decoy or a male decoy, he just assumes it is, it's going to gobble. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what he's expecting. So when they can't see the decoy or you don't have a decoy, that kind of thing, goblin kind of serves the same purpose. A lot of people don't realize that. And I think a lot of people are maybe uh, afraid to gobble. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people feel like they don't have a good gobble. But I mean, I've heard turkeys that don't gobble real well. Yeah. Jake, Jake's don't gobble real <laughs> no, well. No, they don't. So, so <laughs> if you're looking to uh, to learn to gobble, I guess <clears throat> what what call would you start out on? I mean, there's obviously there's gobble tubes and and, and such, but there's a lot of talented folks that compete upstairs uh, that that do it with mouth calls, box calls. What, what in your opinion, is someone learning to gobble? How should they start? I think one of the easiest calls to learn to gobble on is a tube call. Yeah. A tube is, uh, you know, it's basically just a tubular device with a piece of latex stretched across that you put to your mouth. And um, it's probably one of the easier ones to learn mm -hmm. to, to gobble on. Makes great hen yelps, too. But uh, it's very versatile call. But to be able to just pick something up and gobble on it to me that seems like one of the more easier ones. and that's i mean it fair to say it's we could term that an old school call at this point because oh, you know yeah. it's not very common anymore no and you know here's the thing I, I tell people you got back in the older days you had wing bones and trumpet calls and uh tube calls that were a bit it was a big deal and then box calls of course were around and uh that kind of thing but I think box calls through the years, you know, many years have gotten better. Yeah. And then pot calls and the materials that pot calls and boxes are made out of and the different exotic woods and things. So those things and diaphragms, of course, oh. those those have evolved so much that that people obviously want the best sounding device mm. that are the easiest one to, to make the sounds on. So I think trumpets and tubes kind of fell by the wayside yeah. and, and wing bones. Um, but I think we're seeing a big resurgence I of that. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. There is a resurgence in that. I can attest to the wing bone. Uh, that's my ace up my sleeve. Sure. When, I, when I can't get anything to work and I've gone through my vest of treats uh i'll pull that wing bone out and start going to town on it and i would i don't have hard data but i would say with great consistency that's the equalizer for me sure. and we'll and we'll flip that script and make Absolutely. it happen i would love 
and you talking, you and I were talking about this yesterday. I've envied these trumpet calls. And they, they, earlier before we went on air, talking about my first assignment as an RD working the custom call making. Aesthetically, they're beautiful, mm-hmm. but functionally, they're fantastic. And I almost appreciate them to more to the wingbone call. I feel like um, the, the way you guys build them and you put the um, what's the part that goes on the top lip stop, the lip stop like that. That's that's helpful as well. Yeah. Um, and it gets your get your lips right where it needs to be so you can get that right sound. Get, it's consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you the, the first thing when you first call first thing in the morning and you're trying to be quiet, you don't want to overdo it. Um, getting that having that lip stop and getting your lips in the right spot mm-hmm. to make that first call. And I mean, a box or a pot's the same way. You know, you, you got to get that striker on there and you want to hit that very first call just right. Lip stop helps you with that more consistently. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great it's just a great tool, something to add to it. And remind, it reminded me of like um, an anchor point, a kisser button, uh, you know, with your archery tackle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. Um, when you're working that trumpet, are you, are you centering it? Are you going in the corner of a mouth? Is it, what's the best way to run that call for the uninitiated? Well, a, a lot of people want to try to put it in the corner of their mouth to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do it well. Um, I run more in the center. Okay. And the reason why is I have more control over my lips in the center. Sure. Over to the side, you have a lot of uh, a lot more soft tissue. It's a little harder to, to, to get that tight seal. Mm. Um, I like to run it in the middle. It just gives me a lot more control, I feel. Yeah. I feel, um, I feel like you would get more um, air sucking and then like saliva buildup that would not work in your favor for that getting that seal right because then you yeah you get an off note and you know in the wrong situation right that off note and that'll do it right right <laughs> <laughs> um you are uh we, we we led with it class of 2023 hall of fame what's that mean to you man i'm i'm honored to be in there i tell you <clears throat> i look back over all the years and and all the guys that I competed with and, and uh, the guys that are already in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. I, I never thought that I would be, you know, in the same category with those guys and uh, very honored to, to be so. And, um, man, it's just a, it's a dream come true. Oh, big congratulations. Uh, Thank you. When you talk about turkey calling, some some people call it the sport. Some people call it the art. Is is it a combination of the two, or is one more appropriate than the other? Man, I tell you, if you uh, some folks you hunt with uh, that running gunners, it's definitely a sport. <laughs> <laughs> I have trouble keeping up with some guys, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 a it's an art mm-hmm. in 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 my mind um, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. It's an art to build a call. It's, can you just imagine taking a piece of wood? or or whatever and making it sound like a turkey yeah and it's it's it, you're creating a a musical instrument yes. a device that mimics a, a wild turkey plus um honestly the hunting in the, the the way that you have set up and all this thing is in my mind becoming a dying art a lot of a lot of people overlook the way you set up and the way you go about sitting down to a turkey Mm. um and and uh so many times now you know 
people are focused on that they see videos youtube television they're focused on that instant you know sit down call kill the turkey sure it doesn't work like doesn't that. happen in 23 minutes no <laughs> without so, commercials so a lot of that woodsmanship i think is a dying yeah. it's an art it's art and there's no doubt about it um I think it's a lot of a lot of skills coming together. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's art all the way around. I would absolutely agree. And then understanding topography, knowing your your landscape and the ecosystem around you, and, and the habits of those birds, and it, it's such a great point. You know, this this instant gratification uh, society that we live in. It's it's a it's a product of what we're doing here. You know, just yeah. instant information and accessibility, and you know, at that has to be said and it does not translate to what we do when we go for our outdoor uh, pursuits whether you're whitetail hunting you're shooting waterfowl or you're owning the spring hunting turkeys sure it's it's not in some cases it is you get lucky and you know things work out right uh, more often than not it's not and um being able to to play your instrument uh, and i agree with you a thousand percent that you know, many of these are literally reeded instruments yes um it's just as good as a saxophone or a, you know a, an alto saxophone whatever you want to call it They're, these are reeded instruments so you're learning to play an instrument your woodsmanship your understanding of the world around you and, and, and investing that time and in, into study um it's what makes it a complete scenario and a completely wonderful experience. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. Mark, it's been great having you. Thanks so much. I'm going to give you some time back and let your ears settle down. You got a, another full day of uh, listening to the fine instruments. We got two two more days of, yeah. of uh, listening to turkey calls. Yeah. I, I love every minute of it. Every now and then it's good to hear some quiet. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Mark, sir, congratulations. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for you know uh, your support of our great organization and what you do for the sport and the art of turkey calling and, and turkey hunting. Well, I appreciate the National Wild Turkey Federation that provides us with a platform to be able to call and do things as well as what they do for the wild turkey. Nationwide, uh, I mean, it's a boots on the ground deal where we all got to kick in and, and do our part, but the National Wild Turkey Federation has absolutely led the way all these years, and um, I, I can't think of a, a better way to to help the wild turkey. Thank you. Appreciate those kind words, sir. Enjoy the rest of your convention. Thank you. All right, sir. All right, we are rolling and welcoming in. And, and what a pleasure, because this is the uh, Turkey Call All Access podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Tetra Hearing. And we have Bill Dixon from Tetra Hearing here right next to me. Welcome. And great to uh, have you on the show and appreciate your support. Fred, this is uh, absolutely awesome. Hey, I'm a, I'm a sound guy. And I got to say, I couldn't hear you. Yeah. So I'm going to turn you I'm going to turn you up. Okay. Go ahead and pull your mic a little closer. Okay. How's that? Better? Better, oh, better, better. I can yeah. hear me and I can hear you. Mark, so. our last <laughs> guest, uh, didn't want to sit close to me, so he got um, like three. So this is this is working out. We're good. <laughs> All levels are up. So, uh, again, appreciate the support. You guys have been great uh, since we brought uh, the podcast back to the NWTF and the ability to have that support and tell our story is so very important. But 
I want to hear your story, the story of Tetra. Um, I remember a colleague of mine seeing Zach Morton and his dad on the very first uh, ad runs, yep. and that was pretty cool. And, and that when that partnership came together, but how did you guys start? Why, why, why the the hearing products and, and where we're at today? Because it's 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 morphed and evolved into something that I don't know if you guys saw this coming when Zach was on those those ad pages. It, you know, it's probably the one of the most special part about it is that I don't think anyone saw this coming, yeah. and, and and we certainly knew there was opportunity in the market mm-hmm. um you know we it, it's 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 always wonderful to get a little bit lucky and we've certainly had some lucky breaks um what wasn't lucky is is what we're doing right now it was very purposeful of partnering with nwtf this is absolutely this is this is my homecoming mm-hmm. um our first big our first show ever our biggest show every year uh is is this show um the 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 first one we did in 2020 is is why we're still talking right now mm-hmm. we came in here we had a little itty bitty 10 by 10 booth i mean my partner david genemico and myself we had stick figures that yeah. we were we were dorky scientists showing graphs <laughs> and we had yeah. slides and it couldn't have been more awkward from yeah. a, a consumer facing point 56 guys bought turkey products yeah and, and for a thousand dollars a piece yeah um and that was our rocket blaster right there and and if nothing else it was confirming of the huge appetite of like guys can't hear Turkey hunting, the number one thing everyone agrees about, there's a lot of things that people like to argue about. What we agree about is it's an auditory sport. For right? sure. It is a, is, a, is a hunting sport of sound. That's what we fall in love with. If he didn't gobble, a whole lot of people wouldn't chase him, right? Like, yeah, well, I mean, that's when we talk about hunter satisfaction and the quality of the hunt, so much of that is predicated on here in turkey's yeah. gobble that's yeah. why in the south you have the 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 song uh, studies going on right now and all throughout the country and trying to track down populations and under, get an understanding of that what's what's keeping birds quiet what's not you know and all of that's coming together which is fantastic and it's, it's super fascinating but for your product you're allowing people who may have potentially aged out or or not have anything to do with age just have hearing issues to begin with um and allowing them to continue to turkey hunt Fred, you nailed it. You caught yourself on it, right? Like we we, we want to attribute hearing loss to uh, to birthday candles and right, right. And how many times we enjoy our own birthday cake, and it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. And, and what hearing loss is, it's what we do to ourselves along the way, mm-hmm. right? It's it's being a twelve year old on your dirt bike for the first time, right? right? And and running ATVs and uh, the first time someone, you know, that, that pup I'll let you cut wood with them and use right. a chainsaw and like those are the moments where we 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 miss as a society mm-hmm. the, the opportunity to say we need to do some things to protect ourselves yeah. we, we hand a young a young boy or girl a gun we, we're, we're crazy about gun safety mm-hmm. um, but man we leave the ears wide open yeah. right or, or we do crazy things like we go out and uh, we shoot for you know three weekends with grandpa in the backyard at targets and milk jugs and tin cans and and we can't wait till we're seven years old we're going that first squirrel hunt yeah. And the whole time in the backyard, we had earmuffs That's on. That's exactly and right. Bugs, and we go out and, and all of a sudden, now we're, we're hunting. Yeah. We don't use anything. That's right. And that's how we end up as a middle-aged yeah. dude that can't hear where the gobble's coming from. Right. We can't hear the cluck. We can't hear them sneaking up behind us, right? There's a whole lot of birds that are blamed on we didn't get them because we didn't hear them sneaking up behind mm-hmm. us. It's because you didn't hear them. Hear them. <laughs> it's not that uh, it's not that he, they're silent, right? They can be. They're sneaky critters. But so this this the whole concept of of what 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 we brought to the market with Tetra and in the, in the the turkey hunter was absolutely right in the middle of that wheelhouse. 
is that we were able to create, we're the first to, to, to build pursuit-based hearing systems. And the idea is that what you need as a hunter, as a duck hunter, as an upland you know, pheasant hunter in South Dakota, as a, as a timber hunter or being on a ridge in Georgia in the spring, what we need to hear and how we need to protect the ear is completely different based on the pursuit of hunting. Mm. And, um, and we really kind of did that, you know, when I moved to town here in Nashville and we started the, the, the musician's ear program up at, uh, up at Vanderbilt when I was on faculty up there, it feels like a whole long time ago. And, and everyone thinks that a musician has something in their ear. We know that all art, all artists have something in their ear these mm. days. Right. And people think, well, they're protecting their hearing. It has very little to do, if anything to do with protection. Yeah. It's about performance. Like the drummer, if you're the drummer and, and I'm the lead singer, our in-ear monitors are programmed completely different. Mm. It's how you need to hear the drums, how you want to hear right. the drums, how you play the drums and, and, and how I, how I sing, how I want it to sound. We took that philosophy and made it that we need to go after the sounds. Turkeys are super vocalized. They're, they're always making noise, right? We were able to record those, be able to, to, to create a patented formula on the replication of those turkey vocalizations. And so we can now make you hear what you need to hear huh. in the woods. Uh, and, and the best part is we correct for your hearing loss. We correct for all the damage that you've done having fun, you know, for however many years. Doesn't matter if you're 37 or 87. How many um, people that sit down, you know, that either... <clears throat> come to you guys and order them or go through the, the testing or sit down in a booth are surprised to learn they have significant hearing loss. You know, it's inter it's uh, they're surprised at how bad it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, hearing loss, um, hearing loss is often more present. It's more obvious to people in your life, mm -hmm. but it's easy to be in denial, right? Sure. She mumbles. She, she doesn't speak clearly. <laughs> She's talking over the TV. She talks from one room to another room. And I'm sorry, it's always here. It's always the guys in denial, yeah. right? Uh, it's it's funny. Back in my clinic days, I'd see it, 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 if a couple came in and it was normally her bringing him in, and I'd see her for the hearing test. We'd pick out the hearing aids. We'd do you know the the first fitting together, and then all of a sudden, I'd never see Mrs. ever again. Mm -hmm. It was like her job was done. Yeah, she she got <laughs> she got it fixed. Um, now, often we end up we would end up six months later fitting, selling hearing aids to uh, to, her to her because now her ears are the worst ears <laughs> in the house. But um, it, it's people don't realize the extent of it, and, and this is the, the cool part of, of of kind of peeling back that onion and looking mm. at the layers is when you start to talk about all the science. This is a big part of who we are, kind of as a healthcare focus. Sure. Is is the connection between hearing loss and in, in what we call cognitive processing disorders, dementia, Alzheimer's, yeah. short term memory loss, right? Yep. And uh, you know we we equate that the inner ear is nothing more than an oil filter, and uh, and it, it it determines what the brain gets stimulated by. And if we, you, you know that if you never changed your oil filter in your truck. You could pour all the new oil in there you yeah. want every thousand miles, and eventually that filter is going to clog and it's going to starve that engine. Sure. The, the inner ear is doing the same thing to the brain. If we end up, if we abuse our ears, abuse our hearing over a lifetime, 
we, we break down those nerve fibers. Those nerve fibers are unable to stimulate the brain. And that's what causes this cascade of problems, sure. things like Alzheimer's and dementia in, in short-term memory. It's hard to remember something that you don't hear clearly. Yeah, that's right? a great way like, to put it, right? <laughs> and so it's, it's truly that simple, this idea of like, well, I had, I had no idea how bad my hearing was. And I had no idea really how important it is when I listened to you and your team talk about, meaning the Tetra team, when you guys explain that, that I'm depriving my brain of sound and I'm making my brain work harder, um, then it makes sense. Then they get real, they get serious in a hurry. And, yeah. um, and the turkey hunter has been the absolute, uh, there are, there are by far our best and most fun success stories. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're the, these guys, you know, they'll call up, we get calls and texts every day of the week during turkey season about like no, great. i never would have heard that bird if i didn't have and so the quality not only are they out there going after their pursuits but the quality of that pursuit is now optimized in such a great way we're, we're out there to have a great time right yeah. and 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 we're we're super purposeful on our on our on our slogan of hear the hunt and, yeah. and and the turkey hunter brings again just brings that to it's it's the back of the tailgate right it's the biscuit at the gas station yeah. it's the drive out to the hunt it's yes it's hearing the birds it's hearing the woods we know how freaking awesome it is to, yeah. to to hear the woods wake up in the springtime right it's hearing 100%. all the songbirds it's um it, but it, it's more than just it's more than just the trigger pull and and yeah. we don't need to explain that to the turkey hunters right? no like, not to the people walking around here that's yeah, for yeah. sure yeah. uh there's a lot of, well you know i'll call uh, uh come back on that there's a lot of first timers here so there's a lot of people that are going to get super jacked up and then they're going to head out here in the next month or so and then they're going to get a touch of it and they're like yeah now i get it yeah. you know this is amazing. I, out here. I, I, you know, one of the beloved friends of uh, of NWTF is, is, is Bob Walker. And, and um, mm -hmm. he spent he just came and spent he was one of one of the early ones in. He got to us because of um, because of an awesome man named Cuz Strickland. Yeah. And, and Cuz has been a great fan. He was one of the first ones I ever, you know, we were out at SHOT Show the first time yeah. I met Cuz and dropped it in his ear. And um, it seems like we've been uh, blood brothers ever since. Yeah, yeah. And um, he got he got Bob to us. Bob came and just hung out yesterday in the booth. Didn't he brought his daughter and his daughter sat there and talked to our customers about the first time that she went hunting with and, and it was a complete surprise to me. It was so cool just to have someone, you know, that just, was that was the standard for so long. And I yeah. was gonna ask you about that is you know, early on you can I I can remember, you know, these the game ears and the muffs and all that. Uh, from the nineties and, and, and into the two thousands. Obviously your product is so different. I don't even think it's probably fair to compare the two, but that was the standard bearer for so very long. They worked, but I imagine yours, it's completely different. Man, you said that it is completely different. It's next level. And it's, yeah. and it's really based on matter of fact, what um, the, the biggest thing that we do with an onboarding, bringing on someone new on the team is uh, one of the absolute golden rules on day one is to, is to get anyone within the organization of tetra to know we never ever ever throw any shade yeah, yeah. on any other type of, of sure. hearing protection right um anything anyone does i've heard some crazy things like a 45 shell with a cigarette butt in the ear yeah, right? I'm not doing like that. That. well we're not doing that kind of stuff no. <laughs> but if, if it's an earmuff if it's an orange plug we yeah. get excited we congratulate we do high fives matter of fact we, uh, we 
we sent out a bunch of cool Tetra hats to guys uh, who, who, who texted me pictures uh, all during the holidays with like, you know, dad's got a set of Tetras and, you know, the, their kids standing there holding their first, you know, first Mallard Drake. And, uh, and he's got a set of walkers on the uh, earmuffs or orange plugs. And we sent him a hat and like, awesome. keep it up. Way to go. Great mentor, dad, number one. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, that little, that little eight year old kid will never forget. He knows that a, being a duck hunter is wearing something in your ears. So, yeah. um, what, what's, what, what's super cool is we're able to take it and we're doing some, some awesome things on the, on the protection side. Mm-hmm. Um, we really don't talk about that a whole lot because anyone, anyone, anything that you do to protect your ear is good in our eyes. Of course. What we talk a lot about is creating an awesome hearing experience before the protection is needed. And as, as a hunter, and especially as a turkey hunter, the idea is that if, if I can't hear what I want to hear, I'm not going to do anything to my ear. Yeah. And that's where musicians were 20, 25 years ago. And we were able to fix that within the ear mm. music monitors, right? Um, and that's what we're doing. All we did is bring that science and that technology we went to a, a very high level. You know, uh, you, you can jump on our website and look at, you know, the kind of the, the dorky stuff about like how many bands are processing and um, and how we customize it for your hearing loss. But the reality at the end of the day, we want to create as awesome and as an optimized of a hearing experience that you can possibly have with your ears based on your hearing results. Um, and then when that trigger's pulled, you're fully protected. Yeah. Well, um, that's the best of both worlds. And it's a gift, like we said, dude, to be able to reestablish that and have that quality hunt or that just that, that life experience, you know, I sit here and listening to you talk and I think about, and I've thought about this before about my hearing, like what would be worse to lose my eyesight or my hearing? These are two senses that I do not want to live without. I could probably get by with a pretty good quality life, having my eyes, not my ears. And I think that's where most people go. And I feel like, uh, you know, it's like a blue collar, lame guy that doesn't know all the, the dork stuff. Um, people look at their hearing or consider their hearing like they, they do their physical fitness. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And they just keep pushing <laughs> off. And then it over time accumulates and it just continues to uh, not improve before it's too late, before it becomes a problem, before your, your blood pressure is too high, you have heart disease, your knees friggin' hurt because you try to go turkey hunting. You can't walk 200 yards without being out of breath. And, and now your knees hurt and you got to just sit all day. Right. You're hearing, too. So it's not something you can get back really ever the way you had it when you first came out. Dude, you just rocked it. Like uh, we've spent little, very little time, you and I together, uh, getting to know each other and you just crushed it. Like that's, if, if you see it like that, if that's the message that we're getting across, you, yeah. you, that's spot on. And that's a great way of looking. We, 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 we put our ears off, we abuse them across a lifetime. No, no one really teaches. Uh, we don't take time to kind of teach that safety. You look at how like, um, I mean, I, I've got three kids, how they grew up is 20, one turns 20, my oldest turn my baby turns 27 tomorrow. Mm. Uh, my youngest is 19. How they how they proceeded through things like getting the driver's license and being independent and driving around and that they don't know what it's like to be in a moving vehicle without a seatbelt on, without, right. without a restraint. Right. Um, they I, I grew up. My mom and dad asked me to please wear my seatbelt when I got my driver's license, yeah, right? right? <laughs> um, and they'd threaten to take away the keys if if they saw me in the small town I grew up in without my seatbelt right. on, type stuff. And like that just doesn't happen in today's world. Yeah. Like you look at, you go out west, you go anywhere, you look at a, a downhill ski hill, right? You're the oddball. You're the you're the weird one. If Guilty. You, if you don't have a don't helmet, have a helmet, on, right? Yeah, um, but that's but that's a generational thing. I, I grew up in northern Michigan, and I never had a helmet yep. when I was. Um, yep. You look at the 
look at the the face guard that they have now on on batters. You look at yeah. hockey players. Yep. I grew up, I grew up skating. Uh, no one wore helmets. Yep. No one now we have everyone wears a helmet. They have mm-hmm. a face shield. Cage, yep. uh, you look at what football helmets have gone through across the time, and like there's been this evolution, and somehow the the hunting shooting community has really, especially the hunting side, and especially that waterfall hunter, has just kind oh, of left yeah. the ears. Like, yeah. The waterfall hunter is, is the most abusive yeah. to, to the hearing system. And, and you 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 kicked it out when you said it. You know, when you go through the iteration of practice and you take the precautions, I, it, you're exactly right. It doesn't translate. Uh, and it's why you don't I mean, need to hear them, especially with ducks. You don't need to hear them. They're coming like, OK, here they come. Let's go. No one's quiet in the duck line. Yeah. And that's the whole point. It's like you you, yeah. you want to be able to talk. You want to be able to that's hear. Exactly you want right. to be able to cut up. You're, you're making fun of each other. That's like, why I'm telling hunt. stories. Yeah. You're teaching the next generation. Yeah. Like you're doing business. It doesn't matter. It's all about communication and connection. Yeah. Um, and you, in, 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 and again, with a lot of products, the traditional products, and, and again, most products were built for the guy pulling the trigger on the range mm-hmm. and the hunter is just supposed to adapt to it. Yeah. And you took away their scent. They're one of the most critical senses yeah. is the ability. Your eyes give you 135 degrees of information. Your ears give you 360 right. degrees of information and, uh, and, and they work 24 seven. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can fall asleep with the TV on. You can fall asleep with a fan running. You can like none of that wakes you up. The baby monitor goes off. The dog barks. The window breaks. Bump the, in the night. Like, and your brain is constantly yeah. getting stimulated by your ears. And it's your brain. This is where the whole idea is like we've been we've been lying to like kids in science for a long time. We say we hear with our ears. Mm. We don't hear with our ears. Our ears collect and deliver the signal we hear with our brain. Yeah. Right. And that's where I was going next was like it's all of this right here and everything in between them. Yeah. <laughs> like just the most vital stuff. Look at football players. Look at uh, the, the guy from Miami, the quarterback down there, like. The most important stuff in the senses all are right here above our neck for the most part. Everything else you can kind of get around with. But once everything neck yeah. up goes, good luck. Well, well here's one to, to I know we've probably got to wrap up. But yeah. you, you, you asked an, an awesome question. It's one that's been it's it's been studied a lot about would you rather lose your if you had to, you know, right. for, forced choice. Sure, sure. Rotten choice. Terrible. Lose your hearing, lose your eyesight. It's completely age dependent. So what what all of the studies, that question has been asked in a million psychological studies mm. and a million hearing studies. And it's usually it's about 55, 50 and below choose, uh, choose. They'll give up their hearing. Yeah. Almost always 60, 65, 70 and above. Yeah. They always choose that they would give up their eyes. I get that. Their connection. Helen Keller did it best. That's right. She said, our connection to things is with our eyes. Our connection to people is with our ears. Right. A hundred percent. And you think about how much we rely on that later in life. Mm -hmm. And and that brings meaning to life. How vulnerable are you if you can't hear a threat? You can't hear anything. You can't hear a car coming. Yep. Sir, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you for the support. Thanks for making time. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure. I'm glad. Yeah. We'll do it again for sure. Longer format because there's there's a lot to cover. Awesome. Bill Dickinson from Tetra Hearing. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming in. Take care. All right, sir. Cheers to a good, a good event. And indeed. The good doctor has been on this here program before, and this here program is welcoming in Dr. Brett Kyle.
Collier, Dr. Shortsburg. Good to see everybody today, even though I'm only looking at you. It's all good. Hundreds of people walking by right now. So, <laughs> oh man, it's good to good to see you again. How are things? I'm turning off my phone. My uh, my people were in the field this morning trapping turkeys. So, Where? Uh, Louisiana. Oh, cool. And so, what's uh, what's going on there? Um, give me a second. Yeah. Well, we've got a big big project with the Forest Service and Louisiana Department of Wildlife Fisheries. And what did they get this morning? Uh, shot a net over ten. Caught three adult males, one juvenile male, and six females. Ah, so what's the study? Uh, we're looking. So you guys probably uh, Hurricane Laura. Yep. Came plowing through West Central Louisiana, and uh, we've been working out there for almost nine years uh, with the uh, uh, Louisiana Department of Wildlife Fisheries on um, basically wild turkey ecology, like reproductive timing, you know, all the things that we do, mm -hmm. right? And then Laura blew right through our study site. I mean, just screwed it all up. Screwed it all up. Plowed it, and the Forest Service is putting. Uh, tens of thousands of acres of uh, habitat restoration on the ground. Mm -hmm. And we just fortunately had, you know, this cool opportunity to be like, hey, a, a before after control impact study with yeah. wild turkeys and see how they respond to all these different types of vegetation manipulation yeah. and the, the kind of, you know, pine open forest on the Forest Service lands that just got, I mean, we're talking acres of woods just knocked over, right? So, so there's salvage cuts and burning and all kinds of stuff. So we've been out there, this will be our third year post-storm. Yeah. And I got a new graduate student, Rachel Price, who's uh, who's grinding away. And I'm eh, probably at about 80 turkeys right now. And we'll shoot a few more nets next week. Is and this the same hurricane study that was presented on in Ash Asheville? No, that was so, uh, yeah, a different one. So, so how does this compare then? Don't know yet. Okay. Um, so so the, the one that uh, was presented in Nashville was uh, David Mosecki, who was a graduate student. David, uh, that's right. And he's now, he was a master student of mine. And um, the uh, hurricane, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was, uh, the big one hit Texas mm -hmm. and flooded out Houston. It, okay. It, or flooded out west of Houston. It swamped our study site for four days with, you know, ridiculous winds. It basically went up and did a little loop right in yeah, the yeah. County area. And um, it was very much looking at like acute impacts. How many birds died? Did they change roosting habitat? Right. Did we lose roosting habitat? You know, did they move a lot differently? This one's a little different that we're doing in Louisiana with response to Laura because it's able to track over the long term what all these different restoration practices for turkeys do for forests do and how turkeys respond to them. We can actually see what they like and what they don't like on an experimental scale because we got this whole other areas that we've been monitoring birds for, I don't know, eight or nine years that weren't touched Yeah, because the storm just kind of came up like this. So we had birds where the storm hit and birds where it didn't hit. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool stuff. So we, you know, we're going to be Forest Service and Louisiana Department of Wildlife Fisheries are great partners and we are... Uh, we're going to be studying birds out there for five years now, five more years. So yeah. we'll have almost, by the end of it, 17 years in West Central Louisiana worth of data. So that's a, a lot of information. Yeah. It scares me. How do you, do you, can you like continue to like render that down as you go? Or are you constantly refining of something that's so long? I think that it's, uh, I think it's a constant refinement of the project, yeah. but I think that what we do is, you know, my job, um, I mean, any academic's job is to get information out that supports turkey conservation, sure. land management, what we can do on private lands, which is a big deal because not everybody can burn thousand acre blocks right. like Forest Service or harvest timber and that. So I think what we're able to do is say, okay, look, this happened, we did this restoration activity and it didn't work. The turkeys didn't use it. This happened and they did. And then we can distill that down to a ground level management conservation action sort of thing to where we can reach out to private landowners, especially mm. uh, in the southeastern United States and say, here's what we found that, that was good. Here's what didn't work. Here's what you can apply. And I think that's kind of the long term goal, because, I mean, we've always said that, you know, turkey conservation is going to rest on the backs of private landowners. Right. right? I mean, you know, it's just the way it is. So the more information we can get out to the public. 
you know, the people that own 20 acres, 50 acres, 100 acres, you know, and are trying to do some sort of management on it, if we can help uh, refine some of that, I think it's a, it's a win for everybody. And it supports state agencies whenever they're private land biologists, whether you're in Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, you know, Georgia. Their people, you know, see information from studies all across the region, and then they can take it and distill it down for, you know, the stakeholders in any individual state. So just because something's done in Louisiana by me or Georgia by Mike, it doesn't mean that it's not useful for somebody in Mississippi or in Tennessee sure. or in Arkansas. So so that's kind of, I think, the, the long term goal. It'll be, it, it'll be plus it's a lot of fun, right? We go out yeah. and catch a whole bunch of turkeys <laughs> and grad students going to go run around in the bushes all summer. And it's, it's, awesome. it's a good time. What do you think that with the private landowners, what's the biggest challenge? I would suspect that it's 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 a storytelling uh, challenge and then getting access to them, like making them have buy and like why you're telling me something's good for these birds. But why do I care? Uh, well, I think it's you're right. It's probably why do they care? Because most private landowners, just generally speaking, most private landowners aren't managing returns. Right. That's just the way it is. Right. right. Um, you know, there are added conservation benefits of good. I mean, good management for turkeys is good management for deer. It's sure. good management for quail. It's good management for upland birds. It's good management for the little dicky birds and the shrub scrub birds and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's good management for watersheds. And, you know, I mean, it's good management. Um, I think that the problem becomes how do we implement or affect enough land to yeah. actually have a difference? Yeah. <clears throat> right. Because most places don't. Uh, What's the word? Most people don't have the financial funds to go sure. out and just do a whole bunch of management on land. I mean, television makes it seem like anybody can go out with a tractor right. and a back, you know, but you, you got to have a tractor and a back. I don't know how to drive a tractor. Stuff. Yeah. You know, or, or, you know, dump a bunch of fire on the ground. So I think that some of the cooperatives that people are, are getting engaged in where groups of landowners are getting together and working on management actions is really a, really a good thing. I mean, and I think that the more we can support that, yeah. As as academics, as opposed to just like being a turkey biologist, working at a university and publishing papers, getting that information out there to, you know, with our stakeholders and with our state agency personnel, I think it's really useful. Yeah. So. so how do you go by identifying like, because I can imagine there's got to be some sort of mechanism in place where it's like you're just not going knocking on doors, you mm. know, randomly. Like there's got to be somebody that owns a big tract of land that either a butts a project or as close to it's like if we could get these contiguous acres together no. this could really have an impact you know some of that stuff is done in-house like the 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 landowners get together and then they approach us really you know, I, yeah that's I a, great uh, so deer cooperatives were a big thing in the 90s okay yeah right? people get together so they could all do kind of, you, you would know about this right and um turkey cooperatives aren't a big thing and i'm not advocating we suddenly start turkey cooperatives sure, right? sure. but but turkey people getting together and talking about managing land everybody asks what can i do on my land to help turkeys and if you got 30 acres whatever you do is you know 30 acres out of a thousand that bird's going to use over a year might not be super important the whole year but it might be really important right now for brooding season set sure. right so if you can get enough people talking to where people are managing their properties together but all of them aren't trying to manage for the exact same thing we don't need a thousand acres of brooding habitat so diversity is yes we need roosting key. habitat yeah. you know we need nesting habitat we need places they can hide places they can forage places they can brood all that kind of stuff mm. and having more people together i think provides more opportunity for that for sure and whenever you can look at it from these big type of uh i say big it's fairly large studies over fairly long uh, time periods we can get geez down to where we're gonna give some pretty good recommendations you know 
you know, about how frequently you should burn and how much should be burned and how wide should burns be and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, if we're going to do mechanical or, or you know, chemical treatments mm. on vegetation, what should we do? And, you know, what's going to give the best, you know, forb to grass ratio and that kind of stuff. So I'll I think tell it's important. You, there are some things, you know, uh, so the guy that runs the social for this great organization there are hot button issues, but nothing seems to be more hot button than chemical treatment mm-hmm. and then fire. And and my challenge, I guess, as a storyteller is, you know, I'm not trying to frame an argument or craft it from the, the science or the, 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 the story that gets kicked to me. But it seems like there's two very opposed sides of the people that get it. And understand the value and the people that think you're burning the world down uh, because there's some nefarious shadowy hand of, uh, working behind the scenes. I don't understand that side of it because it's never really been uh, articulated to me in a way that wasn't just out of emotion. Right. Right. There was no fact behind it. I appreciate people that are stakeholders because they live there they live in that community they they see smoke they see fire like this is traditionally a bad thing Mm -hmm. we run from this we put it out yeah i I just think with all the value and the things i I learned so much from you guys in in north carolina at that symposium i i I still i talk about it all the time and i can't wait for the next one oh yeah it's in 2025 but it's like this great secret that shouldn't be like this information is so important to get out so happy to be there and have very layman conversation about the very heady stuff you guys do and it's so technically driven because yeah. you have the pedigree to to do that i don't but i need to understand it because i'm the guy telling other people right. about it and it's fantastic you know it's it's a problem because as an academic right mm. i mean i don't want to say my job is to be smart but my job is to think your job is to be smart it's my you job are to, smart yeah we're all smart in our own way but <laughs> my, my job is to try and think outside the box yeah. and and answer questions or address questions that the the average hunter or landowner doesn't typically think about because Mm -hmm. that's what drives conservation forward. And that's not just me. That's any academic studying any topic, right? The fire, if fire is in in herbicide, I mean, I I tend to think that herbicide uh, is less controversial than, than prescribed burning. When they drop it from helicopters, they freak out. People tend to freak out. But, I mean, that's a good way to push back things like mesquite in Texas, right? Spray it from the air. Um, But fire tends to get a bad rap predominantly because warm season fires are historically what occurred in the southeastern United States. Mm -hmm. You know, the spring and summer fires. And there's a lot of concern that nests are being burned. Right. All right. And, And the evidence is really clear um that we don't burn nests whenever we're setting up fires and yes. and, and look somebody will say dr collier said we didn't do no it happens right every once in a while we burn a nest. but you guys course. are solving for that right you, the, the, where we're burning are not typically areas where these birds are nesting exactly so turkeys tend to nest in what we call two to three year roughs okay <laughs> excuse me um where they go out and it's it's two years post burn or three years post burn um we that's generally where they nest at and we're generally not burning those on that rotation right Right. um and you know they'll you know after you burn stuff they generally don't nest in it that year they'll get into year one a lot of them get into it year two and then by three or four is when we start burning again so most of the birds aren't even nesting because it's not even usable to them anymore it's yeah it's we got to burn it to put it back to where it's usable um you know we tend to see these birds use fire like here's a good example we caught some birds what last week in uh southern or in uh, western louisiana around port polk called the vernon unit and they burned that day 
that I mean, we caught the birds that morning. They had fire on the ground two hours later mm. in this unit, right? And it's a it's a quail management unit that they're working on. And birds are out there just pecking up little hot popcorns, you know, all, all over the ground yeah. uh, later that day. Um, I think that fire gets a bad rap. Um, and I think that well, well-planned fire, well-timed fire at the appropriate scale is probably the most powerful mm-hmm. management action we can have. And the beauty of fire is, is it works at 20 acres as well as it works at a thousand sure, acres. Sure. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it, it costs a lot to, if you have, you know, a thousand acres, it costs a lot to drive your tractor over and bush hog and all that kind right. of stuff, right? But fire is awesome. It works the same and it's pretty cheap. How much yeah. it costs to fill up the drip torch <laughs> and right. have a couple people out there. Um, I think some of the controversy with it comes along with the the decline in turkeys that we've seen right and and people are fearful um and this is my opinion i don't have scientific fact on this but i think that people are fearful that fire at the wrong time can negatively negatively impact turkeys when we're already seeing broader scale or having broader scale concerns with population right. trajectories right um and that's a valid concern sure right um but i also think that science tends to lend itself to show that that's not something that uh, we should be as concerned about as, say, land fragmentation and, and rural areas right. going to into a more, uh, uh, I don't want to say suburban, but like an exurban type of area right. where you get the ranchettes and the smaller properties that are 10 acres and they've got, you know, um, non-native cool season grasses, right. And, right. you know, that, or you get areas where we're not managing them. And, and this is the thing that I tell people all the time when I go do property visits, right? If you get down on your knees and like squat, like you're a catcher in a baseball game and you look, if you can't see, turkeys can't see either. Right. So we, we talk, you know, it's managing that kind of understory, right. story, So it's not a brushy, thick fence. And and that gets a, that tends to get a lot of people, especially I mean, I'm in Louisiana. Right. I mean, everything grows every day of the year right. around. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a constant battle. Um, but by by going out with a landowner and saying, OK this field looks good and here's why and getting on the ground and talking about open ground and bare ground and you know grasses and forbs and being able to see through it and having some woody components here and there you know having rubies and blackberry and all that kind of jazz laying around is awesome but when you look at something and it's a a mat of yopon or you know that that they can't walk through they don't right. go in there that's death that's right. bobcat or you know something <laughs> right. hiding in there i mean that's where that's where turkeys go to die exactly so we try to you know the, the trick is how do we take the the really random data that that we as scientists and academics collect and do you know just beat the crap out of it with statistics and math and then what is our job right, right. make sure we're, we're getting good answers and then interpret that better for conservation actions with private landowners and you know we've been working pretty hard on outreach through social media um you know using our our state wildlife biologists you know private lands folks and working with our state wildlife agencies and um i mean the Louisiana department of wildlife issues is great you know they they ask something we get an answer for them we hand it back to them and they distribute it out and work with folks all over the place um you know i've got a great relationship with cody the turkey biologist there in the state and 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 the 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 feedback loop is awesome here's what works here's what doesn't work and, and that occurs in almost every state it's right good. because all states are a little bit different well, what goes on in louisiana isn't maybe the same as tennessee and isn't maybe the same as illinois so mm-hmm. but the feedback loop is really what we need and the engagement that we get you know with our stakeholders with our landowners and our hunters is super important um so i think that that's probably the the high and low of that i mean you know 
And but I mean, fire good, and we're not burning up mess too much. So, yeah. what does Hart want? He's they're up next. Oh well, they can just wait. Him and the, I mean, him and the boys are coming in. Oh well, they can just come over here and say hi. So, <laughs> so yeah, but no, and it's it's fun to be here on the you know fiftieth anniversary yeah. because it's actually. And I'll just say this because I know that NWTF was founded the same you know time I was founded. Mm-hmm. So it'll be you know their fiftieth now, and mine isn't about what September first. So nice. a few months from now. So it's having been a turkey biologist for oh man over twenty years now, and watching the progression of knowledge from our hunting and our our recreation related community, and how that kind of has grown through the use of social media, through the use of our partners in, you know, conservation organizations, mm. even even the non-technical ones like, you know, Mossy Oak, right? Or, you know, Nomad Outdoors, or, you know, they, they use their their platforms, right? To get information out there. Yeah. And, and, and tell and, the story. And tell the story. And I think that they sometimes reach as many, if not more people than we do, yeah. just because of the, the structure they've got set up. So, so all of us kind of working together has been a, a real bonus, yeah. I would say. I'm encouraged by the hunger and thirst for, for knowledge and information that's out there. Uh, certainly COVID showed, you know, the, the thirst and hunger for, for you and your information, Doc Chamberlain and, and people that work with you and work on these studies. Um, obviously, I wish I had we had more time to keep going because I can nerd out for days. But um, uh, it's, it's all right. You know, people are asking us. You're doing great stuff. They're like, we want you to go back and start doing the the Facebook live, yeah. the videos because and just talk. Yeah, because we love podcasts and listen to that kind of it's stuff. Good yeah, info. We're, we're always down to do that. So. Appreciate you, man. Thanks Absolutely. so much. Have wow. a great convention. Happy birthday when it comes up. When it comes around, so we'll see each other for then. Yeah. Take care, man. No doubt. Thanks, man. You uh. Heart turned me back on to box calls. I sat there like a uh, like a know-it-all jerk turkey hunter. So I'm too cool for box calls. I did that stuff when I started out, and then he came up and hunted Maine and New Hampshire with me on his pursuit. And I said, shoot, man, if that dude can roll with box calls and I watched him working, I was like, I got to reevaluate myself and put my ego in my back pocket. Now I got too many box calls. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so I was gonna say first of all, they're they're works of art. Oh, they there's are a lot of history with them. Oh. Yeah, too. I've grown up hunting with our dad. He's a he, he loves a big old long paddle box. Yeah, you know, mid morning trying to strike one, and he's always he's always used one, never put it down. So no, he's never never definitely never been too proud for box calls. No, so no, no. It's it's just it's just a funny you know commentary on on our community how just how people. Uh, maturate through through all of it and points you get to oh i mean yeah you got we got buddies they'll you know you go through different phases of what call you want to run and then you got a buddy who's doesn't know what trumpet trumpet calls are and then as soon as he falls down the trumpet rabbit hole oh man going into the woods with we we kicked the morning off of mark prudome starting off day two so i I went down that rabbit hole early yeah (laughs) uh if you don't recognize the voices, uh, welcome back to the program. Freaking Flyer, Jason Hart, Mossy Oak, and uh, Daniel Hayes. Uh, we were ma- able to uh, wrangle one of them away from uh, the crazy excitement that is the Mossy Oak. It is the NWTF convention and sports show, but uh, fully supplemented and supported by the great people at Mossy Oak. <laughs> the day one was just completely insane with uh, the release of the vest, the Fox vest. And I think I heard as I was going to the gym this morning at a, a bright and early uh, 4.30, uh, there was a, a wash of camo that came over me that wasn't there the day before. And I was like, looking around, I was like, oh, what, what, what's happening? Where, why is everyone up? And uh, you guys, you headed it off. And the 200 tickets you gave out for day two were given out, I think, by 430. Yeah, that's right. And they uh, 
I mean, it's it's been we've been blown away the the past two nights. It's been it's been unbelievable. Uh, the first night we came down here um, around eight p.m. and there was already a guy sitting in line for the <laughs> next day's vest to go on sale, and that we thought that was crazy. You know, by midnight there were. 10 to 20 people waiting in line and uh we, we were so blown away that first night and then last night we walk out there and when the show ended there were already 10 people there i stand there there were 10 people waiting in line for they the figured next it day out open. ridiculous well there were 100 people waiting by midnight so the first night we had a distinction between you know you, you can call it a different time but real late at night the previous night or real early the morning the next mm. morning there was kind of like a difference in right. when people showed up the second night there was no early morning. Everybody that showed up, just yeah. they didn't sleep. They just showed up, we and they were, were there all we night. Had, we had a little shindig last night downtown Nashville. And people started leaving our shindig around to get in to line. Get in line, and I'm I'm literally leaving downtown Nashville last night, and I have friends of mine I've known for 25 years that. It, in the wee hours of the morning, we're camped out. Like, hey, come by and visit us. Come by and visit us. And credit to the credit to the Hayes boys. They got up and hung out with them and showed yeah, their no appreciation. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's I mean, that's so, so much support. That's badass. And, it, you know, and it, look, for the, a company and organization the size that you guys are, and in so many places you guys reach out and touch, and, and for so long, you don't have to do that. But you did. And that speaks, it, it, and I don't mean to be like kind of weird about it, but I, I mean this from the heart. Like, it speaks to the passion and, and, and what it means for, for your family to be out there getting donuts on day one, hanging out with the crowd and just shooting the craft with them all through the night. That that speaks to me as a consumer, as an end user, as someone that's a fan, that speaks volumes. And there's not a lot of companies anymore because they just they come and go so much. And th there's so much turnover that, that people can put their money behind and look at your pro staff. I mean, there's people that beg to be on your pro staff and it's because of how you treat people. You guys got a great story. Yeah, well, I mean, we got... First of all, we love our papa so much. Neil's not here because he's, you know, we've it's he's good it's, working. It's, it's been a madhouse the past <laughs> two days, so uh, we were lucky that just one of us were able to break away. But we we love our papa so much, and we've been, uh, you know, with the with what the Dixon Vest has become, and us right. being great friends with Will, and you know, obviously looking up to Bob when we were we were kids. We knew that with this being the second vest that that Mossy Oak will have ever made in honor of someone, uh, and the you know. The Dixon Vest now being you know one of the more I hate calling something that's our own product what but it you know it feels like the Dixon Vest now is the most coveted turkey vest. It's there's, uh, there's a cult following. It's, it's it's crazy. So you know you kind of anticipate the energy, the, all the love you can feel in the turkey sure. community for for our granddad, how much we love him, our whole family, and everybody at Mossy Oak. Um, you know he's never used the internet, so <laughs> people always say he's such a friendly you know person. He he's the reason that any any turkeys we hunt. Uh, and our county can be traced back to him when he repopulated him about 50, 60 years ago. So there's always been this kind of feeling and sentiment that he's, he's everyone at Mossy Oak's granddad. He's everyone at West Point's granddad. But these past couple of years with everybody cheering him on as he's still been able to hunt, yeah. it's kind of become, you know, Sensation. For, all the, for all the turkey hunting community that cares about, you know, they're cut from the same cloth that, that we are. He's kind of become everybody, you know, he's, any turkey hunter's granddad. They, I don't know. There's, there's so much cool sentiment and, and, and emotion that, that people have all, you know, even if they've never met Papa, like you can go up to someone and, and hear them talk about their granddad and hear them talk about our, our Papa. And, you know, it sounds like they genuinely love him and they've never met him. They've I interviewed never a, his hand and it's, it's, it's incredible. I interviewed a little redhead kid standing in line on the first day from Pennsylvania. I think the kid was ready with the script, but like he meant it. He knew and he was rattling the stuff. And so my point is, it's like, 
generational, generational, generational. Like you got your generation, heart, me, uh, guys that are maybe a little older than me and heart, but then there's all these little kids. I'll tell you, it's, telling your story. It's crazy. It, I, so I went to the line the first night. Daniel sent a text. I was taking my shoes off, getting ready to get a bed on uh, on on uh, early Thursday morning, and uh, he sent a text and showed the line, and I recognized some people down there. So I went down. So there are there there were people in line that 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 had the Dixon vest that are in their fifties and sixties that waited in line all night to college kids that camped out all night long, and it's just really special. It's really Really, something cool to be a part of. Yeah. So. On that note, so last night we, uh, you were talking about it, Fred, but you know, after our we had our party with Gunner uh, on X and, and Yeti downtown, and we came back and we came and we were trying to keep morale high. It was there were so many people out here already, so we were like, all right, if y'all are in the trenches down here laying on concrete, yeah. not sleeping, then we're not sleeping either. So we were out here hanging out with everyone until the till the line reached two hundred. But there was speaking of college students, there was a, a student at Florida State who drove up from Tallahassee with a term paper due, and he was working on his term paper, sitting on the concrete that's in the atrium right here, awesome. waiting in the box best <laughs> there, There's I mean, so, there's so many cool stories of people that how they drove up and came. Uh, my buddy Brett came from, um, uh, I think, St. Steve, Berkeley County, South Carolina, just to get it. Buddies are texting me like, is there any way you can save one? I'm like, unfortunately, we can't. There's so many friends that want to be a part of it, but there's just really cool stuff there. So one of my favorite stories is two gentlemen I met when I got in the industry who were really movers and shakers who were sales reps with Mossy that had worked for Bob Dixon mm. and had worked for Toxie Hayes, Mario DiMatteo and Will Tyner. They have not been to the NWTF convention in 15 years, but they worked for, they were the original salesmen of the Dixon vest. Mm. And you know, they, they were, they were asking, seeing if they could get any favors to get one. And there's no favors to get one. It was open to the public. And, no. uh, you know, even employees uh, aren't able to purchase them yet. And, <laughs> and they drove up to 60 year old men and waited in line and waited up all night long yeah. to get, get it. it. And Oh yeah, they got, oh, they were in line. It was, it was really cool to see. I but, think it's a fun commentary on you, especially Hart, is that you're probably one of the most connected people in the turkey world. And I know your phone was blowing up. Oh, and if man. you can't make it happen, I don't know man, anyone that's going to make it happen. Been, it's, been, <laughs> I, it's been very humbling, but it's been um, a little exhausting. And yeah. that, the, the first gentleman, the day that I started, the day I uh, announced I was coming back to work for Mossy Oak in October, mm. the first day, and I told my great friend, Mike Tussie, who's now with Apex Ammunition, I was coming back, and he congratulated me. And he's the first thing he goes, well, I need a favor from you. Yeah. I'm going to need one. I'm gonna need one of those mr fox vests i'm like oh wait till i get started at work and that was in that was in october and honestly it has been uh, I've, I've probably i've personally uh, this week uh, it, it, i think it's past the hundreds of text messages yeah. i mean uh, it, instagram messages i've got people messaging me on uh, linkedin and it's it's really <laughs> cool yeah, seriously right. but but it's so random i'm getting i'm getting anyway they calls can get to from them. people that are just get my telephone number like the most random one i got was a uh, uh, atlanta area code and it was zach brown's head of security and i'm like he's like hey man if you ever need any concert i'm like man i'd love to but i can't it's just nuts and then i had buddies last night i, I don't know if i'd I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Last night we had some really cool people at our shindig and some of our friends and some friends of mine from South Carolina were thanking me for this from Mossy Oak having this party. And my buddy's uh, a great friend of mine uh, from, from South Carolina, pharmacist, told me, he goes, man, 
my kids are never going to believe what happened at this party. I said, mm-hmm. like, man, what happened? He's like, well, man, I was just hanging out with Morgan Wall at your party, but I had to leave him because I got to get in line to buy a Mr. Fox vest. And I'm like, what? What's going on in this crazy NWTF world of the 50th anniversary? It's just very surreal and it's Completely. very special. And it's just so humbling and cool to, uh, you know, to be here and, and, and witness it, much less, you know, play a place a part of play a part of turkey hunting history it's history and i I mean i've i have i have from the time i was 10 years old reading every turkey hunting magazine i could ever get my hands on in any form back then the media was was print and it moved on to hunting televisions and now digital i flat out will tell you that in my 23 years in the hunting industry i have never seen a product launch um in the hunting industry, much less in the turkey hunting industry, that's generated the amount of buzz. And what's so no. cool and what's so genuine is that you know it's not a money play. It's not nope. about mossy oak. Yep, not about mossy oak making a dime off of this project. It is literally mossy oak making money off this project to give back to wild turkey conservation. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the, the idea that the Neil and Daniel, I'm going to throw a tremendous amount of credit in their world. They, they come up with, came up with the program and, and came up with the ideas and from start to finish. And it's just, it's really cool to see. And, you know, Daniel and, uh, and, and Neil's dad, Toxie last night was talking about it. People were telling him how great it was. And Toxie's like, hands off, man. I had, I, it's, <laughs> you, you, you can thank, you, you can thank the younger guys in our so, company. So that's a, great great point to make and, and segue in the conversation is that you know yesterday we had the the rendezvous you guys had to cut out early for that first run of the the uh the vest you couldn't stay for it. you guys were going to be part of that panel but we acknowledged it and what we what we what i said and, and i'm going to say it again here is like we've had we got, we're, have, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary of the nwtf there's this the shift of new leadership abound in nwtf and seemingly uh, with Mossy Oak, you guys, what you've done with this project, uh, you and your brother are really taking this into the next the next stage, it would seem, of your family and of Mossy Oak and the Mossy Oak leadership. I, I, it's just so smart. It's so um, it's just so magnanimous of, of what that vest, what it represents for you guys personally, but what it represents the the tens of thousands of people that are out here um, and giving back to the conservation of the wild turkey and then, and then the whole the whole history about it. I'm excited, you know, to see where NWTF goes in partnership with Mossy Oak with you guys doing such innovative stuff and really capturing lightning in a bottle and just having the the wherewithal and, and without insult, I mean, for being so young to figure this stuff out and understand what you have and do it in such a genuine way. That's I think that's a big component of I think why it works and why everybody out here is like, I'm I'm in. I'm in for two days if I got to stand against a concrete wall. Well, it's unbelievable. And I, first off, I'll say dad is just deflecting a little credit. It's kind of like the head coach not taking credit for winning when all the players are out <laughs> on, the, on the field. He's been – we said this best is 75 seasons in the making. Yeah. That's the, you know, that's the seasons that, that Papa has been able to hunt. And uh, dad's been a part of, uh, you know, a whole bunch of those 75. And um, we're just humbled at everybody's enthusiasm. I mean – there's, there's way too many for me, people for me to name that have been a part of this project, a, a whole lot bigger than just me, Neil, and Dad. It's obviously very personal for us because mm-hmm. it's our papa. And, um, you know, there have been a night the past two years since, you know, it was January two years ago. We were sitting in a duck blind when we, uh, me, Neil, and Dad, just three of us last hunt of the season when it, when light bulb went off that, 
you know, why sit around and wait until, you know, Papa is unable to hunt anymore to, to building this vest is the same kind of tribute that, that Mr. Bob had after mm-hmm. he had, he had passed away. You know, we've had so much fun, the absolute time of my life these past five, six years hunting with Papa, but also sharing it with everyone around the country and, and feeling there their energy and love, you know, going, coming back toward us for what we're doing for our papa. And, you know, the same with the people waiting in the Fox line, it's the same, it's a representation of the sentiment that we've gotten online. We got people from age 15 to, yeah. you know, 85 that are all sharing uh, how cool they think it is of our relationship with our papa, but we, and, and hunting with our dad and everything. And, and like I tell everybody, we're, you know, it's not, it's not unique what we're doing. It's, 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 we're lucky. I mean, Papa, every, all but his, but one of his closest hunting buddies had passed away by the time he was 80. He's 92 mm-hmm. now. And when he killed his last turkey, his last, uh, you know, old hunting buddy that was still around is uh, our David Holly and Hunter Holly's uh, granddad, Bud. He passed away in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. Papa mm-hmm. killed his turkey uh, a couple hours later after fly down before sunrise. And, uh, man, we're just lucky. All these years we've gotten to spend with our Papa. Um, we didn't do anything to deserve it. Papa's been around. He's in good health, and he's good enough to go hunting. And uh, I've not taken one second of it for granted. And, and man, we just appreciate everyone. I mean, it, it really is unbelievable. We're kind of blown away. It's hard to find the words to thank everybody for, for the past couple of days and, and the past couple of years. And uh, this is just kind of like a culmination of all that. And yeah. uh, I, I have to say one story about the Fox Fest line because I thought it was so cool. <laughs> First, the small one, girlfriend of the year, there was a girl <laughs> who waited in line because her boyfriend was working a night shift and she wanted to get a box vest uh, to give to him as a gift. She waited through the entire night. Wow, what a gal. Yeah, unbelievable. We said, we said we were talking about the, you know, the the hot crazy scale or whatever, not to be crass or whatever, but she's she's a unicorn. That's a girlfriend of the year. <laughs> did, on, you, did you, by on, the way, uh, uh, just for my own knowledge, uh, Daniel, did you ask if she's got a single sister? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. But the, the story I really have to share, Sheldon Loveless, uh, absolutely. Hart knows well and he knows, knows what I'm about to say. So, um, you know, he was, Hart was talking about all the people checking in that hadn't talked to him in 10 years because they're hoping they can call in a favor or whatever. Sheldon Loveless, he was a part of uh, when the Dixon Best was, you know, I was, my brother and I were just a little too young to be involved with the project or really have a full grasp of the Dixon Best being released. I don't, I don't have many memories of it. Uh, Sheldon Loveless was a part of, you know, the design, the distribution, some of the retailers that were selling it. Uh, so he had several Dixon Best that he, he had a close relationship with Bob and he was just going to sit these vests aside to, to have for the future. So, um, you know, Sometime between now and then, when it came out in 2007, a lady called him and her husband had the same kind of cancer as Mr. Bob. And he was terminally ill and, and they had reached the point where they knew that he was not going to make it. And so she was trying to track down a Dixon vest because he wanted to be buried in one. So uh, Sheldon gave one of the Dixon vests that he had to this lady and, and he was buried with uh, with his Dixon vest. Um, so we my brother and I actually didn't even have a Dixon vest because dad, not knowing what it would become, you yeah. know, he didn't even have one saved for. So Neil was hunting with Will, Bob's son in college and. Will found out that Neil didn't have a Dixon vest. So Will has, you know, him and his, his mom, Faye, I think they have one and two, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Will, I know, has number one, but uh, he had a prototype, one of the unnumbered samples, and he gave that to Neil. So that's how he got his vest. So then I still didn't have a vest. And, you know, they're so they people have such a special connection to their Dixon vest, just like they'll they'll grow to have with this, this oh, Fox yeah. vest. So you, you can't just find one to, you know, just anywhere to get. So Sheldon, what I'm what I'm getting around to. He tells me this story about the the man who was buried in his Dixon vest. He still has another spare Dixon vest. When he heard that I didn't have one, he was like, "Man, you you know, you know, your dad obviously he's Neil. They both got one. It's crazy you don't have one." So he gave me my Dixon vest, 
And the first night of the lines at NWTF, Sheldon, so at, at as anybody would assume, I would literally give him the vest off my back if I had to for the Fox Fest. Mm. Without any fanfare and without even telling us, he flies into Nashville. We come down to see, check the progress of the line in the middle of the night, and Sheldon is in line for the Fox Fest waiting with everyone else to get his own. Didn't tell us, didn't try to call in a favor. And but it just absolutely unbelievable guy. Like I said, I would literally, I would take my own vest off and give it to him for for him being the reason that I, I got my Dixon when I didn't have one. And, uh there, there's, there's more stories yeah. like that too. It's so cool. A lot of these people that have been waiting in line. And Sheldon, a lot of humility involved. With literally, it. Sheldon took a, a flight to get here from Dallas, where he's from. Sheldon, just to give a little background, is at one time he was a on the he was on the team that built the Dixon vest with uh, with R- Malshioka Apparel, and he's been an industry veteran since literally he's been in the industry as long as I have twenty plus years, and uh, he. He's done a lot of different things in the industry. And I, to, to tell you what it is, 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 you know, he helped design that Dixon vest. And when I was at Nomad designing the first, he came by and he says, you just tell me when they're going to, he's got a very thick Kentucky accent. He goes, you just tell me when they're going to go on sale, I'll get one. Mm-hmm. And, and truth be told, now Sheldon works for a company that we have competing products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that being said, the fact that, you know, he's, He's in the industry, a competitor, and it went out of his way and spent Still a ridiculous amount of money to fly to come support it. It means just to, it means so much of the, you know, the legacy of uh, of, of, of the history of Mossio. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people that are here that had that just have a lot of different connections to the Mossio brand and what you know what the you know obviously the turkey vest, the everything they put in the Mister Fox vest is super well designed. It's no, without a doubt. It's in my opinion. It's going to be the most durable, rugged, most thought-out turkey vest ever. But it's not about the pockets, and it's not about the fabric. It's all mm. about the meaning and mm. what it stands for. And, and ultimately, you know, what it stands for is you know mossy oak and wild turkey conservation. Uh, you know, it's much of the same. So yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Papa, another another element of this that that has that has taken on so much meaning and gives us so much pride is that. Uh, you know, Tom Kelly said the dark ages where we almost lost turkeys, roughly mm-hmm. 25 to 45, where it, it dipped to the lowest numbers that we'd ever seen. Papa right. killed his first turkey in 1944. Mm-hmm. So he, he, you know, he came through the, the end of those dark ages hunting when there weren't a whole lot of turkeys around. And uh, especially, you know, he's, he's 92 now and he, he killed his first turkey in 44. So Tom Kelly's a few years older than him. And uh, most of that generation that were hunting back then, I mean, it, Colonel Kelly also estimates there were only a couple thousand hunters yeah. uh, when he killed his first turkey in the in the 30s. So um, there's not a whole lot of those guys that are still around hunting. I mean, if you consider Papa the tail end of that generation, that that the first time they went turkey hunting was still in the dark ages. Yeah. Um, there's probably only a handful. I would imagine that with with everyone keeping up with Papa and whenever him and Colonel Kelly got together at, at our turkey camp a couple of years ago, that was so special. But I would imagine if there were a lot of guys from that are their age that were still turkey on that started hunting in the 30s and 40s, we would have heard from them. And we and we haven't. We've gotten a couple messages, but I mean, I would I would think there's not many of them left around. So there's an element of of Papa that he's such a um, you know. But I, all of his values are just woven into the fabric of Mossy Oak. Yeah. Believe it better than he found it, and you know, having the forethought to think about future generations and uh, how you treat the resource and everything. But it's kind of like the the end of the World War II generation, where the longer you know, the the, the older survivors that are still around. You got guys that are ninety eight, ninety nine, a hundred that 
they take on a lot more than just themselves because the the fewer that remain from that generation, the more the legacy grows, the more they have the legacy of their entire generation of people cut from the same cloth on their shoulders. So there's very much an element of Papa where he is representative now of, of a lot of guys that aren't around that were part of the generation that are the reason we even have turkeys now. So it's, it's a lot bigger than just us and our family. It, it represents a whole bunch uh, to a lot of people. And that's, you know, I'm stating the obvious there because you don't, you don't get out in line to, yeah. at, at 5 p.m. the day before a vest is going on sale if it if it like Hart said it's got good features and it's and it's well made because there's a lot of well made turkey vests it it's a symbol of something bigger that that we we had the the hindsight of saying with a lot of this process if you could go back to 2007 knowing what the Dixon vest has become and what it means to people and that it's you know it's not a vest that somebody hunts in for a few years as people are hunting in it for decades and passing it on to their kids what you know the responsibility we have to look at the fox vest with that same forethought because we know that this this will be a symbol that people want to pass mm -hmm. on for decades too um and even when the people waiting in line they kind of had the same thought they were like hey man if i could go back to 2007 and say that i've got my dixon vest everybody's got a story about where their dixon vest came from people will have the same story about their fox vest if i could go back to 2007 and trade one night of of not having any sleep to say that i waited yeah. in line to get the you know i don't even have a i don't even have mullen fox vest yet so you're you know these people here waiting in line yeah. to even before our family to be the first people that have this vest if you go back to 2007 and say you waited in line at nwtf to get a dixon before everybody else knowing what they've become yeah i think everybody i know would have probably traded one night of sleep to go, exactly to go do right. that and be able to tell their friends and their their kids when they pass it on one day so there's a whole lot that's gone into it there's a whole bunch of special i mean we've tried to think of every last detail because we know how much it means to people and it's such an opportunity to, to preserve turkey history and um you know we've got all kinds of calls that are connected to the uh to the vest the the one the one part of the vest that's one through 1944 that goes along with it is the the guys at apex ammo or yeah. they're our neighbors you know we're in west point there in columbus border towns and they're they're good as gold just phenomenal people and without much fanfare the past four or five years since they've been around they've they've made shells for Papa to hunt with uh and they've you know then after the first ones they just they just gave him some shells to hunt with and then they they did a cool box to go along with it and then they put a running fox uh on the side of the shell and and so whenever we started working on this vest it was the one of the first calls we made was to jared lewis at, at apex we're like hey man we're working on this vest and the way that y'all become part of Papa's story the past five years we got to do something cool with y'all and they immediately will started spinning and and no matter how painstaking it is they're they're going to match the number of their hand loaded. They've got a really cool box of, of five 20 gauge shells that are in a custom cigar box uh, that have got a cool quote for pop all this. It's, I mean, it's, it's incredible packaging and they're going to, they're going to hand number every box to match the uh, number of your Fox. Yeah. Vest. And it's really cool. They're going to, uh, they're going to, you know, go through a lot to, to make sure that it means a lot to people and, and especially having the matching number yeah. with those shells to go with it. It's really cool. And we got all these calls and yeah, let's, I mean, we, we got to, we got to do some name dropping on these calls. That we yeah. Got. Cause so, it was Saturday night where it's going to be, yeah, uh, the, yeah, we're, so, we're auctioning off the number five vest. So, uh, so, so, I, so I was super fortunate that when uh, Neil and Daniel came up with this idea, and they're like, hey man, we need we need some we need to listen to some of the call makers that they're friends of Masio, custom call makers, the kind of calls that you can't buy in a store anywhere. Mm -hmm. You have to get on a waiting list or whatever. So, um, you know, myself, Neil, Daniel, and we, we got some of our great friends uh, that, that we have connections to, such as Britt Oswald. We went we went down a list of of call makers. So. 
fill me in if I miss somebody. So hmm. we've got we've got custom calls. We have ten custom calls made. Ten uh, Mr. Fox Mr. Fox vest calls. Let's see. Uh, we have we have a box call by Steve Mann. We have a box call by Lamar Williams, which both Steve Mann and Lamar Williams were protégés of the, the late and great Neil Cost, which the NWTF and the museum mm-hmm. refers to as a Stradivarius, a turkey call making. Mm-hmm. We've um, got, so you got, remind, oh, I'm pulling it up yeah, so, have, so I, don't, yeah. I don't lose one. We have, <laughs> uh, we, have Mar- so. we have Marlon Watkins from Ohio. We got, I'm, I'm going to go straight through the list so I don't forget yeah, him in mind. Good. The, the lack of sleep I've had the past two nights trying <laughs> yeah, to trying yeah, to stay out exactly. here with everyone. I basically have no short-term memory right now, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend that, that my memory is working right. Uh, Mark Perdome, who's been – all these guys have been friends of Mossy Oak. Mark's been a long-time friend of Mossy Oak, has made a trumpet. Mr. Billy Bice uh, made a trumpet, and I got to go to his shop while he was finishing them up in, uh, nice. in Georgia, and it was it was incredible. Um, Steve Mann, as uh, Hart just says, making a paddle box. Lamar Williams uh, is making a, a, a cool two-check box that, that – uh, um, they're incredible. Oh, I mean, he's obviously one of the most legendary box call makers. I tell you that's, what, that's Lamar, Lamar's a man. Um, Marlon Watkins made a fiddle bo- uh, paddle box. Uh, TJ Johnson uh, and Bill Zeering both made glass pot calls with feathers from Papa's last turkey yeah. uh, in the glass. Man, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it gets you a little choked up seeing them. It's it's, it's so cool. Uh, Pat Strouser made a slate call, and then uh, Dean Munhicky, Redbeard. Yeah. Uh, if you've Mad had one Hatter of his calls, calls, yeah, the Mad Hatter, yep. you know, he's got a Beautiful. signature little little coin token yep. on the back of it. And uh, he actually they, posted that call the other yeah, day. So he, oh, yeah. he, got, he yeah. found Beautiful. some uh, some fox uh, coins to go in the back of it. So the the backside of his uh, pot calls have a fox yeah. uh, awesome. coin on. He yeah. said he's, he said he's never putting a fox on another call. So these will be the only ones that have yeah. it. So anyway, and these these guys are just legendary in the, in the call making world. Like TJ Johnson, he's the youngest of all the call makers. An interesting fact that Neil and Daniel didn't even know was TJ Johnson started coming. Here to the, uh, he's from Ainer, South Carolina originally, and uh, well, hey, he lives back in Ainer now. But TJ started coming to NWTF convention ten years ago, and we met, and he was playing offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals, mm. and he came here and was a big turkey hunter, and he got into custom call making. Marlon Watkins helped him along. Well, he retired from the NFL after I think six or seven seasons, and I was like, man, what are you going to do now that you retired? He goes. I'm going to make turkey calls full time. So the first year he competed at NWTF, he won everything. With really? His, with his, yeah, with his glass calls. And so just, anyhow, I had to tell that story about TJ because most folks don't realize that that he's uh, interesting he is, background. With, I, I mean, he's become an absolute an icon in a very short amount of time. Mm. But yeah, he played pro football for a living. Cool. All these guys. So Saturday night at the auction, we will be auctioning off uh, the number five vest. All the all these calls from those call makers were ten calls each, numbered one through ten, signed in honor of Mr. Fox Hayes, handcrafted. We you know you don't have much room to write on a trumpet, but no. uh, and a little more on a box. So uh, they all have different inscriptions, but the the gist of it is they were all made in honor of uh, uh, in honor of Papa. So Saturday night, the number five vest, all of the number five calls from these nine call makers, and the number five box of Apex ammo that they actually brought all of their loading equipment out to our family cabin and me, my brother and my dad loaded the first 100 shells ourselves with them. They kind of had to babysit us because we're they're, they're experts. So I, was moving, I was moving pretty slow compared to them, but we're auctioning all that off as the number five set for NWTF's 50th anniversary at the auction on Saturday night. And awesome. it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be cool. I can't make another I, line I, I, waiting to bid on it. <laughs> yeah, no, what was so cool is I, I saw the video and I'm like, when Neil Daniel and Toxie learn how to, 
handload 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 uh, shells. I'm like, that gun, this is awesome. And I mean, you imagine somebody is, you know, some of these some of these shells or uh somebody's gonna get lucky enough to get is gonna kill a turkey with a shell handloaded by the Hayes family. So it's just they literally it's it, it, it seems like the 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 awesome marketing team at Mossy Oak has just created Cool opportunity on cool opportunity for this and such a cool story and the other momentum. the other you know the other numbered calls uh, you can go ahead and tell how they're going to be separated for yeah, different so fundraising. We're, we're still trying to figure out exactly what we want to do, but a big part of it, you know, obviously with the NWTF, you know, some of the big auction items. There's not, there's not a whole you know. I certainly can't bid on some of the things that, that are no. uh, that are going on for sale. So one of the things that we want to do to give more people an opportunity to bid on some of this stuff, because we know that nine calls, especially it's like, you know, eventually you get to the point where if there's three calls that are made for pop all that come as a package or there's 30 at some point, uh, it's, it's a lot of calls that you need to break them up individually. So that if, especially in the custom call making world, there are people who maybe Billy Bice is their, is their hero and they can't afford to bid on a package of nine calls with the vests and the shells. But if you separate Billy Bice, one of Mr. Billy Bice's trumpets sure. into its own individual auction, you know, they can, they can shell out they a little more out. just to try to get that. So yeah. we don't know exactly how we're going to do it yet, but at some point after the vest is, you know, March 11th, when we have the big uh, West Point uh, sell of the vest later in March, we're going to try to figure out how to do an online auction, uh, and we're going to break some of these calls up individually so that people are able to bid on one individually if they want to. And I know there, there's a few people that that uh, that gasp when we say that because they think that you shouldn't break up any of the calls and they should all oh, stay no, I love it. in remaining sets. But I mean, it's there's there's just I don't know. We've spent a lot of time thinking about it. We spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people who who care about turkey history, and we decided that even though it, it is cool to keep all the calls in one set, it's 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 cooler if we can. I- and the other part of it is if somebody out there is deep pocket enough that they want that they wanted to buy a whole batch, they're probably gonna buy all of them anyway. So uh, if somebody thinks that we're committing to sand by, by splitting some of these calls up, I think we're I think we're spreading the love a little more and I hope that more people are able to bid on them and we're certainly gonna come away sat both Saturday night and with whatever else we decide to do with these vests. We're gonna come away with a lot of money that will be going back toward uh, turkey research and, and supporting the people that support turkeys. It would be a cool story way down the line, decades from now, to see all the if they do get split up find their way back together it's gonna to be interesting as a stories to hear totally comes out guys there's, there's gonna be a lot of uh, so this you know that this 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 mr fox vest launch obviously as i mentioned earlier nothing like this has ever happened in the hunting industry especially the turkey hunting world but the the story is not going to be over this weekend no. it's going to be continuing <laughs> starting it's going to it's going it's going to gradually be making money this is for wild turkey research over probably this year maybe into future years and and it's it's going to it's it's going to be it's going to be in the news for a little while this will become legend it, it is literally living history as we're in it um and I, I suspect somebody or two or three will write a book about the occasion and every I some serious that comes along with it. Maybe the book is already happening. We, we actually that's a, when we were walking well, over here to do the podcast. Was like, it's funny I say it. I was like, we've been brainstorming. We, we documented all nine of the call makers. We had a photographer, videographer in the studio. I mean, in their shop with them. I, I got married in December and uh, I really wanted to. Uh, to go up to Bill Zering's shop in, in uh, Pennsylvania because he's been such a longtime friend. But, you know, 
I can't leave my honeymoon to go go sit and uh, <laughs> watch Bill Jane make pot calls as much as I might want to. Um, but yeah, we've we've got so much rich photography of all these call makers that is a big part of preserving history. Uh, we got we did the traveling fox vest last spring where yep. a lot of our friends and family took the prototype vest and uh, and hunted all around the country with it. It, it started an opening day. Our, our our biggest rule with the fox vest was that it has to be passed on hand to hand. That's not something you the 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 turkey hunting window of different seasons that it was traveling in is not something you're going to trust to usps so no uh it, it started yeah. in mississippi with our with our family hunting with it we passed it around to some friends and family and and then uh me and neil and, and our cousin uh jack one of our, our granddad's other grandsons we closed the book on it and uh the journal and in, in maine we all three took papa's old uh pre-Mossy Oak era Winchester Model 12 that he hadn't hunted with since he got his first uh, bottomland shotgun whenever they started making them. We went out, we had to go over to Apex to 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 give a little guidance when we were shooting <laughs> to make sure that we had an expert handle. We weren't yeah. doing any damage shooting new loads. But anyway, there's there's a lot of, of really cool documentation of everything around the project. And then not even to mention stories of Papa from years past and, yeah. and his generation and him and Colonel Kelly sharing camp and all that. So there is a lot. We we're we're hoping we can work on a really nice coffee table style photo book with some stories and rich imagery and awesome. and things that would be really cool to commemorate this project and the enthusiasm that everyone else has for it and and something that you know whether you've purchased the vest or you just appreciate the history and and the meaning behind it you know we're, we'll hopefully be working on that in the next year to maybe this uh, by nwtf next year we'll have something yeah, maybe they'll have uh, a pallet of books people can stand in line for <laughs> we, i promise <laughs> we make we make that we're gonna make enough we don't have to, to limit those guys i i want to thank you so much we've run long and i know you're you're super busy you got to get back to uh the fans and, and everyone out there that's crowding the show floor but thanks for the time it's a there's a much deeper longer story to tell here we'll do it at some point in a longer format but thanks again for making the uh the time the support and, and everything you and your family and your your organization does for for turkey conservation in the national Wildlife federation well, i say it all the time but if if we had uh one partner left i mean mossy oak was born with an obsession from turkeys and dad being obsessed with this idea of of hiding from turkeys and if we had one partner left it would be the nwtf uh i mean turkeys mean that much to us and, and nwtf means that much to turkeys um, and I want to say one like time because you you were talking about you know me and Neil and our generation coming up with Mossy Oak and uh, we were just incredibly lucky. We're not the the I think the thing that we keep in mind is that we're we're no different than half the people walking around this room. Uh, we're just incredibly lucky that that our dad started something cool back in the day that means yeah. a whole lot to a whole lot of people. And now you know I, I it's the dream job of a lifetime that I get to do uh carrying on the the story and the legacy of, of papa and dad and but I, i'm no different than a lot of the, the folks walking around this room uh and i i just consider myself lucky for that I, it's 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 a dream come true and getting to work on projects like this is it's i'm 32 now but it, i'll be hopefully i'll be old and gray and 92 like papa and i'll have grandkids taking me hunting and i will be thinking about how special these past two years building this vest the launch of this vest and then like Hart said and you it's only the beginning these sort these these vests are made to be hunted uh, that I, we're going long, but the last thing I'll say, there's the, the hunt it or hang it debate. Some people say they want to hang it up and you know, it's just kind of like, like a piece it's of, like, the calls. like a piece of taxidermy. It just, it yeah. sits in their uh, shop and, uh, and they, they have it on the wall or they take it down once a year. But if you see the straps on the traveling vest and you see the traveling vest after, I mean, it probably did three seasons worth of hunting in one season last, last yeah. year. So it's real, strong. real yeah. broken in. But when you see it broken in and you see, you know, it's celebrating pop all hunting turkeys since 1944 and, 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 and not missing a year that he got out there to to get one. I know I'm I will be walking the dogs in it and, and scouting turkeys <laughs> leading up to yeah. the end of the day with it and yes. and I'm gonna be hunting the heck out of it. So whether awesome. whether you hunted a lot or you hunted a couple times a year, um 
man, we're just I'm just fired up to see you see all the stories that it, it it'll it'll take on life of its own. Yeah, uh, and that's that's been the running theme on this program is you know going in the next fifty years is is refining and and telling our story the right way and doing it differently, and we're we're off to a hell of a start. Absolutely, yeah. together. And you know what? And speaking of together, I'm going to tell you a really cool story about being an employee of Mossio. So, obviously. Fred, you know that I got a lot of different, I'm wearing a lot of different hats here. I'm on the NWTF Foundation Board mm-hmm. serving as treasurer. I'm also been doing doing some some podcast things, and we did the storytellers thing yesterday. Mm-hmm. In addition, I'm serving on the Wild Turkey Safety Task Force. So long story short, I've not been able to focus full time on being a Mossy Oak employee and helping <laughs> sell in the booth. And yesterday I was I was out of the Mossy Oak booth doing NWTF's volunteer things more than I was in the Mossy mm-hmm. Oak booth. And our COO, who is very much behind the scenes and is very vital, is super critical in everything we've done, including the Mr. Fox Fest and everything we do on the retail side. I, I was feeling a little guilty because I was not helping in the Mossy Oak booth enough. And I was like, I if I really apologize being the NWTF volunteer, I'm not being able to be in the booth. And he goes, brother, NWTF and Mossy Oak's all the same. Yeah. Love it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate we, it. We, we, this could be a three-hour podcast. Dude, we, we, we could go yeah, all day. It's very hard to, poor, to, uh, to give it a close. From big I, I'll out be there. honest with you. This has been such a relief because this is the first time first I've time got to sit, to sit down <laughs> in two days other than when I laid my head to bed. We will do this longer form for yeah. sure and, and tell more of this story. And it will be interesting post-convention and everything kind of calms down for what it is. Maybe we touch base after the season and just kind of recap. Yeah, It'll man. be really cool. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got a feeling there's going to be some crazy. Yeah, it's going to be come, come, so come, good. Come May or come June, there's there's no telling what's going to show up yeah. on hashtag FoxVest. We are your FoxVest up, up to New England. Yeah. Art, then, art knows. It's this, this, is the, this is the last I'll say, and I'll try to let us close. But uh, we already, on that note, just announcing the vest, the messages that my brother and I have gotten from people writing you know, paragraphs about what this vest means to them, what their, their granddad means to them, you know, somebody they lost or maybe somebody that's still around there and get to hunt with anymore. The stories we've gotten have, you know, every couple hours of every day the past few weeks, I've, I've read something that makes me choke up and I yeah. can't imagine once people actually start hunting with it. Uh, we're going to get some cool stories coming coming from folks. Special, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you Thanks very so much. much. Thanks all for right, your support. Yeah, you bet. Man, uh, Brock Hutchinson joins us now here in the Turkey Call All Access podcast booth at the uh, National Turkey Federation Convention Sports Show and a great supporter of the NWTF. Thanks so much for all you do. I'm so glad to finally meet you and have you. And thanks for your patience. I know we just had uh, Team Mossy Oak in here with all the excitement around around what they got going on. It was kind of hard to stop a, a good line of thoughts, but thank oh, you for your patience. Yeah, no problem. Pleasure to be here. And yeah. the, uh, it's been a great relationship with the NWTF over the last several years. Yeah, so. it's fantastic. And, then I, and that's why, you know, I reached out. I want to hear more about that story and, you know, what, yes, our 50th year and you guys are just just the, the partnership seems to be growing so much and, and i want you to be able to tell that story to our yeah. to our audience so yeah. why the nwtf what what was the the catalyst to say this is this is where we need to be as big frig and, and and with these people uh you know a lot of it just comes from my background grew up in midwest in south dakota and did a lot of outdoors hunting fishing and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of when we founded big frig was i always said hey i don't want to sell a gazillion coolers what i really want to do is build it on relationships and and that's what we kind of uh, initially we were introduced to the 
NWTF through one of our regional directors out yeah. in our area. And so got us in contact and then we started working with them. Been making baby steps over the yeah. several years, but now it's it bigger like steps. The momentum's now, now. really rolling. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of uh, great relationships with a lot of the different chapters and stuff that are starting to blossom and yeah. it's going real well. So. It's great to see a friend of mine, Dustin Dottilio on some of your, your yeah. stuff and, you know, just, just really just leveling up some of the product and just by, you know, those, those add-ons of art and, you know, the customizing and the ability to do that and, and ultimately to get it on the ground in the local uh, banquets and, and the fundraising events and to know that your stuff is going right back into, you know, one of the most important times in our, in our history of turkey hunting and conservations is right now we're living it. We're living yeah. in history. Yeah, definitely. And that, the Dustin Dottilio print, that's been a hot item. Mm -hmm. We've had people wanting to try to get their hands on it and say, well, you have to go to your like local chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So people are reaching it. directly out to you guys. Yeah. They'll see if they see it on online or some chapters will post, they'll contact us and say, mm -hmm. Hey, how do we get that? Yeah, yeah. How do we get that cooler? And like, well, it's kind of, there's one cooler per chapter and go uh, to any of your local chapter events and get a chance to, to get it. So, mm -hmm. but it's a great print and turned out real good. For sure. Uh, cooler space over the last i don't know 10 years it's just been so competitive mm -hmm. uh, there was one or two that came out swinging did a really good job there was people that followed suit it seems that um you guys have played an important role here as in recently and have yeah. maintained a steady upward momentum mm -hmm. in that space yeah. uh talk about that how do you navigate that is is it the partnerships that make it all work don't you don't have to give away the secret sauce i'm not asking for trade secrets but well, no i find it interesting because it is such a finite space yeah it's very very competitive like you said and there's a lot of a lot of uh different a lot of competition out there and there's been some that have yeah. come and gone but we've really just stayed true to who we are yeah and that's um i mean we're big said we're big in the outdoors i mean our law enforcement or military children kids i like yeah. to spark kids causes so we've just stood true to who we are and 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 developed these relationships with similar like-minded organizations and individuals and in, in the industries and, and i think that's what's really helped us we haven't wavered and the quality is fantastic as well. Yeah, I mean, when you is, when you ask someone to spend three figures on a cool. Now, I grew up and, and still reside in New England. Okay. So I come from Coleman country. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh -huh. I, I don't need something to keep something cold for many days on end because typically nine months out of 12, we can do that with yeah, <laughs> something that wouldn't make it 12 hours in the southeast. Box, right? That's right. <laughs> so when you look at somebody and say, hey, man, this is where you need to be. Mm -hmm. But now that they've been out there for a while and you know, as a traveling turkey hunter, and many of the people in here are traveling turkey hunters. Yeah. You know, that piece of equipment, mo mo I don't know anyone that throws their, their turkey away, their turkey breasts, or, you yeah. know, any parts of it, especially in, if you're on a week and a half long trip, man, that cooler is a lifesaver and keeps your stuff. Uh, sometimes you just pack your, your ammo in it as you're checking your luggage, right? Because it yeah. serves another piece of luggage, but, and, and they're so durable, but, you know, it, I, I have no interest in throwing away good turkey meat. No. And it's, it, they're, they're very, it's very crucial to have a good cooler. But just was talking to a guy a little bit ago. He said he bought a new fridge six months ago. Now it's quit here a couple of days ago. So he was using some coolers to keep his stuff cold till they come out to repair it. But he said he had a couple old, you know, just the old standard coolers from the 
you know, Walmart or whatever. And he mm. said, I've had cha- I've been changing ice out every damn day. Yeah, that's and, right. And ice isn't cheap anymore. Not it's anymore. Nothing's $10 cheap. $10 for a bag of ice. Yeah, it's crazy. Two, three bags for your cooler. So oh, it man. adds up. But it it's definitely, yeah, I mean, it's key ingredient when, for the outdoor people when you're trying to keep your meat yeah. nice and cold and chilled and not have to worry about it spoiling especially having like your area the the you know when you have these opportunities for big uh big game hunts and stuff and it takes Mm -hmm. a considerable amount of effort yeah you need that equipment and up in the cold areas which probably similar to where you're at but up in south dakota we have this time of year it could be 20 30 below so sure actually a lot of people they'll use it they go into the grocery store this time of the year they'll put their groceries in there some people live 40 50 miles from the closest mm. grocery store so they use it to keep their full uh food from freezing no kidding oh no you kidding know, they'll, they'll it's like a store, root cellar on wheels and head home or yeah. they'll go to the various stores because usually when you come to town you hit up several different stores to get all your goods and head back out in the country yeah, no kidding so it's kind of unique how there's kind of both ways that they people have used them yeah. at least up in the midwest so well How's the response been uh, in the first couple of days where this is day two? Yesterday was just off the chain for a yeah. Thursday. Today appears, I've been in the booth, but it, it appears to be quite the crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's great crowd. We were talking with this uh, with a couple other vendors. This is the busy. Yesterday was the busiest Thursday I've seen. Yeah. I've been here five years, I think, now. And uh, today's been super busy, too. But I think that just goes back to what the NWTF has been doing. And, you know, it's just growing, getting the word out there. And there's a lot of excitement around it. What I've, what I've seen so much just even here at the show this yeah. year. So. Uh, last couple of years have been pretty tough on organizations. You know, we, we didn't miss it. You know, we came through it um, for the better, I think. And it would seem that way from great leadership and, and our members, yeah. you know, supply chain issues. How did, how did you guys come through that? Yeah, I mean, it was basically, you know, we just had to plan out almost a year in advance with our supply chain. Yeah. Supply chain definitely slowed up. We're going from maybe a three-month turn on from when you order to when your inventory comes in from your manufacturer yeah. and everything to nine to 12 months during COVID. So that was a little bit of a struggle because you don't really know. It's hard to tell nine to 12 months out who's going to be buying it, what the need right. is. So we kind of started off with... Less inventory than normal, but as soon as, because when COVID initially hit, everything just kind of came to a standstill for about a month and then a month and a half. And then it was like wildfire. People were just really turned up. Business turned up after the first month or so. So we kind of, we went long on everything, which ended up paying off. I mean, we ordered like 50% more than what we were even thinking we were going to need just to not have the worry about Yeah being out of inventory we still did have some inventory shortages here and there but it paid off overall for us so good on you for for seeing the crystal the ball uh, the crystal ball there as it were right. and some people didn't have that foresight and then they didn't survive it don't That's know if a i bummer. saw the crystal ball for this kind of dumb luck <laughs> either way, we'll either way it worked yeah, i'm not gonna complain and so. and and you, again, you guys are top players in the space and, and our um, membership certainly gets behind you because they recognize friends and family and yeah. they know when people are genuine in their support and they're yeah. quick to support those who, who return in kind. So, yeah, um, I think I think, you know, knowing you for all of 10 minutes that I mm-hmm. I could say with certainty that that's what your experience has probably been like with, with this yeah. particular crowd. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's this is. It's like family. It's kind of like coming to a family reunion every yeah. year for me now because the more, more we come and more people you meet and more of the 
chapter members and chapter, you know, presidents and stuff. And it's just kind of like, oh, we're going to head down to Nashville, get to see yeah. such and such and today or this weekend. So it's been it's been great. And that's what it's all about in my book is yeah, for sure. Building and relationships, doing what we can do to help help, the uh, you know chapters and nwtf and it's a great cause so that's a common theme people that sit down and, and have a conversation with me that's and, and it's that way for a reason because it, yeah. it's it is a homecoming yeah so and it is and, and this year even i know we, we we theorize why and certainly two years of, of not doing stuff or abbreviated um way of conducting business certainly hampered some of that stuff and there's an appetite for it but um I just it feels like things are are trending the right way and just there's yeah. the genuine excitement around it so it's it's great to see and um like people just want to get back to the way things get used to be to and, and 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 they're doing it enthusiastically so yeah definitely you can definitely see that around here so yeah yeah excitement. We, anything uh left for the weekend we got the rest of friday we got all saturday with some amazing things happening Anything you're looking forward to or just, want to see? Just uh, I'm, I'll be over the booth most of the time and just kind of run around uh, meeting with some different partners that yeah. you know we work with and stuff. So just excited to see all the people that will be yeah. coming through and and uh, just participate in the whole event. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah. So any new products coming out? We can we can tease or talk about uh, for the we, year. We've we're uh, uh, bait box. There's a bait box we're working on, and then possible uh, a UTV type box. Oh, cool. That will um, probably be in the next year. Or so awesome. So, so we're always cool. we're always looking at new ideas. So yep. More gadgets, more gizmos, but functionality—that's oh, yeah. the—that's the thing that'll keep people pulling keep their it, wallets out. Keep it out. simple. We're that's all exactly about trying right. to keep it simple too. So, Brock, I appreciate you stopping in. Thank yeah, you again so that. much for your your patience. I know you're busy and want to get no with problem. the people on the floor. So, uh, thank you for everything you do for NWTF and, and keep it up. We're looking forward to you know continuing everything. Yeah, that's appreciate, fantastic. Appreciate you guys and appreciate and having me. So, Heck yeah, thanks, Brock. post uh, lunch had a little bite to eat thankful for that it's a very busy time <laughs> for us if you, you hadn't picked up that vibe yet so any chance you get a, a moment to grab a snack it's a good idea to refuel for the rest of the day the rest of day two and as we kick it off we welcome in lauren plunkett with sawyer products a proud sponsor of this here program the nwtf Tricky Call All Access Podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Super excited to be here. Um, super busy. Lots of people out. Um, crazy, huh? Yeah, it's crazy out there. But lots of turkey fans. So lots of turkey calls. Um, you won't go home wanting to hear another turkey call turkey call till spring. So. Yeah, it's 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 happening. You turkey turkey hunter yourself? I am. Yep. Yep. Love it. Um, but the worst part about turkey hunting is the ticks. So yeah. that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, for sure. And it is. And, you know, uh, as someone that lives in the, the heart and soul of Lyme disease country uh, in New England, I can appreciate that. And then uh, now that my turkey hunting pursuits of taking me outside of New England and traveling more west, now there's that cute little Lone Star tick and this whole alpha gall thing that's just so great. The turkey hunters and, you know, uh, people that want to eat good, clean protein. And, and you know, why would... Why would the, the universe make such a devilish little creature in the Lone Star Tick and, and Alpha Gall? And then for those that don't know, Alpha Gall is, uh, is it a syndrome? I don't know if it's a syndrome. You basically can't eat red meat. That's the worst possible thing a hunter it's, could have. It's insane, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about your products. Let's talk about um, 
the the insignificant little twerps that ticks are and how we can absolutely rid them from the uh, the face of the earth. Right. So uh, <laughs> one of our biggest defenses against ticks is Sawyer permethrin. Um, so basically, it's a it's a fabric treatment. You spray it on your clothes. You can spray it on your blind. You can spray it on your truck seats. Any type of fabric, it won't bind to your skin, so it's not effective if you spray it directly on your skin. Um, but ticks breathe once every 15 minutes. Fun fact for you. So um, breed, they breathe. Oh, breathe, breathe got in it, and out. Got it, got yeah. It. So if a tick crawls across one square inch of permethrin treated fabric, they will die. Um, but with that breathing once every 15 minutes thing, it may take them a little bit. You might watch them crawl up your pant leg. But if they crawl across one square inch of treated fabric, they will die and fall off and not attach to your skin. So. I was not aware of the uh, the prolonged breath holding of I the tick. I wasn't either. Fun fact. Fun. Jeez. <laughs> no wonder it takes so long to kill them. Right. Um, it also works really well against mosquitoes, chiggers, um, and 55 other types of insects. So um, ticks, bugs are the worst part of turkey hunting in the spring. Mm. Um, but use our permethrin and we'll keep them off of you. Um, also, we have uh picaridin which is our topical solution you can put that on your skin if you have any exposed Ooh. skin short sleeves um stuff like that that works really well on your skin so it's kind of a, a two-sided defense system um and will keep you covered keep all those ticks off tell of me you. more about that product because i've not heard of this yeah so we sell it in a spray and a lotion form um both of these products so permethrin is derived from the chrysanthemum flower so it's like a synthetic version of what's found in there that's a natural insect repellent um, picaridin is de derived from pepper plants so it's kind of another synthetic version um but yeah again it's a topical solution uh spray lotion works really well against black flies actually Ooh, so that's good if you're a hiker you're out in the summer yeah. those biting flies um that's an extra layer of defense um and it works even better than the permethrin on the biting really? flies so that's yeah the black flies are the uh, absolute worst in the no seams right right it right just, it's just drive you crazy yep. not a lot of turkey hunters want to wear a net over their face which right. is super effective but you know it can inhibit uh your your vision if you wear glasses it gets caught up so they can be cumbersome they are good but i mean if there's a a topical solution that's Absolutely. fantastic yeah great stuff yep yep the two of them together is kind of the all-around fence system but yeah so what else? I think so. Let me let me do this because I had a thought I wanted to talk to you about. Like when it comes to marketing and telling the story about permethrin, I feel like it's not gotten its due insofar as people understanding the death, the imminent death to ticks that comes with it. I think we always thought like, yeah, hey, yeah, treat your stuff, the ticks will fall off. But the 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 great part of it is when they do fall off, they die for good. They fall exactly. off for good, right? So like. Yeah. When you're encouraging people to go out there and treat your clothes, it's not just so you don't get bit. It's so that these suckers die. It's right. like you're you're performing a service by virtue of being out there. Yeah. A lot of those insect repellents, that's what they do is they repel ticks that right. keep them away from you. Ours will repel and they will also kill, like you said. So yeah. if a tick comes near you, it's going to die. That's huge. And yeah. for those that kind of don't know how the life cycle of these things work and a lot of the the vectors of, of these diseases come from the... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain I got this. The lymph cycle. So they're super small, tiny, itty bitty baby tick as they're as they're maturing to be a breeder tick, right? That eventually bites you. But these little nymphs will bite you. They get on uh, rodents, ground dwelling rodents, and, and work through the duff. And so these little itty bitty nymphs pick this up, and it's really like white footed mouse, deer mouse, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They really push this out there 
the deer ticks and such, they get on the big undulates, but it's only because of the small rodents that move them about. So it's really important. Like there's, you know, these home remedies, but using Sawyer permethrin, if you spray that uh, on like cotton balls so that mice and rodents will use that as nesting material, then they roll their little furry bodies in it and they kill the nymph tick. Right. So this is a great way to go about using the product. And you can sprinkle that around your yard so that, you know, if, you, if you've got a yard, if you're in that situation that, you know, you, you help the rodents out, you give them bedding, you know, whatever. But really, you're, you're doing that service. You're giving them a, a, a chemical bath in this stuff. And it's not going to hurt the animals, but it's surely going to kill them ticks. Yeah, that's um, uh, speaking of things outside. You can also treat your dogs. We have a uh, bathroom for dogs. Ooh. So um, do tell, do tell. Yeah. So if you got your dog out shed hunting this spring. Um, if you're duck hunting in the fall, um, early season hunts, all that kind of stuff, you can spray down your dog, um, make sure you get them wet, let them dry. Um, and it'll keep the ticks off of them as well. So, so as soon as someone says, I'm gonna spray it on my dog and my dog starts licking, is he going to die? He's not going to die. Okay. Um, we do recommend that you, if you have cats, you keep your dog away from the cats until your dog is dry. It does, um, affect cats differently than dogs. It mm. works. It works great on dogs, horses, cows, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but it does affect cats negatively. So you want to, as soon as they're dry, they're fine. They're safe to be around. So no. um, it's just like binding to the fabric the same way it binds to their fur. The, these, none of these diseases are ever, you don't want to pick anything up out there. But I like, there's no like lesser of two, like this alpha gall. There's, you don't want that. That's right. hell on earth, they're especially if you're a hunter. And then right. like Lyme, even if you detect it early, right, you see that, that, stereotypical bullseye bite wound and you catch the deer tick and okay i got it early you still got to go through the treatment which is a month of just feeling awful mm -hmm. um that di dioxin i forget what the hell it, it's awful it's, it's just it's hell on earth pill that comes with it so you suffer for a month and you go through it i mean it wipes if you got anything in your body on top of the lime it wipes it out but the lime untreated it's with you forever and you you have uh headache issues, joint issues. And eventually, I mean, you get to the point where you, you couldn't possibly go out and hunt anymore, which is a right. total bummer. That's we get a lot of messages coming in saying, oh, I had Lyme disease. I was looking for a solution, um, started using your product. And I wish I'd found it before I got Lyme disease because yeah. I don't get any more ticks. I was talking to a photographer this morning. Um, same thing. He's outside in the spring doing all his photo shoots and stuff. He said he used to keep a plastic baggie of all of the ticks that he would pull off of himself mm. and put them in his freezer in case he got Lyme disease or whatever else. He could take that bag to the hospital and they could try to figure out what he had. He said, I started using your product. I don't have a baggie of ticks anymore. No so, yeah. I, you know, I'm curious. You don't have the answers if you don't know. I'm not putting you on the spot on purpose. But so in the northern uh, part of the country, specifically New England, our moose population is taking a terrible hit because of the questing tick, the very specific tick that uh, kind of will come off in, in a biomass. So it's not one or two ticks going and, and infecting um, and getting on a, a moose. They come off in the hundreds and the thousands and they target the moose because of climate change. The northern reach of these questing ticks has moved further. So it's a, it's getting after more northern moose where they didn't have that and, and to kill these ticks uh, you really need good snowpack as it's been explained you don't they can survive a freezing subarctic winter but the lack of snow which we have currently in the northeast um and, and for many years now is really perpetuating the species have you ever heard of this tick and, it, and if you have 
does any of your products kill it? I would love to wash our entire herd of moose. And I think our moose biologists would too. And, and so many people that come up, uh, moose is big business in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Our, so much of our summer and fall uh, businesses predicated on ecotourism for people just coming to watch moose on the side of the road. I have not heard of that. I'll have to look into that and maybe get some information so back cool to you. It would be so cool if yeah. there was a way to find, and maybe it's already out there. Again, I'm just a guy with a, a mic and talking about turkeys, but maybe there's a turkey <laughs> bio, a moose biologist knows it. But it would be super cool if like there was a way to to dust them down or get something, something on them, yeah. something or provide something like you do with the the mice we were talking about with the permethrin um, yeah, to help crazy. our moose population in the lower 48 because that questing tick is horrible. There's nothing endearing. I know guinea fowl like them. I'm sure chickens like them, but like I'm pretty sure those birds can survive on other things. I know. God has a purpose for everything. I really I don't see the purpose ticks. for ticks. No, no I'm not. Either. I don't get it. I'm not into it. And and they need to be blasted from the face of the earth. Agreed. So Agreed. Um, absolutely. With that, make sure you're getting on to uh, Sawyer uh, products and, and getting all your permethrin. Uh, however, in the new products, the skin, I'm going to get some of those because I like that. I like the ability to have that because, um, you know, as 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 the season progresses in turkey hunting i mean it's, it could be very cold in the morning and then all of a sudden you're super hot so Absolutely. you're stripping layers off so yeah. if your under layers aren't treated or you got some exposed skin like that's great stuff to have in your yeah, pack for sure i mean most of us keep completely covered up while we're out there but on that pack out like you said when yeah. you're walking out walking up those hills time mm-hmm. to start shedding layers yeah, so for sure yep the the protection doesn't stop there as long as you're great stuff covered up but yeah. yeah um another fun fact if you treat your shoes and your socks with permethrin, you are over 70 times, not 70%, 70 times less likely to be bitten by a tick. So highly effective. Spray them dogs down. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I So I I took to wearing uh, slip-on boots a, num- a decade ago. Okay. Uh, partly lazy, uh, partly comfort, right? They're just mm-hmm. easy on and off. I did notice a decrease in the amount of ticks that I would get because I'd tuck my pants into them. Uh, you know, little tips and tricks I, I learned when I was right. in the military, taping your stuff and, you know, really locking things down. It didn't eliminate them. It seemed to help. Last year, uh, my good buddy Gilbert Randolph over there who produces this fine product, uh, we we connected uh, out in Kansas for a turkey hunt. And I wore, because of packing, because the boots are so big, I, I went with a, a set of low quarter, you know, tie up mm-hmm. boots. Uh, the boots are super comfortable. However, they allowed the ticks to get on me oh. and infest me for a week. And I got bit and I was so scared. I found these little suckers. I'd, I'd gone from Kansas to Montana, from Montana to Georgia, and then found a, one in a, on my body in Georgia that had been there all week because it was engorged oh, really? at this point. And I was yeah. like totally freaking out, like I'm never going to be able to eat meat again, <laughs> which th- things worked out. Thank God that I, I still can. But uh, I just don't ever want to go through that. No. So. Good pro tip on spray down the boots, no matter sure. what they are, slip on or tie, or if right. you're a croc person, put them on your crocs too. Why the hell not? Absolutely. Any, any little bit helps. Um, what are you looking forward to this weekend? How long are you here? I'm here till Sunday. Oh, so dope. super excited to see Riley Green tomorrow night. Yeah, um, that's happening. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pop by the Grand Ole Opry tonight and see Jamie Johnson. So cool. lots of good music. Um, wandering around, seeing some of our ambassadors here. Um, just lots of people very excited about turkey hunting. So. The uh, public hunting folks, they had a, a good turnout at their yeah, seminar this morning, standing room only. Stopped by and talked to them this morning. Um, Greg and Mindy with the hunting public have been on a couple international trips with us recently. Um, so hop on and watch their, their video about what they did in the Amazon with Sawyer. It's pretty incredible oh, cool. work that we do with our 
water filters um, internationally and domestically. We're doing a lot of great um, humanitarian work. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Good stuff. I'd like to learn more about that at some point. Tell me For that story. Sure. That's yeah. good stuff. Yep. Check us out at uh, Sawyer.com slash purpose. Um, we actually donate about 90% of our profits um, from all of our products. So whether you're buying our permethrin, picaridin, water filters, any of that, 90% of our profits go towards um, relief, whether, like I said, domestically or internationally, we're providing clean water around the world. So, Great story. Yeah. Yeah. And our efforts uh, in the West, especially, we're working on uh, providing clean water too. Awesome. Which is fantastic because it's just a great part of our conservation story that people, right. when they just think we're just turkey hunters, like, ah, there's so much more. And Always same more. with our partners. So good on you. Lauren, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate no you. Yeah, All right. Great. And thanks for the support. Thank you guys. Good luck. The day continues on day number two. One of my favorite guests to have on the program. We welcome back North American Trevor, Alan Prost. Let's do it, man. Let's I cut up about traffic. That's where I geek out and I just get all sorts of excited. How how is your trapping season? Is it uh, continuing? Yeah, it's it's been good. Uh I set some in Pennsylvania when the season started back in October, and then uh I purchased uh Dakota line snares out of South Dakota. So November and December was basically set aside for, you know, getting that back and, and moving that to Pennsylvania. But uh I just spent couple weeks in illinois uh we went and did the nra convention down in harrisburg Mm -hmm. and now we're here at the nwtf convention which is just fantastic i mean the 50th anniversary uh yesterday was like a normal saturday crazy (laughs) right it was crazy there was people everywhere and it's it's nice to get down here and and that fellowship with your your fellow outdoorsmen whether it's a turkey hunter a trapper a hunter a fisher it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter um, from here, I go to Arkansas. I'm out there with uh, Jim Spencer for a few days in the Ar- uh, Ozark Mountains. I go down and uh, I'm going to be with Cuz and his grandkids, Cranky and Matt, again in Excellent. Mississippi. I go to Texas and then I go to Missouri and then I'll finish off in South Dakota, um, basically uh, getting the footage for the show that's coming up this fall. Awesome. Because uh, Cuz leads us off traditionally and he did so yesterday. Um, and then Cranky. He- came over with his mom and his brother and the first thing i said to him like, hey trip all them them lines before you came yeah and he started giving me the load now so my man so. I, I got I had to get on him again this year because you know, i got here last year and they they uh they couldn't wait for me so they went out last year and i said dude i come down next year you gotta wait for me and, and they couldn't wait again this year they've already got 16 or 17 uh, awesome nest raiders uh already out of the equation that's fantastic it's pretty yeah. cool it's cool to see the little kids get after it like that absolutely did um uh, any fisher trapping for you in pa you know i did not this year um that season's uh pretty short yeah um the last two years i went to the adirondacks up in uh New York, um, Chase and Fisher. And I wanted to go back this year, but buying that company out there in South Dakota, just yeah. it wasn't going to work because the best time to drop Fisher uh, is right there. That first part of November, right. middle of the you know, time frame. Um, I just missed it this year. But yeah. I love I love chasing the Fisher. Fisher's a really cool animal. I know that, um, you know, they do do their number on some turkeys, but. Just uh, as a overall species, they're they're kind of a cold critter, and I always like my favorite uh, animal to trap is the mink in the mustard yeah. family. So, kind of goes along with yeah. That. I I have all sorts of uh, respect, and I re- I re- I love Fisher. Mm. I think they're fantastic. I'm I'm saddened that where I live in New England that 
their population is taking such a hit from that distemper mm-hmm. uh, strain that's going going through some of them critters. And I, I want to say that I read that gray fox were in the same boat. They're not. Their populations aren't taking as big of a hit, but there's another strain of that distemper yep. going through. So it's tough to watch. But there, there again, I mean, this is an easy selling point for uh, wildlife management and using an effective tool such as trapping maintain these populations keep them healthy you don't run the risk of you know having these outbreaks and it's so important they have a space on the landscape they are they are welcome that, that needs to be you know said i think well you're absolutely right and you know that's uh, i just did that seminar here and then you know it was nice to have people in there there were some people that had trapped before but the, you know a majority of those people are just looking to maybe do that land management on their property and they want to you know learn about it and things of that nature with that one of the things i said this morning is you know it's about conservation it's not about extermination it's not about anything going out there and just you know wiping out uh certain species what we do as trappers is is we get out there we help control the populations because you know man is ever expanding Mm -hmm. and and the habitat's leaving And, and i think to a certain extent that may be part of the issue with the lower decline in turkey numbers. I think it it goes hand in hand if you're taking their habitat for subdivisions and things like that. They have less area and there's going to be less. So it's it's not about, like I said, extermination. It's about conservation. And that's why, you know, this show here at the NWTF is by far and away the most conservation-minded show that is in the country, probably in the world. And if it wasn't for the turkey hunters and the the NWTF and the money that is spent, um, it maybe would be worse for the turkeys as across the, the, the country. Probably so. Yeah. There's only so much the state agencies can do on their own and their, you know, budgets as they are. Uh, some states are better than others at it, let's face some it. Some states are better than it's, um It is because of our our membership and the ability to grassroots move that needle and fundraise and then have this big uh, explosion of excitement and then carry us through in, into the spring and um yeah that's how it gets done man those exactly. partnerships and working together it's pretty phenomenal well it is and and that in and of itself shows that you know you know the antis with you know especially with what i do in my game with yeah. trapping you know you're a heathen no no i'm the farthest thing from a heathen you're a farthest thing from a heathen pretty much everybody here is is a conservationist at heart mm-hmm. yes we go out and and we will you know take animals and we're going to put them to use and and it's it's just uh being able to uh, hopefully educate people to that process will carry its weight down the road. And I, and I, this has kind of been a running theme as far as our storytelling ability and, and what, when we tell our story, the story of trapping and management and conservation and, and Turkey populations, the decline, the peaks, you know, all of this, it, it is all about the presentation and understanding your audience. You just can't go have a conversation like you and I are having mm-hmm. With our years of experience, see someone brand new that may or may not have seen some kind of hit piece piece of propaganda of a very sad looking Chances wet fox or something, right? Yeah. Um, that's already subconsciously or not giving them a bias. 
Uh, but it's the storytelling is getting so much better. People like you are representing it well. People like Cuz and his grandkids are really doing it a lot of justice. And and you know it, you don't have to put a good spin on it. You really don't like if you if you're just telling that story right, it it does it itself. It does there it there itself. is no spin. It is what it is. The science is there to back up the management practices. The technology, that story is often not told. We understand the technology, offset traps, the ability to to, to uh, release non-target species and what that all entails and how there is no damage to these incidental catches and things like that. That part of the story has waned, and I think we could do a better job of articulating. We can. And, and you know, they did the BMPs. It's called the BMPs. They're the best management practices. And a lot of organizations and, you know, agencies and, and even Canadian agencies and, and things around the world um, came together and they did what's considered the best management practices. Sure. You know, the BMPs. That really looked at pretty much every device that's being used out there for pretty much every species. And with that, they came up with recommended traps and and devices that are humane. And and basically, if you do, like I was just in Illinois, and I don't know what it is about Illinois and me, but when I go trap in Illinois, I can't keep regular dogs with collars and everything else out of my sets. I catch three or four just loose running dogs every year. You go up, I will use a a catch pole, which is K-E-T-C-H, spelled that way, catch pole. It's a professional dog handling pole, but that allows us to release those dogs unharmed. It allows us to reach any fox that we want to go because I don't kill gray fox. Hmm. Some people look at me, what do you mean? I, I do not. If I catch gray fox anywhere, it doesn't matter if it's Pennsylvania, uh, Missouri, it doesn't matter. I do not kill gray fox. They're my favorite animal. Mm. There's not as many as there used to be. And the the coyotes give them enough problems. And and if I catch one, I let them go. Mm -hmm. And this pole allows me to do that safely for my own accord as well as safely for them to not hurt themselves. But when you let them out, yes, they're going to know they were in a trap because they were in a trap and there's pressure holding them there. But there's no broken bones. There's no, most times generally, there's no even nicks or scratches or abrasions. There's never hardly any blood because we are using equipment now Mm -hmm. that is specifically designed for not only taking the quarry that you're after, but being able to release anything that you catch unharmed. Mm. And especially like some of the upland sets, that equipment, you know, we talk about the the jaws and then and, and being offsets. They're holding. They're, mm-hmm. It's a pressure hold. Yep. But the pressure technology also goes into the, the pan, the triggering system, yep. that if you can adjust the tension on this equipment, a lighter animal that steps on it will simply step on it and keep going. And will not set it off. You need exactly. to be of a certain weight so that, you know, these, you are, if you're targeting coyotes, your pan tension the size of that trap that, that that retention device is specific to that animal and you know most times a three three and a half upwards of four pound pan tension is going to be used for your coyote sets if you have a small possum or or a cat or yeah. something that comes in that you see the tracks they don't even set it off yeah that's exactly and, right and and we did that when we were trapping wolves out in uh, montana you had to have a 10 pound pan tension so even coyotes weren't set right. off so they are target specific and you mentioned about the jaws the jaws on the the duke 550 that i use specifically in you know every set that i make 
it has very thick cast jaws. Mm -hmm. Well, the thicker the jaw, it may have the pressure to hold the animal, but it's covering more area. Mm -hmm. It's it's in turn less. There's no way to create an abrasion by having that surface area. It goes hand in hand, just physics or just logic. And and that's why we can let these critters. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That's that's a part of the equation that maybe we're not doing a good job um, as a group. Uh, not necessarily uh, novice, but, you know, even myself, I find a lot of times I get more into the techniques of catching the animals. But if we do have somebody in that that audience that maybe has that predisposition about it, hearing that message can can ultimately help you down the road because, you know, as well as I do, it doesn't matter if it's a friend, business, anything in life. Uh, you can do something right 10 times and nobody's ever going to repeat it. You right. do something wrong one time and, and next thing you know, 100 people are repeating That's exactly so, right. Um, the more information we can get out there and, and show that it's uh, qualified uh, for what we're doing, the better it can be for yeah, us all. For sure. And again, it's just it's about presentation and storytelling. And I think we're, we're making great gains there. Uh, wolf trapping. Yeah. I need to know about this. Dude, that was such an awesome <laughs> trip. We were in uh, we were in northern uh, northwest Montana. I was about a half hour from the Canyon border, half hour from the Idaho border, up there uh, north of west of Kalispell, which is right there in that triangle. And uh, we caught we got four wolves uh, in the. I was there about three weeks. Wow. Um, wolf trapping is you got to show some patience because they may come by an area and they might not come back for three weeks or a month. Sure, because they have such a big territory. Um, and we did have uh, 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 three that were running down a two track right to where I actually felt I had my best sets. And they cut off about 100 yards up a two, uh. another uh, snowmobile trail before they got down there. So we didn't get any there. But um, we caught one actually in a coyote set uh, when we were trapping coyotes before the season started. And we released that wolf unharmed. Um, and then during the season, um, we caught... Uh, two black ones and uh, it's just and they're so unique and and you know people yeah they're bigger but they're, they all have uh just that look in their eyes man you can just see they 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 would tear you up it's, it's just, just a different a, critter it's a different critter and and, it, and plus you're up there in that you know area that's just unbelievably remote yeah and still very wild it's just it's well yeah because they have where we were now we were there obviously there's snow on the ground and, and uh the grizz are in hibernation but they have grizz they have black bear they have mountain lion they have bobcat they have coyote they have wolf they have pretty much and they have uh the occasional wolverine so yeah. so we were in an area that was just predator uh, rich. Yeah. Now, like I said, we were there in different time of year where they're not allowed, but we did cross a uh, Wolverine track. Um, we crossed probably a half a dozen wolf tracks, and plus we ended up catching uh, those other ones. It was just, uh, you know, there's times, and I'm sure you have this, uh, you know, we've been in this industry, we've been doing these things a long time, and even though we're out there and we're doing this, it, it is still our livelihood, and it, it does get to a point where it's like your job sometimes mm. and, and that trip really rejuvenated uh my soul and my spirit for just like yeah. yeah this is this is why i do this for for this feeling it's like going 
back in time. I mean, even hearing you talk about that and the, the, all the imagery that comes into my my mind of what that must have looked like and you know i, I just it's very jack london-ish and yep. you know it's just it's hitting your roots and going back to a very primitive time striking yep. in, in your own dna and experiencing that walking up on those animals and understanding the the dichotomy of like you said if not for that retention device your ass is toast yeah yeah you need <laughs> those i remember you know when i was when i was doing the the hunting fishing trapping it was an all outdoors type show back in the late 2000s early 2010s you know i i was getting to that point at one point and and i took a trip to newfoundland for moose yeah and i spent seven days in newfoundland and i love the newfie people you know hey what do i remember romaine <laughs> you know they're just they're, they're just great people Newfies. and and when i left there it was just it was rejuvenation and and you have that happen uh periodically on specific trips that you don't even know it's going to happen yeah it, it was just something uh when you get out into those uh arenas and you're doing these things that you may have done before a hundred times, but there's something and it's nothing specific. A lot of times it happens. It just renew rejuvenates your whole soul for what that's you're doing. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, any technologies coming out that you can, are we still kind of status quo? Yeah. I don't know of anything really revolutionary. I mean, the, the dog proof trap that we take off. Oh, it's so great. Well, I, here's how I equate it. If you were going to take a kid fishing and you were going to want them to have success, you're not going to take them musky fishing or, right. you know, out on the ocean trying to catch, you know, yellowfin or whatever. You're going to take them, get a Zebco, get a bobber, get a red worm, go over there, catch some crappie or some sunfish exactly or right. some bluegill. They're, then they're going to be loving it. They're going to be like, let's go fishing. Let's go fish because they had success. Yeah. Well, that's what this dog proof does. You can take a kid out. And if you have raccoon tracks and you're on a raccoon trail, you can set that right in the middle of the trail, the coon or the possum or the skunk, whoever's going to bump their nose on it, and they're going to be there the next morning. Yeah. So that kid comes and he sees that live critter that he's now three feet from. And it just, it, it gets that mindset where, wow, this is awesome. And that's exactly, we talked about Matt and Cranky. That's what happened. I went down there a couple of years ago. Cause I was like, Hey, I want you to go home. And I saw him at the shot show in 2020. He's like, we need to have you come down. I need to get into this more. And I've dabbled in it. Da, da, da. I said, cause I love, you know, I've known cause for over a decade. I said, I'd love to come down and teach your grandkids. I went down there. We went out, we showed them how to do things. I helped them. I showed them. Cranky was, I think, eight at the time. Matt was probably 12. You know, Matt's 14 now. Cranky's 10. Last year, you know, Cranky was nine. And and, and his mom is sending me video <laughs> of him out there doing it by himself, awesome. videoing himself on a on a GoPro. He's nine <laughs> years old. He's out there setting. He's picking his spots. And this year, watch out. You know, yeah. Cuz introduced me at my seminar today, and he said he gave himself the moniker of Uber driver. He goes, <laughs> he goes I'm nothing but their Uber driver now. He goes, they got the whole line set. I don't have to do anything except drive them around. So that's the one cool thing, too, about the dog proofs. The dog proof setter, they can use the ground as a fulcrum. It's it's just... Set uh, 
it. it's, it's great. really set it up for kids and anybody who's never done it that has those misconceptions that it's so hard and I need so much. You really don't. It is not gear centric. The thing's self-contained. Put some bait in there. Set set that trigger. It works off of pressure. And really, it is designed because them coons use their little hands yep. like we do. They're very uh, dexterous. Yeah. Reach down in there and then cotton. That's it. You really shouldn't get any incidental catches. And on no, that. you're you're not really going to. Once in a while, I do hear of a cat getting caught, but I think that's because if you think of how a cat hunts, they use both paws. Yeah. They're always whacking things yeah. back and forth, so they may get a paw down in there, and then that other paw might trip it. But more often than not, you're gonna come let that thing go, and he's gonna yeah. look at you and run away. You know, but um, the the thing about it is, is it allows you to set near barns and sure. where you're having problems with pet animal conflicts, and it's just a, a really good device that actually does put you in a position to be successful and basically be successful day one. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it's good. revolutionized um, trapping to where it's species specific, it's it's uh, humane, and it's just something that everybody, if you're looking to do anything on your ground, whether you own 10 acres, 50 acres, 100 acres, 1,000 acres, it doesn't matter. You can help your overall turkey populations, your other ground nesting birds, whether it's duck, quail, geese, kill deer, grouse, it doesn't matter. You put those in the ground. Every one of those nest raiders, especially raccoons, they're the largest mazel predator, basically taking about 71% of the nets through the study. Every one of them you take out is going to save one to one and a half ground nesting bird nests in, in the brooding season. Now, that's not always all turkey, like I said, but you, you take... 10 off of a 10 acre plot, you've just given yourself a much better chance of success for having those turkeys at least get to hatch. And then, you know, you have the other issues that you need to make sure that they're getting through. Yeah. Yeah. You've proven that with cause and our next guest who I can see sitting on the steps right over there, Mark Drury mm -hmm. has, has proven that on his ground and they've had really good success running the dog proofs uh, conversations I've had with him. So, yep. yeah. And I, you look, you always say, take a kid hunting, take a kid trapping, but um, you do that, invest in them, get a half a dozen. I would love at some point for some of us to get together and put it, you know, I keep calling it a scholarship program, but more mm -hmm. or less, if you take a kid to a trapping seminar and somehow we got to get this worked out that we just give them the equipment, find a way to underwrite it, sponsor it, get someone to, cut the check and provide the equipment and put this stuff on the landscape and these kids will do it. We can make sure that I've already been, you know, like this is one of those shows. Yeah. I just spent, like I said, nine days in Harrisburg. That shows an animal. I yeah, mean, at the end of that, at the end of that, you're beat down and we went home, unloaded a trailer in a van, reloaded a trailer in a van and left the next morning for here. So, um, but you know, at the end of that nine days, I'm like, oh, this is just, oh, my Lord. And, and you get here and this show with the enthusiasm and and just everything going on, it really does rejuvenate my spirit for Good. what we're doing as well. Awesome. Um, the NRA show uh, is, is just a wonderful show that gets everybody in there and we we meet people and, and we're doing the same thing here and the more that we can do that in every expo that we go to um i'm just happy that the nwtf uh has me here i appreciate the, yeah, we're glad to have the you, opportunity to be here i appreciate the opportunity to talk to people and educate them and you're doing a fantastic job with everything you do i see your stuff online and appreciate it. and 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 the more you do 
and the you know the more I know you're a trapper and being able to get that out there showing the value of that uh really really carries a lot of weight as well oh, yeah we all got our parts play and it's again uh, that quality storytelling and, and putting it out there uh, is gonna it's gonna get us where we need to go i think Absolutely. alan Prost, thanks so much for stopping it's always good to see you and uh continued success safe travels for the rest of the season i appreciate it thank you sir Hey guys, this is Aaron with The Hunting Public. Each spring we head to the woods chasing turkeys and one overlooked product that we use religiously is Sawyer permethrin. We've used it for years to keep ticks off of us and it's worked extremely well. We don't like messing around with Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anything like that. So I would highly recommend if you're a spring turkey hunter spending any time in warmer climates in the outdoors to use Sawyer permethrin. Learn about their advanced insect repellents and family of technical lightweight water filters at Sawyer.com. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. Today, that was today. Same thing, and then that's tomorrow. You don't give yourself any breaks. I don't. I'm kind of a glutton for punishment, you but are. I enjoy it. It's fun. I get fatigued. I get tired towards the end, but there's we're here for such a small amount of time, and there's so much knowledge, and there's so much information, there's so many you stories. Just, you feel like you miss it. I got to get it all as yeah. much as I possibly can, and then inevitably, Saturday night and Sunday morning will come, and I'll realize who. Who I missed, I didn't even know was showing up. Sure, so I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for the opportunity for the people that, like yourself, that are able to commit to it, sit down, block off 15 minutes, and just uh, tear it up for a little bit. Sure, and then put this all together and, and let it go out there and tell our story. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, it's great. The the train rolls on, continues day two here in the afternoon of the NWTF Convention and Sports Show, and the uh, an institution in turkey hunting uh, community. In culture, Mark Drury of Drury Outdoors sits down with us now. He stepped into the booth. Welcome, sir. Great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, Fred. What what kind of energy is this? It's unreal. Like, I, I know many of the people listening have probably been to the show, but if you haven't been here, you've got to check this out. Like, if you're a turkey enthusiast or really an outdoor enthusiast, you just don't want to miss it. It's insane. It, and that is um, a continuing theme in all these conversations through everybody. You know, whether we get a mic in front of them or we're just out there uh, on the on the patio talking, there is a, an electricity this year. There's an energy. Uh, it started from jump when we when people started coming in and, and checking in to uh, people understanding that they needed to get in line at a very early hour in a very late evening for a, for uh, a mossy vest, oak vest, the Mr. Fox, the Mr. Vest. Fox vest. And then that turned into a, a crazy spectacle 
realizing that, oh, another 200 are going to be given tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So what that guy did at 6 p.m., I got to best him at 4 p.m. People started standing right. out there yesterday. It's like, and it's just so cool. And that, and that buzz specifically over at Mossy Oak, that has not let up all for two days. No, no. That booth is one of the busiest in there for sure. You know, it, uh, it's just it's just so good to see our fellow turkey hunters here supporting all these different yeah. great conservation minded companies. Those are the ones that I love, the ones that are just wrap their arms around conservation because it's so important for our future and for the future. All these kids walking around. Yeah. I mean, you just uh, pay attention to that, I guess, as you make purchases and and who you support in terms of the product you buy, who's yeah. conservation minded and who is not. Yeah, we had uh, Brock in here from a, a big fragment. We hit that very note that this this community out here, this family recognizes family and they will support enthusiastically the people that are genuine and put their money where their mouth is and put it back in. Just like with the Mr. Fox Fest, not a dime of that is going to Mossy Oak's pockets. Right. It's exactly. all going to turkey research. Last night, they did a party call, called uh, Pour One for the Poults. Yes. You know? I mean, that place was jam-packed and all of that money went to conservation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what I love so much about our brothers at Mossy Oak yeah, and sisters. It's wonderful. So so what's what's happening in your world? There's, there's, there's always something innovative, something going on. I know the family's expanding. There's there's that. That's going on. That's very exciting. Certainly. I have a reduced uh, turkey schedule this year in terms of guests because Taylor's due April 21st. Man. So that's uh, that's exciting for yeah. us. From Congratulations. Thank that's you awesome. very much. Yeah. It's so I have to share a great story about one of our dear friends, Harold Knight. I was talking to him last week and I was asking him to be on our podcast, you know, mm -hmm. our working class on DeerCast, actually Kurt's podcast. And he said he asked about Taylor. And I said, she's doing good and she's expecting. He said, well, when she do? I said, April 21st. He goes, well, if she has that baby on April 19th, I'm going to give that baby $100 bill. I said, is that your birthday, Harold? He said, yes, it is. No, goes, no kidding. He goes, everybody's who's born on the 19th, I give them a $100 bill. So uh, that's a, I, I told him, I said, Harold, you were destined to be a great turkey hunter from the day you were born. If your birthday's <laughs> April 19th, I mean, how could you find a, a, a date in our country that's more in the middle of the gobbling than yeah. April 19th? So I just thought that was, that was awesome. And since I've been at the show, Ernie Calandrelli is April 21st. Get out of here. Mike Fury is April 18th. So I think our, our granddaughter is going to be in good company. My son is April 18th. Well, there you go. It worked out. I was like, man, you're going to be a hell of a turkey hunter, whether yeah. you like it or not. Perfect. How about it? <laughs> and he loves it. Yeah, it's perfect. He said, oh, every every birthday, I'm going to get turkey gear. Like, if you so choose, yeah. we can make that happen. Yeah, maybe even up. better, get you a turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we start traveling about. But, yeah, that's that's great. So, what what's happening uh, back home or what's uh, the winter and, and watching the deer and turkey? And you've, you've posted some great uh, content of your yeah. winter flocks. Absolutely. Yeah, winter flocks look good. Um, I've got probably more turkeys right now than I've had in over a decade. Mm. But we took some solid steps years ago, and I think we talked about this before, yeah. just hammering the nest predators and predators in general. Yeah. This winter we're well over 200 coons during the trapping season here. The boys are in the mid-20s in coyotes. They'll end up at 50 to 60 or 70 coyotes they've killed. Um, and then habitat improvement, food plots uh, specific for the wild turkey. And then more than anything, 
we've changed the way that we hunt and the way we manage our flocks. Like we pay very close attention to how many birds we've historically heard on a farm, how many we see. And then we, we watch that through, through time. And if that number is going down, we lay off those areas. And if it's going up, then we'll accelerate a right. little bit. We quit shooting gobblers that are tending a bunch of hens. Dr. Mm-hmm. Chamberlain told me that probably four years ago. And that's made a huge difference for us. Like the, the research that they have out is saying that there's only a few, a small percentage, 20, 25 percent of the that's toms exactly that actually right. do the breeding. So don't take those breeders out, you know. So we've done some key steps and it's it's helped our bird population. I got a pile of turkeys right now. That's awesome. And yeah, then it's with, working to go with that 20 percent of toms that are breeding the hens. Only 20 percent of those hens are actually successfully mm-hmm raising young and that that even blows your mind even more the 20 percent of the ones are yeah they're 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 laying nests to completion and then carrying them through and it's just it's mind-boggling how small of a population of the birds are actually doing all the work so you're not you're not going to affect the the hen side of that right but you can affect the for the sure side my goodness yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. shocking when you hear that research. Yeah, it is. And it's well, it, but it makes a lot of sense. Totally. It explains a lot of things. Yeah. And it, and I'm glad, you know, Dr. Collier was in here earlier and, and I was just still excited coming, you know, we're almost a year <laughs> removed from the the wild turkey symposium that was down in North Carolina, but so much of that information that used to be just within the professional ranks, maybe some of it would come out of study. Right. But it's, now it's, it's bleeding out. Product like this, your podcast more people that are able to come and cover that and tell that story. Knowledge is power. And this crowd now, and I think you and Taylor for, for what you guys do socially definitely would understand what I'm talking about. There is a hunger and a thirst and a frothing sea of people that want that information like never before. Well, they want to fix it because they know the way it was, right? Sure. So the desire is to get, where's my turkeys? I want them back. And they're willing to do so. I just talked to two gentlemen from Georgia and I asked them where they hunted and told them I'd hunted there. And they were like, yeah, we don't hunt them too hard anymore. We're letting this bird population build back. Good so for them. hunters are the, the greatest conservationists and they'll take care of themselves. So the more knowledge they have, to your point, knowledge is power, the better they're going to be at bringing mm. those flocks back. And I'm hearing that conversation over and over in a lot of different circles. So I think it's a, a good thing that people are, are aware great. of it and, and doing better things. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, it is great. It's not, you don't, it's not a lot of hyperbole or a lot of, uh, you know, backyard biology. People are taking hard data and science and going to the experts and going to the professionals and say, how can I use the information you're providing us? To, just like you guys. I, I was When Collier was in here, I, I cited you, the, the conversation we had and the work you've done. Alan Probst, who was just in here, and he and Cuz's work that they do on Cuz's Dirt. I mean... It's proof positive. Stuff works. It, it is, especially that nest predation population. Mm-hmm. When you control it and take it down, you'll see your turkeys come back. Yeah, doc, like a, to me, that's the number one factor. Yeah. You know, And doc, it's the one that we can control the easiest. For sure. Doc Chamberlain and, and Doc Collier, uh, I think I, I popped my head in their seminar briefly just to check on a couple of things. And they're right in the middle of talking about like this is one of the biggest things we can do right now that, like you said, it's accessible. It's fairly inexpensive. I mean, you can get into a half a dozen dog proofs for under a hundred bucks yeah. with bait and very little time to deploy. And it's easy to succeed. Yeah. It's a great way to get kids in the outdoors. You know, um, it's just, there's, there's really no downside to it you know, yeah. at all. I mean, the upside's huge. So waving, I've got a, a fun competition going on between Wade and Perry. All right. So coons are worth two points. Coyotes are worth three points. <laughs> Possums, skunks are worth a point. Uh, 
does are worth a point management bucks are worth two points so we're doing this year-round competition to see who is the better gamekeeper right at the end <laughs> yeah, of the year yeah. and then whoever wins wins that horse race and i mean they're back and forth each week is going to have their choice of the bucks on on my farm right oh. like it's going to be you know, as long as we're not one on money, <laughs> but they're going to, then they are, I mean, after each other. What every an day. incentive, huh? They are just, they are just getting after the coyotes and the coons. And I love it because it's, and they, they're having fun with it too. Cause they know it's a win-win for all of us. Cause it's helping the turkeys, but it was a fun way to do something for yeah. them. And, and uh, they're having fun with it. The, the coyote trapping you guys have been doing, how long you've been at that? Like in, in really going after them? Well, they do more. Most of the coyotes they kill are at night with thermals. I mean, that's okay. how they're, killing those they're not really trapping okay. for the coyotes they're killing them calling them which they love to do so yeah. they've killed all those with a call really yeah i don't think they've trapped so any my, my curiosity for this is have you guys noticed has the population if they're taking them has it rebounded at all because i in i terms was of the coyotes yeah because i was challenged some years ago uh, by some professionals and i kind of know it to be science now that those coyotes will be responsive breeders so if you're taking the science said that if you're taking so many off at once yeah piece, they'll end up having larger litters yeah. have you seen that i'm just curious i'm not trying to put you on the spot it's just interesting through, to me through time i've certainly seen it as the coyote populations dip if they get the mange or something you know yeah. they'll bounce back and yeah. i think we're in one of those bounce backs right now so really? but if you have it i think it's Consistency is probably the, the yeah. key there. If you have a consistent effort towards that, I think it, it is going to make a big difference. Well, I see it in my just in my trail photos. I'm I'm seeing fewer coyotes because they're great. killing them. They're know? smart though. They they recognize the pressure. Like if you pressure a population right. animal, I I am this is not worth my energy anymore. Something keeps ha bad happening, and we're going to leave. Yeah. So that's good. You're having results. Yeah, we're pounding them. Yeah, good for you guys. Yeah. yeah What's uh? I, I know you said uh, uh with the, the expanding family. Uh, spring's going to be a little truncated for you, but any big plans? Well, it or? won't be truncated. In, in the, I'm still going <laughs> to hunt as much as I ever did, but I'm going to take a couple, three, four-day break when she goes into labor. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. So I'm going to go out there and be a grandpa, you know, and then uh, come back and start hunting again. How's the hunting over there? gracious i don't know no, I, we all got that same rattle i don't yeah i don't really have anything i'm just hold on let me grab it sure so i'll be in utah for that and um hunting there is good is it um their population is expanding right now i know when taylor first met austin probably gosh seven or eight years ago they had a few birds. Now they have a lot of birds, and he's picked up more more places to go as well. Oh, now fun. it's in the mountains. I mean, it's it's tough tough navigation, but he's got quite a few turkeys. Yeah, that's fantastic. Nat, Nevada, I heard, and I've never turkey hunted in Nevada, but I heard that's one of the more challenging states over there. So I didn't know if that lent itself to like to Utah or not. I've heard the same thing about um, Nevada. In fact, I was talking to Rob Keck last spring when he was in, and he said his toughest bird to kill. Out of, you know, he went to all 50 states mm. or 48 states. It was the Nevada bird, he yeah. said, was the toughest one. I've heard that. Couldn't find them well, and finally did and killed one. So. Good for Utah for getting it done. I mean, that's great. Yeah, they got a lot of turkeys. That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, certain levels, you know, you, you, they don't have them up where, like, you know, you get above seven, 8,000, you're not going to find them up right. there. But, you know, down at 4,000, 5,000, the flock's pretty good. That's good. Has, um, I guess, her husband, because he's from out Boston. there. Uh, Austin. Do people, it's just such a game-rich area with such a lot of big game potential. Do people, you often hear about Western hunters, don't really purposely go for turkeys 
any anecdotally changes out there? Are people really like starting to change their, their pleasures for that? I, I think there's quite a few guys out there getting into it cool. from what Austin says. That's you know, awesome. Are there as many turkey hunters as there is mule deer and, and elk? No, but there's quite a few that are enjoying that that sport. Certainly. That's great. Yeah. It's really, I think for, for our story, our NWTF story and, and the turkey hunting culture, that Western expanse is so important to that and, and really bring it you know, coast to coast and having that support. And Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I was just talking to those guys over there. They hunt in Wyoming as well. And I said, man, what a beautiful place to hunt turkeys. I said, of course, there's no bad places to hunt yeah. turkeys. Like if there's a turkey strut and it gets really pretty real quick, yeah, real no quick. matter where you're sitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, what, 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 Utah's in that car. My goodness. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful there. state. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 The parts I've been, no doubt. Um, what, convention number is this you know for you for me my first one was 87 and i feel like i missed one or two due to illness but other than that i've caught them all so Man. it's a pile what yeah. are you hoping to see here just catching up with friends you know it's for me it's like a family reunion you know some of my best friends in the whole world are in this building mm-hmm. you know but yeah. paul butsky and eddie salter i just hugged him alex rutledge ernie calandrelli chris kirby yeah, I just love seeing all these guys. Yeah. Stevie Stoltz, Chris Parrish. I mean, all my old buddies that I turkey called against all through the 80s and into the 90s. I yeah. mean, we were together every weekend all through the, you know, you, you bond on this turkey yeah. calling circuit. So it's nice to see everybody. I have a couple of good buddies that are just ate up with that. Uh, one fellow who's, I think he's up there or he, he made he made a cut. Uh, Brett Ledoux uh, out of Vermont. And uh, it's it's fun to watch those guys have that level of success and, and, and observe as an outsider that that subculture it's it's really fascinating to me how they you know it's just it's a tight bond yeah it's super tight that's exactly that's what i'm looking yeah, for they're all really really close friends until yeah. they go up so they go and that's right that's that's a juxtaposition right as soon as they're up there it's this business folks. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah it is and they're all so good anymore gracious if you yeah. haven't seen a, a turkey calling contest go check one out because what we were doing in the 80s and 90s isn't isn't 50 percent of what they're able to do now with a call in their mouth these guys right now are just insanely good it's pretty tremendous it's pretty awesome and i i, I just love listening to it as a as a spectator sport because they are so talented and they do things that only that group can do like there's 40 50 60 callers so a handful in the whole country that sound like this and and it's after that it goes way falls way off the cliff you know because these guys are they're they're enjoyable to listen to it's music to my ears mark prudhomme opened the show uh this morning i was lucky enough to pull him away from that and uh you know kind of opine that those guys up there sometimes do it better than the actual birds they sound they better it's like what? you can't even touch it i agree with that they really <laughs> do sound better yeah, yeah they do it's pretty awesome yeah it's awesome it's awesome i i it just like i said if you haven't seen a calling contest lately or if you can't go attend one check this one out on facebook or youtube that's exactly it, right you know do you guys post it on youtube i know it's you live post- it's live right now it's happening right there on youtube yeah, yeah so. and then it'll be available after convention we'll cut it up and we're even gonna put it on tiktok yeah tiktok nice. turkey calling yeah so, there you go <laughs> the tiktok crowd likes uh likes the uh the stage calling yeah yeah they respond to it well so mark it's great to have you thanks for uh providing me 15 to 20 minutes of your oh, time man, it's a it's, pleasure it's always fun to sit down with you fred yeah, i mean you, we sir. did our last one via zoom so this yeah, better no, this is face. way better. I wish we could do more in person. They're just the, 
It's a better quality it's, product. Yeah, I enjoy well, it. it's, geographically, it's impossible. It's so yeah, yeah. At least we got to sit down here. So yeah. I appreciate you having me on. And anybody wants to check our stuff out, you can find us on social media at Drury Outdoors or Deercast is probably the best way to be tuned, tuned into all things Drury Outdoors. For sure. So. Continue success. Thank all you right. for everything you do for uh, for turkeys and conservation and always being a great supporter of your family of the NWTF. Turkey season 23 coming at you. Let's We're going to do 10 to 12 episodes of semi-lives. And it's, it's, I just always feel our footage is so incredible. The guys do such a nice job bringing it down. So we're going to have some good stuff coming up. Heck yeah. Looking forward to and it. And a baby in there somewhere. And a, and a grandbaby. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate All you, right. buddy. Thank you. Here we go. Here we go. The show continues. Day two here. Simon Kiabani of SK Guns. Guys, I know you saw this set. Uh, 50th anniversary edition um, commemorative set. And I know that because uh, social kind of blew up on it. Yeah. And everyone want to know all about it. There are all sorts of questions. So uh, we got the man himself is going to tell you about the collection. Uh why and and just let's learn about you guys as a company and sure and, sure and the you Love know it. why the design was chosen i mean these are beautiful firearms that tell me more so it, this started about a year ago um we were speaking with kara from nwtf and natala Nat- as yep. well so we were trying to get something put together for their commemorative so the only thing I love to do is, you know, design, embellish and create history. Mm. And 50 years is a huge milestone. Pretty big number. Yeah, it's a big number. It's a big number. So once we went into design and development, the first choice is what are we going to do it on? Well, we chose the Henry Golden Boy in 22. Mm. And since we love our 1911s and Smith and Wesson actually created an engraver series model for us, Mm -hmm. which is basically the lower of the E series and it has a blank slide. Yeah. So we can do whatever we want. With the serrations yeah, yeah, yeah and the serrations on that 1911 are really stand out they really set it off right yeah yeah so we actually and they're functional and we actually created the nwtf logo on the serrations and that's beautiful so in itself you know the left side of the slide the, the left side of the receiver they're a matching combo their uh, common thread is there. You got the turkey beard all the way at the end of the turkey scroll. I mean, it's all custom done. Thanks to our friends over at Baron Engraving. We're doing 200 of these. The stocks, they're walnut. They all match. Uh, it's just its just a gorgeous gun. What you can't see right there, what you're looking at is on top of the gun, there's actually a bow. So you got an arrow actually shooting upwards because, you know, you hunt in various ways. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. We had a guy stop by the booth today and he's like so why the 22 or why the 45 i said because if you can't hit it with the 22 you got your 45 (laughs) (laughs) so that's a that's a fantastic answer because we were getting asked why these guns why these calibers why not a shotgun Mm -hmm. because now you know now you know there you go that's right so that's cool i i I would love to see the the top side of that. I didn't realize that, that yeah. those accents were yeah, put well, on if there. If you go to our website, it's live now. So we're doing only 200 of these. So the matching sets will be sold as a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually donated number one and number 50 to NWTF yeah. for them to do for their auction, which mm-hmm. is today the online auction. And then tomorrow at the uh, banquet at the gala. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. the mm-hmm. big one. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. I mean, they've done so much. I mean, and where they started in Fredericksburg, Virginia is just an hour south of 
of us. You know, we're in Northern Virginia, Haymarket. Um, our corporate office is located there. And it's just, Virginia's a beautiful state. You know, there's a lot of things that we still don't like about it, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great things that we are getting better at. Oh, man. Well, listen, I can attest to that. I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base for six years of my uh, six-year enlistment, so mm, I mm. get it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's a, Langley. It's a, the Commonwealth <laughs> different. Yes, yeah, the state are, is starkly different because that whole military Eastern Shore, all that is a, it's like it's a different state than get in the mountains and go west. Exactly. It's two totally different states. Exactly. And then you got the, the top part that Nono is like, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that rule the uh, beltway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just been great being here being a part of the family i mean it's our first year and it's just the overwhelming response to people walking by because you know we even created a lost states of america series we launched it last year with the lost state of jacinto commemorating sam houston remembering the alamo and avenging goliad well this year we're launching the lost state of franklin and that commemorates John Sevier against the Loyalists from when uh, John Sevier and John Tipton, they were battling each other to mm. create the state of Franklin, which is today part of Tennessee, mm -hmm. Franklin, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So there's a rich history that goes behind it. We actually use whiskey barrel grips on this 1911. Very nice. Yeah, it'll be launching in about a month. So, you know, if you're on our website or following us on social, you'll see when it's available. See, and that's what's cool, right? And whether you know this or not, you, you by virtue of immersion out here, you may pick up on this. The subtle details like that, incorporating history, like so you see all these great beautiful calls turkey calls that are out there and people will use specific woods they'll use specific wood for a pot because it's significant there's a history to it it came off of a, a barn on their grandfather's or great-grandfather's land or it came off of a specific tree that just sings right for a box call off a, a, an ancestor's land so there's a history to that very smart using those whiskey barrels for that Tennessee, Correct. you know, that just, it just makes so much sense. And when you can tell a, this, this whole, the theme for, for my show really uh, here at convention and in, in totality is being able to tell a story and convey a story and doing it the right way and being good storytellers Yes, as turkey hunters and conservationists. Uh, we're really good at telling our story uh, in turkey camp with our buddies. But over the years, over 50 years, we've, had a challenging time of telling our NWTF story, what it is we do with our partners, why our partners come to us and say, yeah, I'm in on that. I got to work with the National Wild Turkey Federation Absolutely. because of all these people out here, our members, our volunteers, because when they recognize SK Customs and say, oh, you guys are a part of the family, they enthusiastically Sign me up. I want to help support you. That's right. That's and right. And it's a really awesome symbiotic relationship that goes on. And people that become partners with us for the first time are like, wow, it's it's lifelong. It's, yeah, it's exactly right. And like you just said, it's family out there. That's right. That's right. And we're real happy to be a part of it. And we're going to be a part of it every year. We're looking forward to the future. We're looking forward to the growth. And that's the great thing about the stock on the Henry. Because yeah. one side of it shows 50 years leading up. And then the other side, it flips over to another 50 years leading forward. So you've Hell got yeah. 100 years I right there that. on one stock. That's awesome. I love the turkey tracks. I mean, yeah. Holy smoke. Yeah. 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 So, uh, no, that's the detail is fantastic. Um, 
your story. I mean, how did you guys start? Uh, we started back on the custom side. Um, well, 20 years back, we've been doing just custom guns, mm. like just one-offs here and there messing around. And we just decided in 2019 to do our own productions. So we linked up with Baron. They've been great with us. Baron's done a lot of great work. Yeah. yeah. Baron Technology, big shout out to them. They, you know, we couldn't do it without them. They got a great team and we got great historians that are on our side because mm -hmm. we're near the swamp and the mm -hmm. Smithsonian's. <laughs> so obviously we have a great, great group of people that put together various different concepts. And I'm proud to say that we are, we have changed the future of collectability by being the only the nation's only series driven manufacturer and yeah. production firearms. So the Lost States of America, that's one series. You got the Lost, you got Gods of Olympus. We did with Poseidon, with Zeus, with Ares. We're just going to be launching out the um, uh, the Untamed. We actually launched the Untamed Anaconda. Oh, yeah? yeah, yeah. So it's all your deadliest predators, you know, wolves, bears, tigers, you, <laughs> you name it. Yeah. So if a 44 Mag can't take it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Colt's been Crazy. a great part. Partner, you know, Smith and Wesson's been a great partner, and we got a couple other partners that are coming on board. I mean, it's just it's just great to work with all the different main manufacturers as well as what we do and in the embellishing side of it. The history, it's all rich history. I love that angle of it. Uh, again, it's a, it's a story. It's our story. It's our history that you're you're telling in design and art. Yeah, and that's fantastic. Yeah. And if anything else, someone's gonna get a great piece, a collectible piece, and then learn something at the same time. Correct. I mean, Correct. holy smokes! Jonathan always tells me he was always like, "You're too close to these things. You gotta step back." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can write you a five page essay. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> great. I mean, again, I I appreciate good storytelling. So tell me the the engraving. I mean, some of this. Has any of it hand struck or so we have to not put you on the spot. No, I just, no, I just no, wanna... no, by all means. I mean, this is all this like, is really intricate. It's very intricate. It's done on a multiple access laser machine mm. and it's done through various different uh, segments, I would say, in steps. But we take it to the next level in banishment. So like I was mentioning, the the, uh, the this is the gods of Egypt that's launching. So you see the blue that's already on the slide. Mm. That's a laser that creates that. Oh, you wow. Know? That's, a, that's a highly reflective blue that is just it just takes it to another level, you know? Did you have a, a linguist transcribe all those hieroglyphics? No, but that actually means Anubis. We're launching with Anubis no next month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We wow, actually man. took that. So that's the part. That's the second Smith & Wesson that we're launching on the Engraver series. The front site's a pyramid dime site. It's a pyramid site. It's just, it's just beautiful art. I mean, the rich history behind it. Now, with all that, I mean, we collaborated. SK Gives Back. In 2019, we started working with uh, Kids in Play, Scholastic Shooting Sports um, Foundation. We started working with DC Project. Uh, we started working with many, many nonprofits that give back and that educate our kids and, and help us in our organization and industry, right? So we created the Gives Back program. And the Gives Back program goes into, you know, many different attributes of what we can do and give back to the community. So the Purple Heart was one of the recent launches last year. It was the 240th anniversary of the Military Badge Merit, so George Washington. 
Um, we went out, we partnered with Purple Heart Homes, we partnered with Purple Heart Integration Project, and we created the Purple Heart 1911 Colt 45. And it's just been so, so overwhelming. I mean, there's some names that I can't mention that have ownership of them that want them through auctions. But if you go on our website, you'll see it all. It's just, you know, four star generals. You know, there's a lot of people. And we did this for the cause. We did this. and, And this is all going towards them, towards towards their vision as well. It's interesting, you know, you say that the four star journals. I've always playfully joked, um, you know, with the 1911, because I so many people today are, are about comfort you know, everyday carry. And, and certainly a 1911 doesn't really lend itself to a, an everyday carry, right? Your ECD. But I always joke from my military days, like, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a Colonel plus gun. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the one you see right behind their desk in a shadow box, all right. set up. And it's like, but there, there's a tradition there. There is. There now, I, I love what you're doing here. I love, again, I, I love the history tie-in. How, how big is your company? I mean, for doing all this. So our company in the corporate office, we have about seven people working the corporate office. Yep. You know, we have people working the drop ships. We work with dealers. You know, we work with a whole group of people. Um, we distribute. So our company itself is a small company, but it's it's, it's a everyone wears multiple hat company. Perfect fit because yeah. they're yep. about 150. Yep. Yep. And look at all this. And we all and we exactly. wear like half a dozen hats, too. Exactly. And we're OK with it. Exactly. That's for the love of what you do. It is. It truly is. I mean, everyone gets their eyes put on every single gun. Everyone gets to make sure that everything goes out the way it should be. All the literature's there. Everything's packaged nicely. You know, and our dealers are great support. You know, we, we're always taking on new dealers to help us run productions. And we only do very limited numbers. Mm. We do 200 of each. Makes when you're special. trying... When you're trying to do eight to 10 productions a year, Hmm. and they're all series driven, so the following year you're doing the next series, the next series, we're scoped out to now 2029. So for NWTF, I mean, I, you don't have to let the cat out of the bag, but I mean, I see a, <laughs> I see a whole uh, Grand Slam series coming. There is. It's just going to get better and better. <laughs> Every subspecies, Grand Slam, Royal Slam, we'll uh, get right. all them turkeys on there. That's well, right. fantastic, man. I, I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad to hear uh, a bit of your story and, 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 and kind of letting our, our family know exactly who you are and why these guns are so special. And uh, hopefully now uh, they're a bit more special knowing your story and, and your passion for what we do. Absolutely. Simon, thanks for coming in, man. I thanks appreciate you. Me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for so the support. Much. Welcome Th- to the family, thank man. Thank you. Thank you. And I brought you a little bit of something. This is oh. a showstopper. Here. Okay. Let's see what so, you got. It just looks like a normal pen, but when you push that button, oh, look at that lights up. Look at that. So if you ever get lost and you're out in the field and you're on a hunt and you just it's dark, your batteries ran out, all you gotta do is hit it a couple times and there's a balloon up there that's gonna be able to see it. <laughs> there's a balloon <laughs> is, somewhere up there that's is, gonna be able to see it. Is the guy you live close to gonna shoot it down? <laughs> you know we are. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're at. They're not very good at it. Man, thank you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate <laughs> all it. Right. Rolling Ronnie Evans with Remington Ammunition uh, is in the booth here for the Trick Call Access podcast. Welcome, Ronnie. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me, man. We're excited to be here. We're going to nerd out on uh, turkey loads. There you go. That's that's what I like. Yeah. So I was uh, I was reminiscing 
uh, earlier today on one of the interviews, uh, we were talking about turkey loads and, you know, the, you know, how they've come along and where we're sitting in 2023 with all the technology we can certainly get into. But I, I lovingly look back on my Remington nitro green hole number fours yep. that I killed my very first turkey with and subsequently a few other turkeys thereafter. Sure. Um, two and three quarter that still got it done. Still can Certainly. get it done today. And there, I think some of them are out there on the yeah, board, we, perhaps. Well, yeah, we have nitro turkey here. Uh, most everything is Classic. three inch, and, and we have some 20 gauge and things there. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think most everything's three inch. So that's a good, <clears throat> it was, or maybe probably still is, a good 40 yard load for a oh, yeah. turkey hunter. And Definitely. there's still plenty of them out there, but the the craze still is is tss as it as it were for the last i don't know five years anyway and remington's in the tss game yep talk to me about that what are, what are those loads like well I, it's funny we, you know we talk about how things have changed over time and sure. i had a <clears throat> had a guy come to the booth this morning he was talking to me he's telling me why would i shoot tss they're more expensive and mm. so you know the tss is the absolute um best performing turkey load that we make and and most of these other companies can say would say the same thing it's it's the best performing for the distance because of the density of the shot you can go down so much smaller in shot size and still have such a an effective range yeah. that you have a really dense pattern that's going to perform outperform anything so if if i'm going to be the best turkey hunter i can be i'm gonna have the best ammo in my gun i can get yeah it, it was phenomenal <clears throat> when it, it came on the scene and you read the the data, the 20 page abstract, if you can call it an abstract, 20 pages, yeah. uh, with, with the lethality of it, like the, the proof oh, positive wow. data on what you just explained very quickly and very plainly yeah. for all of us turkey hunters to understand yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, man, you can do this at known distances that are extending beyond what you've traditionally been used to. Yep. And you can do it responsibly, ethically, and you yes. can take it to the bank. You're going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. But now with that has brought up, you know, obviously, um, safety concerns because now we're, we're reaching out a little further. So it's yes, more important yes. to know those known distances. And, you know, obviously we have the 10 commandments of firearm safety yes. that we all adhere to where we hope we do, but it really, you know, when you start doing that, you're not shooting number four nitros. You're no. shooting something a little bit more high test, a little more yes, octane to it. And you need to know what's beyond you, that target. You've got to be very aware of what's around you at all times. Yeah. I mean, you, you've went, you've you've made a shotgun more high powered, yeah. right? You know, if you're a deer hunter, you have to know what's past my 200 yard target. That's right. You have, so you've got to start thinking that way a little bit with this particular show. So talk to me about how that all works. Because I, I get it that you can get more in there. I see the density patterns. Like it's, everybody gets on the turkey pages on social. Like, sure. Look what I did. And it was like 400, five, whatever they all are, spell it. Sure. all in there. But like the charge itself, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the material gets out there and holds together. But how does that all work together to, to deliver such lethality? Well, so when you get to when you start thinking about nine shot, the, the 12 gauge uh, in the Remington, there's an ounce and three quarters of shot. And when you've got number nines, there is a lot of shot in there. So the fact that it's so small, you know, one of the things that helps in a tighter pattern or a better, more condensed pattern is a fact of buffering. And the shot being the sheer size it is actually buffers itself. So there's not a lot of, well, even as going through a constriction, the shot column won't, it don't distort so easily because of the smaller shot. Hmm. So as it comes out, it stays more uniform. So with that more uniform pattern, obviously, 
you're having more control over what the pattern is on the far end. Now, the thing you do get into with the TSS, and some people may go along with this or not, you actually run out of you actually run out of pattern before you run out of ammo, mm. before you run out of pellet energy. Gravity's the only thing kind of takes it out. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> you know, this stuff early on when TSS was being developed, we've I've had stories of engineers talking about shooting some duck hunting and having their truck um, 300 yards away. And, of course, they're shooting at ducks. They're not shooting at turkeys. They're shooting elevated. And, and they're getting over to their truck, and it's specked their pickup up. <laughs> now, I wouldn't be happy with that if they'd done my pickup that way. But, you know, if I'm out there and I shot my own truck, that's my own issue, right? So <clears throat> the, the, the sheer fact that it's a smaller shot, uh. it doesn't, through the constriction of the choke tube, doesn't distort as easy, if that mm, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, to me, and what you see, these really dense patterns with all this shot mm. is one of the contributing factors. It really holds together well, right? It does. And it really holds together well. Which, again, is probably more advantageous when you're taking those longer shots that it does because you kind of you know what that shot pattern looks like. And it's not as spread as your traditional like 12 gauge loads that right. can really start to expand once you get beyond 25 and 30 yards. Yes. Now, this stuff starts really expanding. You know, when you're shooting like a, a really good a TSS branded choke tube, yeah. uh, I know our friends at Truelock makes one. And, you know, when you start getting out there to that 60 to 70 yard area, you're going to start losing that pattern a little yeah. bit there. Yeah. But that's not also 40 yards you're losing a pattern like no. you stated while ago. So it does, when you have that stubborn Tom Turkey that's just going to get out there and yeah. he's going to hang up at 60, with this stuff, I can get him. You got a fighting chance. I got I like my chances. Yeah, yeah. So the one thing when I started shooting some TSS loads, uh, brand not specific, I don't even remember at this yeah. point, but there was a consistency when I tried different things is that that pattern if you're a close-in turkey hunter, you need to get used to that because it didn't open up right away. No, and you, that, yeah. it, ha it holds and still holds yep. together out 20 yards and in. So you got to be considerate of that because I miss some damn good turkeys yes, you, you sure with can. very expensive ammo. You sure can. You know, you're starting to see, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot. You're seeing a lot of these turkey, turkey hunters start putting red dots and stuff on, yeah. on now, you know, to help with that, to help with that aim, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, you don't want to send one by him that you you know you've got no. that much invested in him. He flies off. You're like, what the heck did I just do? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's a there was a learning curve. Yeah, it's we, still pretty we more precise. Now. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I know. think everybody understands. But hey, I don't. I love the red dot. And I'll tell you, I put red dots on all my setups and my my kids, and it was a it's a it's a confidence builder. It's not like a scope. Like you always know nope. people always think like, Oh, give me a scope. I can, I can turn into, you know, Chris Kyle and, and Chris Kyle turkeys. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It's no, but no. my kid. Yeah. I put a red dot on there and he just has all this confidence, even though he's used to shooting irons or beads or, you know, some sort of fiber. You it's put a, the red dot oh on gosh. the spot, put yeah. the dot on the spot and let it ride. That's right. If you build confidence in kids, they will return. Sure. God. And, yes. they, and it's like, yeah, I can I can I can do this. I can keep doing this. The more they, the more they enjoy it, the more comfortable they are with it, the more they fall in love with it and will do it for the rest of their yeah, life. It's one less variable yes. they really need to consider. Yep. And then when the when a I don't care, like kids 12 to 16, I mean, if they've been doing it for four or five years, I mean. You're still a kid. Yep. There's still that. And even adults, there's still those nerves for, you know, emergent sure. hunters that are just coming into it. So, again, I, I, I harp on this. I love the Red Dot. I love the Red yes. Dot Revolution. They, they all seem to be uh, pretty much the same. I'm not brand specific myself. So I, I think if you can add that to your hunting scenario, 
with a good load. I, I think it's a winner all the way around. Yeah, I, I and agree. it's good for the bird because it's oh, yeah. clean and it's a, done a, yes. instantly. There's no doubt about it. You, you, when you connect with this stuff, it's it's a done deal. Yeah, yeah. Anything new coming out? Any, has the technology advanced? How's, how's supply chain fixed? Can we see prices so, come down? <laughs> yeah, so, well, let's TSS-wise, you know, that, that shot is pretty darn expensive. Everyone on our end, you know, yeah. and, as, and as, as it is, you know, that's the nature of the beast when we're manufacturing and, yeah. the, and the price goes along. Um, supply chain is getting better. Um, good. You know, we're seeing uh, plastics and, and uh, metal and and cardboard and things. We are one thing that we are seeing a little bit that gives us some fits from time to time is like machinery tools, tooling, mm. and and parts. Sometimes it would have six week lead times, or now we're seeing twelve week lead times. So that can be frustrating at times for us, but mm. it's not horrible. It's not you know I, I will tell you when you start talking the word expedite, uh, that doesn't mean anything doesn't anymore. Mean anything it doesn't anymore. mean no. You, <laughs> you know on my Time. Yeah, yeah. So we really need this. Well, I know you do, but everybody else needs theirs too. Dude, so. last last spring, I mean, I know you felt it too. Holy smokes! Oh, it was it just tough. It was so tough. Deliveries of of metal strip to make caps or or primer metallic parts, or uh, we went through the time where resin to make shell bodies was getting pretty tight, and yeah. we'd be right on top of them or had to wait on it and. That's that's hard to deal with, you know. That's yeah. that makes it tough. But those those things have gotten better, you know. They've gotten better. They're not exactly perfect where we want them, but they are considerably better than the ones. Do you see people in the the space in your space um, because of that, trying to find uh, more economical ways to own that the process? You, you have to. You have to you, because. Everything goes up, but we also need to try to do everything we can to make things more cost effective to help the consumer at the same time. We're always looking at more efficient ways, uh, new and better ways, different materials, um, all types of different things to, to make that process easier and more cost effective all the time yeah. and, and, and help with more resources at the same time, right? So you're not constrained to maybe one path of raw material you're looking over here at a different this or to try to keep try to keep things moving because right now the shot shell and rifle markets rifle ammunition markets are just completely oversold mm. I, we've got so many orders we you know uh we've seen the pistol and rimfire soften a little bit i mean it's not that they're <laughs> we still got a lot of orders for that yeah but um you know, we're trying to do is make as much ammunition as we can because we know, like today and yesterday, I've talked to so many customers looking for this ammo or that ammo, and and that's what we knew we was gonna get coming in here, and we mm -hmm. always do. But <clears throat> we're always trying to do our darndest to make sure we got what we need to make as much as we can to service our customers. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have been at it for many years, <laughs> long time, and long time. and Remington certainly is synonymous with turkey hunting in the spring woods and. Um, you know, I'm curious to what's next for the for the space in the market because I never saw TSS coming in, in a million miles. Never had a clue, and, and it was here, and it took over, and and it, I, seemingly it's here to stay as long as the material's there. I, I think you're right. I think this is the new this the new standard in mm -hmm. turkey loads is this TSS. What do they build upon it? Yeah, you know, so <laughs> turkey hunters always yes. trying to go what's above the and beyond. What's the next thing? Right, right. So you know, it, it's there is. There's no telling where we go from here. But yeah. I think we have we're at a pretty good pinnacle right now of this industry in the turkey load market. Feels good. It really does. We can hang here for a while. I think I think we can sit here a while and be in pretty good shape. What's the deal with primers? I heard the other day primers of all needed needs are, are like 
limited well, for reload. So, so what we're doing is majority of the primers. Is, that, is, it, just, is it just for reloads? Like yeah, you but, guys have them for the first stuff. Okay. Yeah, we we make our primers just for our products. I got mean, it, got it. there is some stuff we're starting to get out in the market a little bit. Some pistol primers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll probably see a few of them. Not a lot, but there'll be some. But you know, we're trying to load so much factory ammunition; it's all of our resources go to that. Right and you know, now. some of these guys, just like you have custom call makers, you have custom loaders. These are sure turkey do. hunters are very passionate, and very and prideful yes. about that. And and when they can't get their primers for their TSS yeah. loads, <laughs> yeah, man, people get grumpy. Yeah, right? they they do, they do. But I understand it. I know you know when you like what you like, and if yeah, you yeah. can't get it, just frustrating, right? Yeah. So, I get that too, but yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we'll, you know, as long as this shot shell market stays like it is, yeah. I, it'll, it'll be tough. I'm happy to see the competition in the space because, you know, it was initially it was one or two and then it was three and then now it's it's more. There's quite a few. There and sure that's is. great. And it's good for the consumer to try different things because everyone set up uh, likes different flavors, as it were. Yep. You know, it not sure everyone is. likes it's not a standard for the same thing. Nope. We all shoot nope. different stuff. Everybody's got a little different variation. Yeah. Right? yeah. Sure. Enough. Well. Thanks to Remington. Thanks for stopping in, uh, Ronnie, and, and and kicking it with us for a little bit and telling telling us the story yeah, and man, breaking things it. down. Yes, sir. Uh, Remington's a great supporter and great tradition of turkey hunting. So well, thanks for all you did. Yes, sir. We're really proud to be part of this. Yeah, heck yeah. Thanks all for right. coming in. Thank you, sir. All right. Have all a right. great show. I right, mean, take care. You too. Day number two here at the NWTF National Convention and Sports Show. I am joined now by Drew Sorensen of Silencer Central. This is where I get to, as the audience affectionately gets to know from me, uh, FUD out. Why can't I get my... No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> so you guys provide a great service, and I, and I wanted you guys to come in here and talk more about it because... The process of being able to purchase a, a silencer and then go through the whole rigorous process has become less rigorous uh, by virtue of you guys and what you do and the service you provide. You know, the, the days of potentially waiting 10 to 12 months for your, your your can to get to your home and picking it up and then go through the, the FFL process and set up a trust and do all this. It's becoming better. Is that fair? Um, I would say we facilitate the transfer as easy as possible. Yeah. We minimize the number of, let's call it agencies and people you need yeah. to talk to. Um, cover the fingerprints. Don't got to go to the sheriff's office. You don't got to go talk to lawyers. We manage it all in-house. So the fewer people you get involved in the process, the more streamlined it becomes. For sure. Yep. So where in the can space are we in 2003? I know ATF. Uh a little squirrely here lately. I mean, is this, are they here to stay? Or, I mean, they, from, a, from a safety standpoint, they're extremely valuable. Correct. Especially in the turkey space. Um, I, I know like more handguns and, and, and smaller uh, center fire stuff. Those cans are, work real well. I'm bringing those DB down at the range and as you're hunting, but like maybe not so much in shotgun, but it's still better than nothing. Absolutely. So um, one thing about this, it's all about family and this is turkey hunting. That's what we're talking about, right? So reducing the recoil, reducing the sound report um, gets the women and the children into it. Heck, sure. Most of the times the women and kids outshoot the guys you uh-huh. know, and get all the recoil taken care of and whatnot. So safety, um, just more enjoyment, getting kids and everybody else into the business um, of shooting and hunting. Nest predators, taking care of all that kind of stuff. This yeah. all goes hand in hand. So. For sure. Yep. Um, what is what is the response been? And how does how does it work for you guys? Is it based on a membership? Is it a one time uh, facilitation of the process? How, how does it work? Good question. So I got to get your fingerprints and your photo from you. Okay. 
Um, I only got to get your fingerprints once because those don't change. Um, we can manage a photo every couple of years. You got to update that. They do find recent as two years old or less at the ATF. So mm-hmm. um, that'd be the only thing you really ever have to update other than your address. Um, we're located in all 42 states that silencers are legal in. So long story short, we can cover your entire, you know, the whole NWTF. Everybody that lives in a legal state hunts turkeys, coyotes, deer, elk, antelope, any of that kind of stuff. So um, facilitate the transfer easier. Um, approval times do vary quite a bit. Yeah. In the paper file days, you'd see 10 to 14 months. Um, right now, we're seeing an average of like eight, hopefully getting closer to six. No. We've had guys in a week and nine days and all that kind of stuff, too. But you really can't ever quote that. Yeah, sure. Because we don't have control over that. So um, what we do is we start the process. We, in the beginning, generate a premium NFA trust. And what premium means is you can add as many friends or family members as you want to it. We do that free of charge for life, anybody 18 or older. Again, that's how you get everybody else into it. Creates a path to succession. And again, managing all that in-house is just the key to it. We don't even charge for it or anything. So, yeah. yep. so is it, do you still have to have like physically have that paperwork with you? So if you are, if you're the primary on that trust, but you add your wife or whatever, does she have to have that paperwork on her when she's in control of that can? I love that question because in the digital age, it's far easier than it used okay. to be. Cool. You guys used to print off a miniature copy and right. laminate it and put it in their wallet or put it in the gun case, which you can still do that. But these days with e-file, you get a digital copy of your form for approval back with a tax stamp on it with the serial number right over the top of the, of the stamp. Yeah. So a digital copy means I got that right on my smartphone because I got it in my email. And so right? in all 42 states, that's good to go. Good to go. Now, what I do is after I get my approval and I add my wife, my brother, my brother-in-law, anybody you want, we add all those people. I scan them a copy of an addendum and they print it off and sign it in front of a notary. A lot of times makes it all legal. Sure. Scan it all right back into an email. And I email myself and each one of my co-trustees a copy of that, all that documentation. And then everybody's got it right in their smartphones. So, so naturally uh, our crowd is, you know, <laughs> for the, uh, I wouldn't say all of them, but there's a good population of our crowd that is suspicious of, of uh, vital information, personal mm-hmm. information being out there, especially digitally. So uh, when those documents do come to you uh, in the e-form, uh, secure? Uh, how, how does that all work? All can you yep. set their set their gray matter at ease? So honestly, everybody, you know, there's a lot of misconception out there. With a Form 4, there's no like way that the ATF or the um, feds or police officers, game wards can walk into their house unannounced. You have to have proper due, due process, mm-hmm. due cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not really running into any of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, if you had access to somebody's email, I guess, yeah, you'd have that documentation. But it's never really been a, an issue. Most people have a lock on their phone or don't even know what they're looking for okay. when they look at a tax stamp. So Sure. Yep. There you go. Um, I, I go to my store. I got six hour by my house. I go down to the, I Sig, like those guys. the Sig, uh, the Sig experience center now, yeah. as it's known, uh, not the pro shop. Uh-huh. I go to the Sig experience center. I buy a, a new can for my, uh, my three twenty. And, uh, I tell them I want to go through you. Is that yep. how it works? I got to give them my preference or do they automatically just connect with me? You connect know, me to you. A lot of guys can run, can, you know, at least provide you with the silencer. We can sell any silencer on the market. Okay. Talk no. more about that. So you, you guys can facilitate the sale. It's full suite. Yep. One-stop shop. Um, we have exclusive rights to the Banish series, but you don't have to buy a Banish product from us. If you want the SIG suppressor, um, not a problem. You just call me, tell me what you're looking for. Say, all right, I'm going to start you with all your paperwork and the trust and everything. I'm going to order you that silencer. Maybe I got it in stock. You can pay for any of them while you're waiting for them. And then once you're approved, send it to your front door. So, yep. Pretty slick. That is legit. So I don't even have to go to the store. 
No, you just call me, meet me at a show, whatever you want to do. You got a website. It's nice to have a point of contact here. I'll tell you that uh, most people, I mean, you can go ahead and start it on the website, webpage, but most guys find it a little bit easier to have a human being. They can call and just say, hey, dirtbag, Drew, I got a question about this. I don't know anything about trust. What do I want to do here? Yeah. So we have a conversation no, about all that. And that and that's a great point, right? Like there's so much uh, legalese and minutia that goes into this that you, you should pick the phone up and have that 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 conversation with a human being and not trust it because this stuff can get you jammed up if you do it wrong. And if it's done wrong, I mean, it's jail time or heavy fines at a minimum and, and confiscation. Right. And, and well, that too, but another thing is most guys don't know that they can buy one or two or three silencers that'll cover the whole gun cabinet. Hmm. So guys will buy that SIG nine millimeter suppressor. Um, if they got a 45 style suppressor, they can run it on nine, 40, 40, yeah. 10 mil, anything you got basically. So having a guy, you can call up and say, Hey, I just bought that new SIG 320. Um, it's factory threaded. I bought this from you two years ago and I had it set up for a Glock nine millimeter, just a half by 28 direct thread. Great. I'm going to get you that metric 13.5 by one left-hand SIG thread pitch, mail it out to you. There's no like regulation to any of these mounts or anything. Yeah. So get you, you know, having a gun guy that you can call and say, Hey, this is what I'm looking at. Can you help me with this? Yeah. So. Dirtbag Drew. I'm calling that, you because that, the <laughs> last 45 seconds, I have no idea what you said. I believe everything you said, but I, I don't know anything about it. So, the QDs, when they came out with those, this is my limited knowledge. Did that help? ease some of that up and being able to go from one to the next and just transition honestly that kind of stuff is all preference so when you call me and say listen i got these three platforms i'm looking to do a muzzle breaker qd type system on yeah. each one of these and these are the three platforms i got i got a 350 legend a 300 blackout and a 223 mm -hmm. you're gonna need a couple mount systems well, yeah. i'm gonna match that up for you awesome. so qds direct so this really, adapters this is really a great opportunity for someone instead of going in there and and, and i know some salesmen they're great people but they work on commission, most of these guys. So they're trying to sell you some, some items. I just call you and, and cut the BS out. Honestly, Here's exactly what I need. Let's go. Bunch of gun guys sitting in the office, just looking to talk more about guns. Yeah. And hunt, you know what I mean? That's fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. Man, I feel like you answered all those questions so fast and so quick. I want to I want to continue to talk more and go down this rabbit hole. But I, I, I guess as far as inventory goes, um, just had a fellow in here from from Remington talking about supply chain issues and manufacturing coming out of uh, 24 months of malaise. How is that working out for you guys in the can space? Are, are we getting there? Is plenty so, of inventory? Great question. This this business just exploded in the last oh, three to five years. Let's yeah. call it. We prepared for that. We ramped up you know, inventory production, all that kind of stuff. Um, we kind of specialize in titanium. So mm -hmm. we got to have some very specific materials, very specific machining. We don't stamp any of this stuff. So it takes a little bit more to do that, but we've, we got inventory, put it that way. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. one thing that drives me nuts about these things is that they're serial. And I don't mean to go down like a, this it's isn't a political thing or some big like tinfoil hat thing, but everything I know is if it's serialized, it's considered a gun and that's how the feds regulate this stuff. And that's not a gun. That thing so, is inert. It does nothing. It's just a hearing protection. It's a baffle. It's a it's a recoil regulator. I don't understand how this is classified as a gun. Can you help me with that? Honestly, the way I'd like to explain that is the federal government knows they can charge you 200 bucks to protect your hearing or reduce the recoil. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about the Hearing Protection Act, all that kind of stuff. And I'm all for all of it. But when was the last time the federal government took a tax away from a gun loving red blood? Right? Right. Just don't have they took a tax away from anything. Right. right exactly. Right. right. So I, you know, in the end, it, it is a kind of a bugaboo up front for everybody having to pay a $200 tax stamp yeah. on that. 
once you get your first silencer, you don't even care anymore. I mean, it's just the first one is always the toughest. But Great question coming up then for the, the regular guy. Mm-hmm. Is it $200 every stamp for every one? That's Each important. one of them. Yep. So you got to put that out. So if you're on average, what, 450 to 500 bucks for a can? You could rim fire one all the way up to 2000 You can spend whatever you want on these things. Sure. And that's why but people call in. But it's an extra two bills on top of that. Every single one. And you got to budget for it. But the key thing we do is we, we'll take care of that $200 tax stamp from you. got to pay that up front because mm-hmm. we pay the ATF for that up front. Yeah. We do let you pay for the silencers while you're waiting for, for them. So it's just easier on your mind to just say, you know, I, I don't want to drop $1,300 today. Yeah. Let's do $200 today. That is today a cool part of Stretch that. it out. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. Like, mm-hmm. cool guy layaway. And I dig that. <laughs> Give um, it a good guy treatment. <laughs> yeah. So, in another like kind of Harry Potter vernacular, this is Muggle Muggle question. Do <laughs> uh, I got does that two hundred dollar tax stamp expire? Is that good for the life of that serialized? It's good for gone. the life of the trust or the silencer. You ain't gonna wear out a titanium silencer, but the trust lives on in perpetuity after you. You are the only one that can amend your trust. But when you're gone, everybody that you've named in your trust through the rest of your life, meaning your kids when they turn eighteen. Yeah. And then when your kids' kids turn 18, you're still around. You put them on that trust. You're gone. So good for at least he's three generations. He's eight years old and he's good to go. You already yeah. did all the paperwork. Good deal, man. Mm-hmm. How's the show treating you? Oh, it's a great show. Great people. Um, I love turkey hunting. Being able to call something in like that, have them come in and all strut. Yeah. There's just nothing better than that. Now, talking about conservation, things along those lines. Um, so we raised a pile of money for conservation efforts. Um, we got over 900,000 raids to date for conservation. Fantastic. Uh, specifically $211,000 for the NWTF so far. Awesome. So Thank and we're, you guys. we're bumping that number every and how's day. That, what's the delivery system on that? How's that being raised? So we provide what's called a certification. Um, what I like to explain to people is that when you go to these NWTF banquets or an army being any of this stuff and they ra- auction off or raffle or door prizes, we call them a certification. Mm-hmm. Just long story short, in my opinion, it's an introduction from you to me. You provide so you at the NWTF introduce Silencer Central and say, Hey, congratulations, here's your guy. He's going to take care of all this for you. Um, you get a credit of $345 towards any one of the banished lineup. You can take the solo or whatever you want. You pay for your tax stamp and the difference, and we facilitate everything else. So Smoke it's a really good introduction. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. awesome, man. Yep. And it's, it, it, again, the running theme with our partners and why we have people on the show is not just pushing product that there's no. a, there's a vested interest here. You, there's a buy in you guys, you, you drew are a Turkey hunter. You love that. There's that passion. There's an extra motivation because when you have these partnerships and it's, there's that extra level of motivation. It, mm-hmm. it means something to you. That's so, that, that number you just kicked me will affect you. Absolutely. And my kids and my kids as kids. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the big thing. Um, from South Dakota, we specifically have a nest predator program. Yep. That's specifically trapping, but this is all nest predator stuff too. Cool. Uh, most turkey hunters are coyote hunters. Most turkey hunters are deer hunters, all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. Um, getting follow-up shots. You're sitting next to your son or your grandson. You let him shoot first, obviously, but God forbid you get a shot after he gets one down. So, yeah. Good deal, man. Well, mm-hmm. Drew, thanks for stepping in. I appreciate the, uh, the information. Um, letting people know if people want to know more about Silencer Central how can they find you tell you what we got a website um, got phone numbers on that website you can come visit us at a show uh, do a Google, Google search I mean honestly we're, we're biggest out there in the hunting world so yep. you guys got good uh, online presence I've seen some of the presentations so there's a lot of great information literally at your fingertips so Absolutely. thanks for all you do thanks for your partnership and thanks for being a part of our family have a great show yeah appreciate thanks, you my man. appreciate it later all right so 
Before I fanboy out, I'll be honest, full disclosure here. I'm gonna for a little bit, and then I'll be professional. The train's rolling on here in day two of the NWTF Convention and Sports Show. It is my great pleasure to welcome Ramsey personality, avid hunter, and mental health expert, Dr. John Deloney. Dude, thank you so Dude. much for coming out. This is this is fantastic. Uh, I said it, I'm a fan. I've consumed your 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 writings, your books. Um, you know, you've indirectly now you're going to know personally you have helped me get through stuff and yeah. reading your stuff and, and knowing that as an outdoorsman and, a, and an avid hunter what that can do for people that that suffer uh from anxiety mm-hmm. from mental illness um you know it's it's i find it apropos that our season uh happens turkey season happens in the month of may mm-hmm. mental health month uh, mental health awareness month and there for me and i've heard you say it and you've talked about it there's something so right about being in the outdoors being in open spaces and getting right yeah and i i actually think there's a a step um a layer beneath that i think that um i talked about it some in that book i i think we have a culture that's divorced itself from the realities just to the circle of life And we have outsourced death all over the place. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we've got funeral arts folks. We've got people who take care of all that people who butcher our food for us. Right. And um, I've I've got a 12 year old little boy and he hunts with me. I almost never go without him. Um, And we've both spoken about how much we don't like the killing part. Yeah. And yet it's a part of the process. And we're going to we're going to feed the family. We're going to take care of folks. And there's something grounding about the process that keeps me tethered and over time keeps me well, right? Um, being that close to it. And so, it, yeah, the whole the whole process, being outside, the planning, all that um, has been a tremendous resource for me and, and for folks I've walked alongside for a long time. Yeah. There's an honesty in it and when you understand how that circle of life works, when you take control of that and you participate in it. And, 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 and you know, I tell you, having you on here, your voice, your platform, when you talk about that stuff, I mean, you look around here, you see tens of thousands of people here at the, the Gaylord Opryland that are here. This is pure uh, NWTF family membership, volunteers, turkey hunters. Like, you know what you're getting when you walk around here and get, and get involved with people. But the people you speak to on a nightly basis uh, on your programs, those are that large part, that 80% in the middle. Like we know there's a 10% that doesn't like what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, we'd like to say there's a full 10% that participate in what we do, <laughs> but we know that's not true nationwide. Right. It's probably sub 5%, but there's 80% that are, eh, right. I could, I could care less. If it's conveyed the, the the wrong way to me, mm-hmm. I'll take an opinion that is not good for our community. Right. But if the story is told the right way, you may you may change minds. You may be the conduit. You may be the. I mean, you do this daily. I know you hear this. You open people's minds. You change people's minds, or at least offer them a way to look at things in different perspective, different lights. And having you here with with your passion for the outdoors is such a big deal to, to me and to this family here because your reach and putting it out there and just making it so commonplace the way mm. you talk about it is not important sure it's not uh it's not this taboo thing it's it's a full ownership and there's um there's an appreciation for it. And I think more and more like coming out of the last two years and you write about it in the book, uh, your new one that's coming out with about anxiety, you know, what that looked like, what that did to the psyche of, of human beings and our family dynamics and how that works. And man, it's just when you can get down to 
who we are, how we're built, you know, our teeth were meant for eating meat, our bodies crave the outdoors when we go out, we need vitamin D this time of year. So many people, I do, I have to supplement vitamin D because I live up in the Northeast. I don't get a lot of sun. I start getting crabby about this time of the year. I take a turn. Yeah. And we're not, we're not designed, um, our bodies aren't designed for 72, 72, 72 lives, right? We're, we sleep in a 72 degree house or a 66 degree house. Yeah, and then you yeah. get in an air conditioner heated car and you go to an air conditioner heated office. It's designed for the ups and downs. It's designed for discomfort, if you will. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I hear all the time is how do I get my kids off these screens? Yeah. Or I'm uncomfortable with how much they're on it, but I don't know what to do. And they get mad. The closest I've come to openly weeping by myself this year was my son and I went on a deer hunt and he sat for nine hours and I, he's got no screens. He just sat waiting and nothing came. And I was so mad, <laughs> dude. I was so mad at these deer. I know they're there. And he just took it like a champ. And I, and I remember thinking this, he's learning something that none of his peers are getting. Right. Right. So it's one of those things where if, if you want to solve problem X, sometimes you got to go to solution Y. And if you want to get your kids off screens, give them the gift of the outdoors of adventure. And if you're not into hunting, great, take them fishing. And if you're not into fishing, take them hiking, get them outside and get them passionate about what's going on, man. And then you're going to start to see wildlife places. They're going to want to learn where their food comes from. Mm. And then they're going to, they're literally their body becomes more grounded into the reality of the world they live in. And only then can you participate in making stuff better in your community, in your neighborhood with, sure. with people in your life. Otherwise, you're just running your mouth. You're floating around, running your mouth, um, just repeating, regurgitating headlines that you read somewhere. Right. And you're not participating. The hunters that I know, the, the fishermen that I know who do this regularly are some of the quietest because they got nothing to prove. Right. They go take care of their families, take care of their communities. They're the guys who show up in the middle of the night and they go home. It's, it's just this, it's an ethos. And I just, I love it. I love it. Yeah. How is hunting in your life like, you're from Texas. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're, you're, you moved up here to, to Tennessee. Did, was that, that experience different in Texas as it is here? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, mean, I know, I know wildlife wise, Texas is its own country. Less, it it is. Yeah. It's the wild west, but literally, but <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I didn't know what to do the first time I went to harvest a deer here in Nashville in Tennessee and it, ran off down the side of a hill, like mm -hmm. uh, down the side of a mountain. I never had that happen in Texas. <laughs> I can just see them run. And, and then, so it, yeah, it's been a totally new experience hunting in the woods and mm. the season's longer and the limits are longer. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's again, and now I've started traveling and doing some hunting across the country. It's just been phenomenal. You meet great people, you get to stay in wacky situations and, mm. um, get to learn the, um, the lay of the land. I, I, I had a hunt in Utah recently with, with a guy that was just a really wonderful guy. And I couldn't believe all the rules and regulations. I kept thinking in Texas, brother, like they can't tell you what to do with your land like this, man. <laughs> They're like, you can't walk over here. You can't step over here. Yeah. And so just learning about the country and learning about how different people do things. is awesome. The West is different. I turkey hunted out in Montana uh, last spring and to learn, you know, thank God I had something like an Onyx with me in my pocket. And then I, I had local guys there too, to explain because the, oh, the, the, the rules changed by creeks, right? Yeah. The language <laughs> is different like, than the land use. And then, you know, certain guys open their, their land up to use, but for a price mm -hmm. and you're going to know what that boundary is. It's, it's really arduous and it's, man, talk about stressing because yeah. you're out there to have fun, but <laughs> you figure it out if you get the right motivation. Um, 
get back to the kids because you know we 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 have good outreach programs with our with our organization and you know we in the last few years especially again uh, during and during the pandemic we saw an uptick in people going outdoors they just got bored they're inside i, I gotta do something which was great for our community because now there's an uptick in hunting license sales people are participating and that maintained for a little bit and then they brought the kids also there were studies pre-pandemic and then they're still bearing out that if mom got involved mm. the matriarch of the family got involved the kids always followed it was always Dad, uncles, granddads, and this, this tradition of the last century, they could go and leave everybody and be separate. And that was accepted, is, is accepted. But we found that if mom was involved, you got a whole family going. Mm-hmm. And um, getting the kids away from the technology is... I don't, I don't bag on technology. I, I make my living off of technology. I, I do too, but, so, they're, but they're digital babysitters, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can't have it. And there's, there's gotta be a purposeful effort, even if it's only during the spring for Turkey. I mean, look, Turkey hunting is great because it's warm. Mm-hmm. It's hospitable. There's interaction. It's just the gateway drug for hunting. Well, and you, can, you can, when you're just whitetail hunting, you just got to sit there and yeah. with, you, can, you have calls, you have all different yeah. kinds of things going on. It's, it's a great way. I mean, you could, if you're a creative cat, I mean, you could certainly give the kid a GoPro and say, Hey, film this exactly. and empower them. And they get, there's that, that generational tie in, but these kids are, are the next ones to pick this up for us right there's a lot of boomers that are aging out mm-hmm. that we're trying to replace so when we talk about uh our three movements recruiting retaining and reactivating lost hunters that's super important because the 60 plus crowd they're not hanging out with us as much anymore i mean they just physically can't get out there and do that your opinion talk about you know the things you know like having your, your head right having your body right mm-hmm. so that you can maintain this well into your 60s because right. i don't think 60 should be it, man. You really? retire. That shouldn't be you're relegated to the front lawn looking at pink flamingos. No, man, that's when you have more fun. You have more time to get out. It should be. Um, I, one thing that um, a a hunter that was I really say was one of my hunting mentors. He's an, a rancher from West Texas, a great guy. Um, spent time in Montana. He taught me the importance of a process of letting your kids know that they're a part of a bigger thing. Mm. And so even if you're not a spiritual guy, every time I shoot something, my son shoots something, we go pray over that animal and thank it for giving its life up so that our family could eat. Mm-hmm. And we bury a certain part um, so that it, it, it symbolically. But my son is learning that his actions have ripple effects through his home, his family and his community. And then he helps us cook, man. He helps us participate. My, I have a little daughter and she helps us participate. She will not kill a thing, but mm. she will help with the dinner. And um, all there's something about going and talking a bunch of trash. Like, I'm going to shoot this animal and I shoot it from 900 yards away. And I feel all there's that. Sure, sure. Then there's bringing your kid along and saying, hey, I'm inviting you into a generational uh, adventure that you're going to play a part of. And if you do this right, and you'll do this with your kids and with your grandkids. And it's about providing and it's about spending time together and it's about honoring nature. And it's about it. it and so it brings this kid into this mystical, it's almost a Harry Potter world, but it's real. For right? sure. There's no lasers and, and spells. This right. is like we're participating. Yeah, it's very and, real. And there's something 
the, the guys that I know, the men and women that I know that's, that bring their kids into the spiritual realm of this, um, again, not to get all woo-woo, but those to bring them to the spiritual realm, those kids are active and not in the, I just like to carry guns around. They don't, I don't hear any of that nonsense. Sure. Um, it's about, I want to go out and get better myself on go out and provide. And I, I love seeing them be a part of that. That's different than the kids that get drug on a hunt and it's freezing in the morning yeah. and they're cold and tired and everybody's telling them to shut up and all that. Yeah, and that's not fun. It's not fun. Right. And I've made the decision a few years ago. This is, I missed this one, man. I wish I knew how, how much I loved more my son being able to stalk an animal or to figure and, and to take one home than me. Yeah. And so I'm willing to lose a couple of hunts because I'm with a young kid who's loud and whatever. I'm, I'm willing to do that because we're playing a long game. I'm building relationships and I love my son. I love my daughter. And so we're playing a long game here. But it's the kids that are tied into something much bigger than themselves that end up, I think, looping back to yeah. I'm, I want to do this for the rest of my life. There's a. Um you hear it's their uh, cliche to say at this point because I feel like I hear it all the time and I think you'll agree that that those failures those mess ups uh, out in the out in the woods whether it's oh, white or they're the biggest teacher my son uh, legit had a spot a shot at a, a nice eight point for, and in New Hampshire we don't have great deer hunting I mean it's it's okay uh, we got nice deer it's not like Texas it's not like down here the poor kid I had him set up he had his shotgun he pulled it up and click Daddy, Daddy, nothing's happening. And this deer, I stopped in 25 yards, perfectly broadside. Oh no, the safety. I try to reach over. As soon as I did that, deer was like, no, in two bounds, he's gone. My son's devastated. Yeah. And I said, and I'm devastated. I'm like, my heart's breaking and I, my eyes are tearing up. I can't, I really can't believe I didn't hook him up with the safety. I just, because it's so natural for me, the muscle memory. We got in the car and figured it out. And I said, listen, man, you learned what takes some dudes a decade to figure out to make that mistake. It'll never happen again. At nine years old, you're never going to forget the safety. Right. I had a, a moment this year where I've, I've always had this dream and I, I, I ended up getting my son into a mess, man. I always had a dream of uh, us, a, a herd coming through and going three, two, and we, we Double take up. one at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I, 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 he's 12 and he didn't have the same, the same uh, exact pull as I did. Right. And it was just enough time for an animal to turn and he is i mean he's kind of like chris kyle jr man he's a laser beam in a way that makes me uncomfortable how, how good he is <laughs> um my dad was a hostage negotiator for a swat team and so i think it skipped me and went to them no, but, no, but my son the world slows down and anyway he was devastated that he hurt this animal we tracked it for hours and finally yeah. found it but that didn't sit right with him. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. I got to be better than that. And I had to tell him, I'm sorry, man. I had a great idea. I didn't think it through. So he got to see his old man say the words, I'm sorry. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm telling you as a guy who's, who's yeah. been tasked with helping you grow up to be a man, I won't make this mistake again. I'm sorry. I was trying to get cute. and I, So all of that wrapped up into this one experience, right? Um, and I, again, those lessons will, will be a part of his life for the rest of his life. That's powerful. It is. It really is. And I told him, when I'm 90 and I'm going on my last hunt yeah. and you're wheeling me up to the stand, I'm going to lean over to you and say, don't shoot that deer in the butt. Right. And, <laughs> and he laughed. And so, I was, but again, that's, that's stories we're going to tell. They're going to be generational stories. Right? Yeah. And to go back um, talk, uh, earlier, I think it's imperative for anybody who's outside, you know, campaign's somebody who takes us to the extreme, but for sure, I think it's not ethical 
if you are not in good enough shape to go out into the woods and put yourself in a position to try to take an animal and you're not in good enough shape to not be wobbling all over the place to get that animal out ethically, um, I think you owe it to the whole thing to take the whole process to mm. take care of your body. And again, it's not just for hunting, it's for your family, right? It helps me be a better dad that I, that I work out. It helps me be a better husband. It helps me be a better community member that my body works so that I can think and I can do right. So I think investing in that stuff and when you're 10 and you're 20 and you're 30 and you're 40, that pays dividends when you're 16, 70, right? And you can get back out in the woods and, and go do your thing. I was just having this conversation earlier. You know, I, I, I know you it's get a stewardship after it. issue, right? Yeah. You get after it. I, you know, every day here, I've been up at four fifteen, mm-hmm. hitting it. Let's go. Um, because I don't want to end up like generations I saw before me, like again, hitting that retirement age and then in three or four years they're dead. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to hang out for a little bit and enjoy some of this. Uh, well, you're, I, you're I, exact- I, but I, I think, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I think on that line, man, we have this cultural finish line that is do nothing. Yeah. I just want to get through today so I can get into my recliner and I can quote unquote do nothing. Yeah. I just want to get to the weekend so I can do nothing. I want to get to retirement so I can do nothing. It's backwards. And then you die. Right. Uh, I'm not going to work and kill myself so that I can do nothing. That's exactly right. right? Yeah. I want to create a life worth living and I want to live into that every day and hopefully be wise enough so that in the future I can have a little more flexibility with what I want to do and who I want to do it with. Yeah. Exactly. But this idea that we're going to do nothing, man, all the research tells us you just die. Your body yeah. falls apart. Yeah. Man. That's exactly when you don't have right. a purpose, it's over. I, I know, I tell, I know plenty of guys that say, well, I could never just, you know, if I won the lottery, I couldn't just, I'd have to do something. And I'm like, I could not work, but I also know all the cool stuff, <laughs> like this great <laughs> world. This, there's so much out there to, to be had. So like, I get, when you do retire, like, you should put yourself in a position, uh, physically, financially, spiritually, and otherwise, to go have those pursuits. You friggin' earned it. Right, right. Go do it. Go on that elk hunt. Go to Alaska and try to shoot a sheep or something like that if that's where your and passions lie. And go with lie. a buddy. And if your buddy can't afford it, pay for it. It's worth the money. Like, yeah. like do things with other people and get out there. Yeah, absolutely. We get one shot at this rock, that's man. Right. That's, that's it. it, man. That's exactly right. We all have an expiration date. I'd like mine to be a little bit further along. Yep. Um, so getting back to the, the physical fitness aspect of it, we talk about, we have a turkey hunting safety task force, right? About all aspects of it. And this past year, you know, physical fitness was brought up and I was so stoked that it was brought up because, you know, let's face it, if we're being honest brokers, you look around here, there's fairly out of shape folks. <laughs> and when you're going turkey hunting, it's not as arduous as a, a Rocky Mountain elk hunt or a goat hunt or something like that. But I mean, for some dudes that can't walk 200 yards and drop dead of heart attacks in the middle of a turkey field, that's a horrible thing. Yeah. You, you should want to be in a position where, yep, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to do, I mean, I'm going to do this as safe as I can and get myself in a position to be back home for my family. Like you said, get it all out of there. Um, you, you may have heard me talk about this in other interviews, but the most frightening study that I've read in the last four or five or six years came out in 2019. And I actually thought this is the one. This is the one that's going to get everybody's attention. And then 2020 happened and all of our attention went sideways. Sure. Um, but it was out of the Journal of American Medical Association. And it said for the first time it, it had been recorded, the average lifespan of the U.S. citizen for the third year in a row had decreased. Dropped. Had gone down. Right. And you may have heard this term, but they're calling them diseases of despair. And it's it's organ disease failure, like heart heart attacks, liver disease. You've written this. Uh, have I written about it? Um, and addictions and suicide. And whether it's pulling a trigger and it's a short, it's like an instant suicide. 
the, I've heard one guy call it long tail suicide. We're just Netflixing and eating Dude, and grabbing yes. beers to death. Right? Yeah. We're ending our lives one numbing agent at a time. What is what's the new um, the new work uh, buzzword? Uh, quiet quitting. Thank you. That's, yeah. that's it. Yeah, it, it's, you're quiet quitting on yourself. It, it's I mean it's just duct taping a pillow over your head and calling it good. Yeah. And I just don't want that for my life. No. And what my dream is that everybody wake up from that moment and say, I get one shot. Why don't I work, do the hard stuff over the next one, two? Some people need five. Some people need seven years. I'm going to grind it out so that I can continue to build this life worth living, man. Yeah. Um, it just breaks my heart to see people not understand what a beautiful, wild adventure we can be having. Yeah. From from a mental uh, health aspect, physiologically speaking, can you speak to uh, the audience about, you know, being in that space, what it can do for your body chemically. I mean, you talk about this, you write about what stress and anxiety does and it releases cortisone, which leads to, you know, all sorts of bad stuff with too much of that stuff coursing through your veins. Like the outdoors should center and ground you. Talk about that if you would, about how that physically makes you better. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't move enough no. and we, we sit still. So the way I describe those stress chemicals, cortisol, adrenaline, and the, there's a whole process. But once your body identifies fight or flight, and by the way, it's not just some dude at your door. It can be the wrong news station. And the news has a vested interest in making you scared so you don't change the channel. Right? Right. Same with the social media nonsense. All that stuff, right, um, gets us fired up and fired up and fired up and fired up. And the guy walking down the street, we fired up again. And the guy that cuts us off, fired up again. So we bathe in this stuff. And if you think about it this way, it's like if I have a, I mean, if my wife has a hair clog in the sink once a year and I put Drano in it, it's going to burn through that thing. And that's fine. If I woke up every day and just dump Drano in the sink in short order, it eats through those pipes. That's what that stuff's doing to our bodies. Yeah. It's killing us. And it starts a stress cycle. So if you think about 2000 years ago, if a bear was at the front of our cave, we either fought that bear, we ran from that bear or that bear ate us. Right. Oh. And we're done. <laughs> but the act of running, the act of fighting, the act of fleeing or freezing. There was a stress cycle that our body had it has built into us that pumps all that stuff through. And when we get really mad and then we just send an email, right? Or thumbs down a post or yeah. we change that channel, that stuff just sitting in us. And so there's, we have a, a biochemical need to get outside and walk, to get outside and lift weights, to get outside and run, to go do things, get out in nature and just push yourself, man. Yeah. Um, and sit out somewhere where it's too cold, sit out somewhere where it's too hot, sit out somewhere where, man, if you do harvest a turkey in here, it is going to be a pain to get it out. Like mm. put yourself in a position where you can go do those hard things and do them with somebody that you care about and y'all do it together. Right. And, and that's the other, we have, we have the loneliest generation in human history. Yes. And um, so this is a great way to, you can take a bunch of guys out, two guys, one guy, you don't have to say nothing. You don't have to talk. Right. You don't have to look at each other. You sit by side by side. You have to say a word, but you're doing something together with, with somebody else with a common purpose and common mission. All that stuff helps your mental health. All that stuff helps your marriage. All that stuff helps you be a better parent. You've written that, you know, our bodies are still... They're built on 2000 year old on ancient over, tech, old yeah. ancient tech. Yeah. And we're still there. And, and all this stuff, these stressors, the stuff that pisses us off is, is, is coming at us so fast. And it's just, you can't keep up with any of it. And that's why, you know, I, again, I, I value your opinion and your voice specifically to your audience. When you talk about this stuff to them, it's like, there's so much value here. If you just take the step, go there. Go be, go be ancient in your tech and, and sit in the grass, take your shoes off and yeah. grind the dirt because yeah. there is value in that. It makes sense to our bodies and our heads. Well, it, 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 yeah, it, the, yeah, I mean, 
I don't add to it. It's, that's that's exactly right. I'll go one step further. I there's I think it's I think it's Emerson, one of those old old writers, um, said something along the lines. I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's shaped my the way I raise my kids. I pity the young man who never fired a gun because he's unable to see the extent of what a man's rage can do. And so I've gotten some bad heat over my insistence that my kids understand how this stuff works. And if you wait until a kid gets to be 22 years old before they fire a gun versus my son when he was really young, that thing rattles through your body and he understands a healthy respect instantly. Oh, wow. That's power, right? I got to respect that. I got to be safe for this thing. I think a generation of kids that understands this isn't just video game stuff, man. This isn't just lip service. And this, I'm not talking about guns. I'm talking about the whole process, where you get your burgers from, where you, how, how relationships work. All this stuff is hard and it's powerful and it's strong. The earlier I can get my kids involved in hard stuff, things that might scare them, but dad's here with you. Mom's here with you. I think we're creating better adjusted adults down the road, right? You're proving that you can do hard things. That's right. We've caught the generation after us. I feel like has been so coddled, mm-hmm. you know, the kids that were born kind of mid to late eighties and coming up through, and there's a whole generation that doesn't even remember nine 11 happening in front of them on TV. Like this group of, of human beings, they don't have to do hard things all the time. The technology doesn't force them. It's, I, it's I, so catered. I actually blame us because we didn't, we didn't want our kids to go through what we went through. Right. right? And our parents, our grandparents that were at World War II, like they don't want their kids going through that. Yeah. So we're going to insulate them from it. And yeah. uh, my parents were taught if you're going to fight, if you all have to have a fight, you'll go in the back room and fight. Don't scare your kids. And I get that. And what it did is it taught my generation. I guess if you fight, that means the relationship's over. Like yeah, they robbed right. me of learning yeah. no relationships have disagreements and right. they get sometimes they get goofy and loud and yeah. but they still let people love each other and they come back together. So there's something about showing your kids hard stuff. You can do hard things. There's a uh, one of the, probably the top four or five books I've read in the last decade is by Michael Easter. It's called The Comfort Crisis. And I recommend you everybody read that. Yes. He's going to be coming on my show soon. Um, but it's a modern masterpiece. It's yeah. outstanding. And, and it, the premise of the book is our bodies are designed to do hard stuff. And if you steal that from your body, if you steal that from your kids, if you still struggle from your kids, um, you are taking from them down the road. And so it's teaching parents. It's a gift to make your kids do chores. It's a gift to your children to make them do hard things. It's a gift to your kids to make them mow the yard and to clean up and do their own laundry and stuff so that down the road, they, they walk into the world with some confidence, not, not, not fake confidence, but no, I've done this before. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can make it through the day. Sure. And my 12 year old knows <laughs> I could feed myself if I needed to. Yeah. What kind of confidence? I mean, you, you can walk around on that, right? It's yeah. firm and it's concrete. That's freedom. And I love it. That's right. That's right. That's a freedom you're not beholden. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I, I know I got other guests coming up and you've been generous with your time and you need to go on that show floor. No, dude, Wait, I, I've been out there, man. Give me a, give me a, a John Deloney uh, quick take on well, the NWTF. I've got a relationship with Christensen, who I just love, yeah. and Sika, who I love, and Vortex, who I like. So there's some guys that low key that I love and that have been really kind to me. But um, 
I just go out and just look at everybody, man. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty wild. It's a great crowd. There's a huge energy here. And uh, my wife asked me, she said, uh, what's it like? And I said, it's it's why you married me to, <laughs> to get away from this where she this is the way she grew up. And so I feel like I'm back home. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have you. I'm so, uh, again, thrilled that we were able to make this happen and put it together. Thank you for your contributions. And uh, thanks for speaking out on, on things we love and, and speaking on behalf of our community and letting the 80% know that you can do hard things and you should probably try this because it's, it's pretty empowering and, and, and there is freedom in, in taking, uh, taking control of the food you eat and, and, and going outside and being able to survive. You can do it. It's okay. You absolutely can do it. And not only can you do it, um, your body will thank you for it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. I need John you, you get me one of those t-shirts. I'll make it happen. It's a pretty cool. Yeah. Man. Not a doubt. We'll get it done. Dr. John <laughs> Deloney, uh, Ramsey personality. Make sure you tune in. Find him on all the socials. He's great. Listen to him nightly. Um, where you can where you can get his podcast. Where you can tune in on Terrestrial Radio. He's he's everywhere, and he's awesome. Thanks Appreciate so much you. for it. Thanks, yeah. brother. Bye. Two, couple more guests for you, and, and, and right now it's a it's an honor and a pleasure. Omar, Crispy, Avila. Yep. Uh, He's going to be our keynote speaker at our veterans breakfast. So for the listening audience, this will this will have already happened, but uh, you can you will see parts of that. That'll be on social. Um, welcome, man. Glad Thanks, to have man. you. Thanks. This is my first one. Yeah. What do you think so far? You know, we uh, we got here earlier. We went down and did the uh, the rehearsal for tomorrow. Yeah. And then we walked the floor and it's overwhelming. I was I was pretty excited because just heard turkey call after turkey call. And yeah. You know, everybody else has a bunch of different other calls. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I was just, I was very, very overwhelmed because it's such a big show. And, um, you know, I do like every other show, like Shot Show and all those. Mm -hmm. And the problem with those that I have is they're not open to the public, you know, right. and you can't buy industry. anything. Yeah. It's just interesting people. And it's just kind of like, while it's cool, I like to see everybody yeah. that's here, you know, because that's when you really get to interact with everybody. And, you know, you meet a bunch of different people from all over the place. So I, I love it. I'm probably going to be coming to these from now on. Hell yeah. No, we're glad to have you, man. And uh, you're, you're exactly right. You know, it's probably one of the biggest and purest consumer sports shows in the country, yeah. maybe in North America, maybe ever, but it's really good and it's a really clean show and there's just so much quality out there. And then the people add to that yeah. and the common theme. And, and I probably, by the time you leave here, you'll see, and you'll be welcomed as part of the family, oh, yeah. part of the flock. It is, this is a, a family reunion. This is a homecoming for so many people and the tens of thousands of people that will move here move through here in the in three days and everyone's in conspiracy everyone's happy there's an electricity it's just it's happiness it's positivity and it's wonderful there is i mean i've i've ran into a bunch of people that follow me on social media from all over the place mm -hmm. arkansas mississippi georgia all over the place and it's just kind of refreshing to like run into people from all over the country you know because i thought it might have just be people from around here but yep. no it's from all over the place all over it's, it's awesome it's awesome to have this group of people which is coming together from all sorts of walk alive from every background that you can think of just because of hunting. Like it's, yeah. it's great. I love it. It's man. It's, it's such a great, great show. Yeah. And for, you know, you have 49 out of 50 States where you can hunt turkeys, you're going to reach out and touch a whole lot of people. And it's oh. just such a passionate group of hunters and conservationists. I mean, you got duck hunters that are crazy in their own way. You know, deer guys are committed to what they're doing, but yeah. 
<laughs> when you get around turkey nerds, yeah, it's it's special. Yeah, it and, really and, is. And what's cool is that everyone's like, if you're here and your family, you could like come sit at my house and have yeah. dinner with me. Oh, yeah. And I just met you. Yeah, you get that feeling from everybody here. Yeah, that's a lot of that. Everybody's super welcoming. It's just the hospitality is amazing. Yeah. So tomorrow, uh, again, for the listening audience, this will be post-dated, but uh, uh, Saturday morning is our veterans breakfast. I, again, get to MC uh, that. It is, a, it is a great honor as a veteran myself. Um, hard to get through sometimes, but, you know, you work through it. And it's just out of all the excitement, all the hoopla and all the fun stuff, it's it's a grounding event. It, it is a fun event. It is positive event. But there's this recognition, and this honoring, and we do it really friggin' well. And then we get people like you to come in and speak. And it's like, man. Yeah, no, definitely. When I linked up with Michelle and she was like, we would love to have you. I was just blown away with everything that she told me that, you know, you honor every single branch, you know, to the breakfast, to coining people, to doing all these special things. And man, I always tell people, you don't have to necessarily go out of your way to thank veterans, but this is not why we do it. Mm -hmm. But it's awesome to have that feeling when somebody does it out of the, you know, out of the, the kindness of their heart. Yeah. It's not for publicity. It's not for anything. It just comes from here that they want to honor, you know, us and our community. And it just, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. I, I really, I really do. I really enjoy it. So, um, you know, I couldn't thank the organization enough for having me and for honoring every single veteran that's going to be here. Yeah. Talk about that if you don't mind, because again, I, I understand exactly where you're talking. About. I, I, I did six years active from 99 to 05. So, you know, when I went in, everything was pretty cool. Kosovo, we were like sitting in base training. Where are you going? <laughs> Kosovo. Oh, I don't want to go there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then, and then stuff took a weird, terrible turn. And, and then there we went, right. We were off and running for the next 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got out, there was not a ton of fanfare. Like there wasn't parades for guys coming back to the community and stuff. I'm so grateful that that happened eventually. And there was this recognition and this honoring guys like in your situation that just got blown up. And then the recognition of guys that have um, mental uh, internal wounds and people recognizing that and honoring those people and the sacrifice. And it's just, it's great to see that our country rallied to our veteran community and took care of them in that though. I still get uncomfortable when people find out. I don't the same. I'm talking to you because we're, we're one of uh, 1%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we can, we can have this conversation, but I don't, I never flaunt it. I don't really go out of my way to tell people. And when people find out and they figure it out and they come up and thank me, it's, it's I'm still kind of uncomfortable with it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm appreciative <laughs> of it, but yeah, it's yeah. like the same thing. I didn't, I didn't do it for accolades. Yeah. 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 You know, it's definitely a little harder in my situation just because people tend to see the wounds sure. right away. So, but, but it still feels amazing. Somebody goes out of their way to thank me for something that I did, you know, 15 years ago mm -hmm. and you know that i'm still kind of dealing with the injuries and stuff till today yeah and it's the same thing you know we we take honor and pride in what we did but again it wasn't for the recognition it wasn't for you know to get a free dinner <laughs> once a year or get you a blooming onion yeah you know or have, <laughs> or have people come up to you and just kind of like you know just feel that that gratitude that they want to offer you because yeah it is it is a selfless thing to do it does take a lot of years out of your life and whether you like to admit it or not when you raise that hand you said hey i'm, I'm willing to die yep 
for this country. And some of us, you know, some of us did, some of us didn't, mm-hmm. but you still chose to do that. And yeah. it takes courage and, you know, um, but again, it's not for the thank you, but of it's, it's very, very uh, refreshing to have them. And because you go to other countries and I've been all over the world and you don't see that no. almost anywhere else, man. It's just, just this, this sense of pride that we have here. And I think it goes hand in hand with hunting. And, you know, I've experienced that a lot with turkey hunters and and people, you know, like the crazy duck people as well. (laughs) But, you know, they bring you in. You feel surrounded by these people you've never met in your life. You know, Mm. you can have somebody from the backwoods of Mississippi and you can have a guy from New York City. And, you know, he's a service member. He's a hunter. But at the end of the trip, you know, they leave as friends, as, you know, they make this connection. And that's what I love about here. It doesn't matter what color you are, how tall, how small, how fat, how skinny. All that goes out the window. Exactly right. Because everybody seems to understand that when you're hunting turkey, that turkey does not care what your background is. If you mess up, it's going to run. And if if you don't, then you're going to be successful. So that's what I love about the people here. And when people come up to you and thank you, it's just, man, it's just, I can't explain it. You have to come here to truly understand it and and feel everybody here because it's just like you know you look at all these people walking right next to you or in front of you and everybody's smiling there you don't feel like there's a bad bone in that right people here like it's kind of hard to understand i wish that this will kind of transfer back into the whole (laughs) no kidding right you're exactly right yeah and I love your point, you know, and it's one I share about comparing this community to our, our military veteran community. You know, there's a small in the tally of hunters is a small amount of us. Yeah. You know, like, I think the number we work with is like 300, uh, not 300, uh, 3 million licensed turkey hunters. But of those, you know, they're a very small percent are here, small percent of Americans, which makes our military so great. Even in its challenges currently, people volunteer. No one's forced to do it. No one's no. obligated to do it. You volunteer, you sit there you recognize the awesome responsibility whether you're a line cook you're handing out stuff in the gym or you're 11 bravo you know handing handling stuff right yeah so there's that camaraderie there is there's that ownership there's that pride of your community and there are common veins in that so that's a great great for you to point that out i'm glad to hear that that um Tell the audience uh, that that's not going to be here to, to hear your speech a little bit. You know, if they don't know you and they're going to hear you, uh, what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, man, I was on deployment in uh, May 14th of 2007. I got um, my vehicle was struck with a two pound, uh, 200 pound debarred IED. There was five of us in the vehicle. Only three of us made it out alive. And as a result of it, I sustained 75 percent burns to the body mm-hmm. and uh, had my leg amputated uh, below the knee. Uh, after like nine years of limb salvage. So I kept it for nine years after the injury. Really? Yeah. And then we had to come back in and cut it off because we found cancer from the IED and everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, all the chemicals and everything in the ground. I've never heard of that. They lingered around for a while. So I had an injury on it. It wasn't healing. Went to the doctor and they're like, yeah. And I was like, cut it off. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as a result of that, did that. But, um, you know, one of the main things that um, that kind of helped me through my injuries was the outdoors and getting out there and hunting and stuff. So, you know, they're going to they those that aren't here, they're going to listen a little bit about 
the day that I got injured, um, you know, what hunting has done for me and how I'm able to share it with a lot of veterans now. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, man, at the end of the day, when you're sitting underneath that tree and you're calling that turkey in or if you're in a blind with a rifle in your hands waiting for that deer to just pop out or with, or with your bow in your hands, you know, there's a sense of tranquility that you don't get anywhere else. And I've said this a million times and I'll continue to say it. But the outdoors and hunting has done more for me than any other prescription medication that yeah. I've been ever given by a doctor. Say it again, dude. So Say it again. You, there's something about the woods that just makes you reflect, that makes you really... Um, and I had this conversation with Cameron Haynes the other day, and we were talking about, like, you really get to learn who you really are mm-hmm. when you're hiking. And yeah. it's just you, your buddy in front of you, and you getting... You, you start asking questions to yourself about am I a good father am I a good husband am I a good son dude all the time do I give do I give enough of myself back to my community what can I do to better myself right and Mm -hmm. you're up there and you're asking these deep questions to yourself it can be a scary moment because it can go either way it can be either you know what I'm going to come back and be a better person or I'm going to come back and just kind of shut down and not Mm. you know go from there and I think a lot of us that go out there come back and one be a better person Man, for the call yeah yeah i think you're right yeah because it's i mean if you're out there and you're doing that and you're taking on these pursuits and putting yourself in these situations uh, i think you can do hard things and then if you know sometimes and you can probably appreciate that this is you know reconciling within yourself and having those deep conversations sometimes are very dark yeah you know the truth yeah and whether you in that moment decide to acknowledge that truth is up to you most of us do and we do come back and they're like okay time to start handling business one step at a time yeah john deloney uh was just in here from uh ramsey the ramsey show and uh he is a a mental health uh, expert and we're talking about this very thing about how the outdoor settles you and the benefits of being out there and yeah, man. I mean, certainly uh, some prescription medicine can help and it does help certain people. Uh, I'm with you. I like a holistic, yeah. natural way of healing and, and getting your mind, your body right. And then you are a hundred thousand percent spot on that sitting on the ground with the most loud silence. If you understand what I'm yeah. saying. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. The most deafening silence and nothing else. There's no bills. There's no paperwork. You're, you've done the smart thing and put your phone somewhere mm-hmm. so you're not being distracted and, and, and you're and you're watching the ants work the, the dirt and yeah. you're listening to a warbler uh, <laughs> somewhere off in the distance and you're hyper focused on all these things that just fly past you every single day and there's nothing more calming and soothing especially for someone that's dealing with uh, hidden wounds real wounds uh, outward wounds and it's it's the purest form I, I don't know how else to put it. And you're you're spot on when you say it. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much nailed it. On, I mean, same thing I just said, you know, it's just it's kind of crazy to to tell that to people and for them to really understand to you get them out there and have them do it themselves. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many how many veterans I've taken out on hunts and, you know, they're like, oh, whatever, you know, we're going to go kill something, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, eh, it's not just that easy. Mm-mm-mm. And then you get them out there and then you just see that demeanor change. Like, you know, they, they might have came in with a little hesitation or, you know, they, they were going through something. And then just sitting with somebody, you know, on the ground calling and you can see them like 
that hyper focus comes right back in and they find a mission once again right mm-hmm. i mean i think it's 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 what's very relatable to every single one of us as a veteran you lose that sense of having a mission yeah right? having oh, something man. to do so yeah. i think that's the biggest problem is when you get out of the military that's what a lot of guys struggle with you know and i don't think uh i don't think people really get the grasp of it is when we say, you know, it's kind of harder to integrate back into society. And it's not because, you know, we're whatever it is that you think it's not because of that. It's because up until now, every day I woke up at six in the morning, I had to go to PT. After PT, I had work. After work, I had this. Went to the field. After the field, we're going to the deployment, coming back, doing it all over again. So you knew your routine. Now you're out. You don't have any of that. And you take these guys out and you see them. They're like, oh, it clicks. You know, there's that there's that similarity between the outdoors and the military. Mm -hmm. And it all comes back and you see these guys like, okay, so this year wasn't I wasn't successful. But next year, you know what? I'm going to have a better call. I'm going to I'm going to learn how to call a lot better. You you see them go home and they start sending me videos of them playing around Mm -hmm. with a mom call Mm -hmm. or with a slate or, you know, whatever. And and they get better and better. And then you see these guys and they're all in. And a lot of people like, oh, or, you know, you just get hooked on something so fast. But it's not that. It's that we find a purpose once again and you want to be good at it, like the old job in your military. So, like, I love seeing that from veterans when we go hunting. You see that start spinning in their heads again and they're like oh man I gotta do this I gotta do that and they're asking a million questions and that's what I love seeing is them finding their purpose once again yeah, that's so well said and, and it's and it is spot on um I think so many people don't understand and can appreciate you know you got a lot of guys and gals walking around with PTSD not from being blown up you can have a PTSD diagnosis simply because of the training we had, because it's so unlike the normal world. Yeah. They break you down. They build you up for one purpose. When you sign up for the military, it's not for college. It is for a purpose. <laughs> your purpose is to defend this country, defend the Constitution, which you raise your hand for and reconciling in your head and accepting at some point in that agreement, you lay your life on the line. Some people, yeah. when they do that, they're raising their hand like, hey, I'm going to go through the motions. Our generation like the Vietnam generation before us and then the Korean conflict and World War II and so on, we had to deal with that. Like all yeah. of a sudden we were thrust into this. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, shit just got very real. Very real. And Fantastic. I need to put myself in a mindset. And we deal with each other in a different way. We speak to each other. You, Your handle is Crispy11 Bravo. <laughs> we have a crazy sense of humor that yeah. only our community really can appreciate because we say that stuff in polite company. Yep. We get dirty looks like, what did you just say? Da, da, da. Don't want to yeah, worry yeah, about yeah. it. So like to come out of that and have a community of brothers and sisters you can lean on and then have this place of stillness. Yeah. And to be still because our ops tempo for two decades has been so high. Yep. Deployment after deployment after deployment. Like I had homies back in there going six times. That should never have happened. Yeah. Like you should yeah. not like you go once goes twice, three times. Like, holy shit, you're rolling the dice yeah. too many times. Yeah. And again, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole of opinion here. It's just, it is what it is. It's our history, but our generation got worked. We oh, got worked yeah, hard. We yeah. We and did. to come out and to all of a sudden expect to slow down and not have support systems, you are doing a great service. You continue to give of yourself. I love when I see you on online. Stop sending me. I appreciate the invitations. <laughs> I want to, I want to help you hunt. I don't want to hunt with you. It's so magnanimous and it's so giving of yourself. And again, it's, it, it, it speaks to the character of, of, of most of our community that, that we're exactly that. We're a humble group and 
thanks uh, it can be uncomfortable they are appreciated and yeah I, it would be nice to hunt with you but i would rather help you bring someone else along and help yeah. someone heal yeah yeah i think that's the uh that's where i'm at i feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes just because of the platform that i've been given by the people mm -hmm. and so i get invited to all these great opportunities but sometimes i want to share that wealth with yeah. others and be like can we bring a different guy? Yeah. Like, can we take this person out? Because again, you know, like our, and this is another thing that I say all the time, our service to this country may be done, but not to our community. That's right. And so like, I want to give back to my community as much as I can. I want to take people uh, out as much as I can. And I think, and you'll probably agree with me on this one. When you take someone out for the first time or the second time and you see that joy in their eyes and their hearts and you know, that demeanor, I get more out of that than me killing mm -hmm. or taking a turkey home that day. If someone else is able to harvest another one there that day and like it's their first one and you know they're taking pictures and they're doing all this stuff and they're calling their wives or friends or whoever, to me, I get more out of that than me doing it. You know what's yeah. cool about that? And this is what I often say when I host people and I bring them turkey hunting and they come to, you know, where I live in New Hampshire and I take them over to Maine and we're successful. And I let them know, like, that was a cool hunt. You killed a bird, but we are now ever forever connected. Yeah. We are part of each other's history, our story. Yeah. And if you and if you appreciate that and understand the the gravity of that and what that means, mm -hmm. it's emotional. Yeah. It's powerful. It's way more than pulling the trigger. Oh, yeah. And you guys are forever bonded. Yep. I keep a list of where I've hunted, who I've hunted with when I've been successful. And, you know, I, I write that down because I know at some point in my advanced stage, at, at some point I may start forgetting and I don't want to forget. So I, I journal it so I can go back and read on these and have these memories and like, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. going to Montana um, with Jason Matzinger and we killed a turkey together. And that was so dope. Or, you know, taking my son for the first time and watching him knock a gobbler over. <laughs> I didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And it, it, you're forever connected. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without just a like doubt. just like. Your, your your veteran brothers and sisters. Yep, without a doubt. It's awesome, man. It's great. It's great. I mean, it's a great feeling. You're a great ambassador. I'm so proud to have <laughs> you here. Uh, you. I mean, I know I make people uncomfortable when I say that, but <laughs> with your platform and, and the fact that, you know, you've been at this for a long time yeah. and in your tradition of hunting. And, you know, again, with your platform, you're able to speak to so many people that, you know, may fall within that 80 percent that don't really appreciate or have an opinion of what we do. Sure. But it's so influential in the way you tell your stories. And again, the giving of yourself. It is a powerful story. It is a powerful testimony. And it has the ability to change people's thoughts and their minds on our community. And, and I hope it inspires them uh, to join us yeah, and, yeah. and come out and, and share in what we have because it is for everybody. It's for everybody. 100%. Yes. You're, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. dude, it's just, it's, man, I, I, I think I've been very, very blessed by God. Yeah. I may be burned. I mean, I have, you know, full use of my hands, but I've been missing the leg and stuff. But at the end of the day, like, I know he's using me to touch other people in this Amen. world. And when I, when I run into people and they give me their testimony of, you know, something that I did that changed their lives and in a very positive way, it's just, you know, it's affirmation for me. And it, it keeps me going and it pushes me because if I can change one life out of one post, then I'm going to keep doing it. Hell yeah. I'm going to keep banning after it. And, you know, that's what it's all about, man. It's just trying to give back as much as possible because in a world where, um, you know, mental health is very high right now, if I can maybe persuade some person to put that away and not go and, and, and do a permanent thing for a temporary sure. solution, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a win. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's a win. I feel like 
I feel that he's using me. And to me, that's validation of why I continue to do what I'm doing is yes. to keep helping others because we, I get, I, I get my help from my buddies that I see online and I'm like, you know what? It ain't that bad. Like, yeah. I got this. And then it helps me push forward. And I hope that does that to that person and make it a ripple effect where it just keeps going. And, and you know, next thing we know, we're helping out so many other people. Yeah. And you've been there and you like, I've done hard things. This isn't that hard. I can get through it. <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. story, you know, it's, it's, you know, and, and there's similarities. Had Matt Hughes in here yesterday. Oh, and nice. his story. We know Matt's yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and he's very much in the same vein. It's like the reset button was hit. Yeah. I know I'm a little messed up. I know I'm slow here. I can still get around, but I have a new purpose. Yeah. And he's very much the same way. And I, and I, it's just, you can't teach it. It's an intangible that you either have or you don't. You hope people are so inspired to, to pick that line of thought up. But I think it's much more natural. And God bless you for having it and, 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 and being able to look at very tragic situation. But God repurposing you and giving you focus and you're like, oh, OK, I. I mean, cripes, we all have to go through some sort of suffering, some more than others yeah. uh, to get the point. Yeah. And yeah. and you're doing great things. I appreciate it. We're that, so man. proud to have you. And uh, I'm thankful for you giving me extra time. <laughs> of course. Uh, there's probably so many people that would love to see you on the floor and there's more cool stuff to, to go check out. So I'm looking forward uh, to our breakfast. I'm looking forward to um, introducing you tomorrow and letting you tell your story and there probably won't be a dry eye in the house and that's what's great about the breakfast but uh thank you for all you continue to do after your great sacrifice to our country Thanks, uh man. pleasure to meet you and i look I forward course. to continue uh now we gotta go hunting together blessed right man Come i'm on. you're in all right doors always open all right appreciate, appreciate you, you omar thank Thanks, you sir man. appreciate you told uh dan compton joins us now here on the program uh ronnie's boss yes ronnie's that, boss that's, that's a good way so to you, put it so you guys had ronnie in here earlier we we mm -hmm. opined and i i went back in time and longingly uh, loved about my uh my remington nitros number fours that i killed my first turkeys with when i got into turkey hunting sure some uh two decades ago and uh, i still think about them to this day i still awesome. love them uh -huh. Even though I, I'm well into the TSS game and uh, mixing and matching different, you know, uh, setups, turkey setups and different loads and trying to figure out what works best and the optics now. And then that's inevitably what happens right in the turkey yeah. world is you get totally nerded out and uh, you got to find different ways to find uh embezzle money into your house and your wife doesn't figure it out <laughs> it is <laughs> and, and like turkey shells too or something we look at it like with personal defense as well mm. you, you you know because it costs some money but you're not shooting a ton of volume and so when you get through your two boxes you bought it might be a couple of years have gone by you mm. go to the store you got a chance to kind of reevaluate yeah. right so that's why you'll see companies like us we're always coming out with new turkey things and it seems like there's a ton but everybody's always constantly trying new things too mm -hmm. so it's a little different than like you find that 30 odd six load that you love and you'll stick with it and you'll never change that is right uh, yes 100 percent true so it was interesting i was telling when ronnie was in here i was like you know i love that you know you guys came out with your own TSS loads. And I like that there was competition in the market for that mm -hmm. so that we could, you know, nerd out and figure out what formula works better and getting the right recipe for, for our, uh, Turkey sniping as it were. Yeah. But, uh, it makes, you know, it makes it fun. Um, I think it helps with, with price control because all of it, you know, when that stuff first came out, it, it had a price, but like, 
I don't know if it was COVID and supply chain issues and just everything that kind of came together, this terrible, perfect storm, mm -hmm. but the stuff's kind of expensive, yeah. but it's really good stuff. It, it so is. So we're like, okay. We like always get asked like, why, why is it so expensive? Yeah. And you know, you look at lead or steel, it's a buck, buck 20 a pound. Mm -hmm. Tungsten starts at 32 to 35, maybe 40. And then, and during COVID too, when people were buying all the ammo, they can, you know, stocking up a lot of personal defense shotguns a lot of home defense shotguns our dealers were selling turkey loads left and right for so personal defense I, I love that you brought that up because it's, it's a point i haven't gotten to yet but i there's a large frustration as a turkey hunter that that was occurring but as someone that understands home defense and i got a family like yeah man i'll I'll load you up if you're coming through the front door with TSS and I know the capability of it. And yeah. I really don't have to be that close to you at this no, point. It would be devastating. That would be awful to come through a <laughs> door oh, with that. Yeah. But they were doing that, right? There was a mm -hmm. desperation. Like we didn't know what was going on. The mm -hmm. world was like, and I mean, today it's kind of weird too, but like it got really weird mm -hmm. and it was really weird to sit there and notice like duck loads, turkey loads it was gone. Yeah. And it's like the middle of July. Yeah, I had in a local shop where where I pick up a lot of my guns up in Minnesota, and that's where the federal ammunition plant's at. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a gun sent in, and, and it was like the first, the end of May, so it was right when the riots and stuff started happening. Oh, you guys were plagued. Yeah, and so he calls me and he goes, "I got a gun here for you. Do you need it?" And I'm like, "No, I'm I'm I don't need it till the fall, so I'm good." He goes, "Okay, I'm gonna call you when it's not crazy." So about mid-july or so he calls he goes hey do you want your gun i'm like yeah so i come in and i'm like dude what was it like you know because of covid and then plus when the riots happened he goes it was absolutely insane and people would come in and just say i need a i want a handgun i need a gun and uh he's like well you know in minnesota you have to have a permit to buy and you that either you know it's fair it's fairly easy to get but it mm. takes about a week to get the permit mm. or you have to have a permit to carry and then you can use that to buy your gun they'd be like well do you have your permit I'm like no why do i need that he's like well, because people like you probably thought it was a good idea that we had to have permits in our state. So, well, can I get an AR? Like, well, you need a permit for that, too. And like, what can I buy? Well, I can give you a shotgun. And so he said he just cleaned out on all the shotguns. And then it was yeah, literally whatever ammo they had, whether that was target loads or. Yeah, you know. it's like a real like walking dead pre scenario. <laughs> yeah, it's it really was. weird. Um, on the 410 side, I wanted to comment, you know, I was so happy that so many states and I was a, a fishing game commissioner for the state of New Hampshire for a little bit um, during that crazy time. And in that time, we were able to accomplish uh, rule changes. We had a, a long term turkey biologist uh, who's an amazing man, uh, but he was stuck in an old guard thought process of uh, what a 410 communicated to mm -hmm. the hunting community who yeah. should be running 410s and what 410 should be used for and even presenting them with those initial data sets that you guys came out with those great studies and having mm -hmm. everything like here's the lethality of it, here's why it's ethical here's you know all this data and science driven factual information here that we're giving to you in this very large abstract you still couldn't reconcile that in his head that four tens are now an acceptable means of, of dispatching a turkey and doing it in an ethical way we got there and so many okay. states have come on board yeah and and changed that and it's a great option because my kid at nine years old who is height challenged like his dad uh, you know a 20 gauge 
was still cumbersome for him because he's got little short arms right now. Sure. His sister is taller and skinnier and she could handle that, but he couldn't. So I felt really bad about it. And then having being able to have a lighter uh, 410 setup and being able to drop a nice red dot on there and instill confidence confidence in the load confidence in the optics and then the easeability of being able to manipulate and handle that firearm responsibly and effectively and being able to do everything on his own and to the point that this past fall because we had fall turkey hunting in new hampshire uh no rest no blind oh, he was nice. able to walk through there knowing what he accomplished in the spring and having that mindset knowing what his equipment could do at nine years old trusting it walked out there picked his own flock of birds knew what was going on and said go ahead to call him dad call him and he was able to manipulate everything and then take one shot and your your rounds made it happen and that was a thanks that was one of our thanksgiving birds put a nice brine on it put it on the trigger and it was the no bull crap the best tasting bird i've had yet awesome and it was awesome. phenomenal and so i bought a couple more boxes and i you know again we talked about the price and i was like oh. but it's worth it it was <laughs> sure. totally worth it and i, I called him up and said, hey gotcha Gotcha, your four tens, and he was super stoked about it. And so, I'm just real happy that the technology and the work you guys are putting into it has come along. And then having you guys as partners is even better. Yeah, it's it's a it's a family thing, and you know, you want uh, your family to have good stuff when they go afield. So your extended family gets to enjoy good stuff when sure. they go afield, and you can trust in that uh, it's going to work. It's going to work well, and people are going to be very happy with the product that they're you know they're investing in that they put their trust in. When you talk about the 410, there was the learning curve on the regulation side, but also yeah. like our customer side, like yeah. the dealer. You know, you got like I'm from Minnesota and we we hunt turkeys, but you can shoot one a year. We get a five day season. But, you know, you go further south. I mean, it's a long period. You can shoot multiple birds. Mm. Guys, you know, you got lots of states close by, so it's a little more intense. So it kind of took us a little bit to get our head around it. And then the guys, you know, our sales guys and guys like uh, like Will Primos, you know, yeah. he's under our you know same company, Vista Outdoor. And he was he was leaning on us hard. Like, you guys got to get in this 410, you know, this TSS and you need 410. <laughs> and so then once we saw the data, you know, and we put it all together. You know, so then I'm I'm doing big line reviews with big retailers and like, you want us to sell four ten loads to turkey hunters? You know, or like, yeah, and it's awesome, you know. Yeah. And uh but yeah, it, it like I said, it was it was just a learning curve and the the thing I've told people over and over, you know, like a traditional federal copper plated ounce and three quarters number fives is about two hundred and sixty some pellets. A number nine shot TSS at the same speed, same energy as a number five lead about 260 some pellets mm. and you got a third to recoil you know so like yeah. your boy or, you know you, you go shooting and it's recoil but it's also noise you yeah. know like a, a quieter load we've done studies where we'll take a load we'll lower it at lower pressure but we can make that pressure time curve faster mm. and make it louder pop like a bigger muzzle report and people will have more of a jerk yeah. with just from the louder noise and less recoil yeah. because of that perception that something bad is like going sure. on at that time. Yeah, you know? It's shocking. It's yeah. literally an explosion in your hands. Right? right. So it, you know, it freaks people out that aren't used to it, but um, no, it's, it's great stuff. Uh, we're happy to have you. I'm glad we were able to put this together. Um, how's the show been treating you guys? Been, it's been busy. Yeah. I mean, and we were all, I don't want to say surprised, but you know, I kind of like the format of the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm -hmm. I, I think it's pretty rewarding, but yesterday, I mean, right out the gate, boom. And then we've been, we've been constant, just talking to people constantly. So it's been great. That's um, great. It's good. We don't have a lot of new products we're talking this year, but like the industry wide, like the uh, the three inch twenty eight gauge is is yeah. really kind of gaining some popularity. It's starting to so, right. 
And so that might be the next fort. Yeah, you I know, think so. I've, I've talked to some other gun makers and you're looking at like coming out with more single shots and, and stuff like that. So you'll see some TSS stuff from federal. Right now we have custom shops. You can yep. get it you know, hand loaded. You can go online, buy from our website mm-hmm. there. But some of the other brands and like you said, like Ronnie's boss, you yeah. know, I so my job is I, I work for the company, but I work on all three brands mm-hmm. and I handle the shot shell direction for all of them. But I've been at federal for 13 years. Yeah. So it's even like when I go to Remington, Ronnie's been there forever. Yeah. I am Ronnie's boss to them. They, they have no idea who I am. You know? So I'm, I'm just starting to become a Remington guy and a heavy shot guy too. So. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Um, man, I had, I had something I wanted to say that was poignant and I just, it just came and went. So that's a, uh, that's convention. That's right. That's <laughs> we right. go, we go so hard, so fast all day and fleeting thoughts. Well, again, thanks for making the time. Thanks for being flexible and being able to get over here. I know it's late, late in the day and there's probably plenty of people you'd like to go talk to but, um, Again, thank you. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for making good products. Um, oh, that's what it was. I got it back. It came back. Is that, and it's the final point. We as turkey hunters have this great way of overcomplicating things in the best way because we're never like, we're satisfied, but secretly we're not. It's like, yeah. okay, what can we do to change the game? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think the, the 28 gauge is probably it. Because I've already seen people uh, socially be like, oh, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? We just got used to this and that. Mm-hmm. And why are we going you know, smaller? Like, why not? Sure. Let's <laughs> yep. step it up. Mm-hmm. It'll give Jason Hart one more one more slam to go get. That's right. That's right. <laughs> God bless him. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, thank you so much. I appreciate you and uh, have a great rest of the show. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you to all the guests on day two for making the time. Uh, really enjoyed all of those conversations, getting to meet new new folks to the NWTF, getting to meet Stallworth. And talk to them like Mark Drury, uh, Mark Prudhomme, uh, having having Masioke just come in and tell their story about the the, the first two days of of lines and telling that story. Um, you know, we, we were living in history, literally in the moment history was being made. And man, if you were there, you know. If you weren't, you can listen to all these stories. You can go on our socials, get a feel for it. You can go on to uh, YouTube and check out stuff. It was just. It was really special. Crispy, thanks for coming in, man. I connected so well. I think as a lot of us, it's just like turkey hunters. And we talked about that, the correlations between the two communities, right? Um, it's one of those, if you know, you knows. And we we just connect. And we're able to just have a conversation. I really enjoyed being able to work with him at the Veterans Breakfast um, the day after that, that recording. And then as well as, as having him in studio. Fantastic individual. And he's just... Uh, Continues to give of himself, and that's that's pretty awesome. John Deloney, man, I, I, I we started getting into it, and I didn't really go down that rabbit hole because there's just so much to cover in a short amount of time. But I will tell you personally, uh, last spring, so spring of 22, when I was traveling to different places around the country, doing some coverage of, of turkey season and, and, and recordings and stuff like that, that I consumed uh, his book, and it helped me tremendously, tremendously. And I think there's more of us out there that, that need that help that, that sit uh, quietly in shadows because of the uh, stigma that still is around uh, mental health, PTSD, things of that nature. Um, I, I totally recommend his books. Um, John Deloney, uh, the uh, know your past, know your future. Um, I think I got that right. <laughs> and then uh, his new one about anxiety uh, builds off of that prior book. Uh, just just easy reads. And if you can relate to it, they go by super quick and, and really valuable, valuable uh, reading there. So check it out. And again, thank you to everybody 
who made the time to come over, check those folks out, make them feel welcomed. Um, that's day two. I'm getting tired <laughs> all over again, uh, going through, uh, this amazing list of people and, uh, thinking back on all these conversations. So, um, I hope you enjoyed it again, subscribe, download, we're available, all podcast platforms, share them out with your friends, tag friends, tag family in the posts where you find them, tag our guests, say, Hey man, Hey, John Deloney. Hey, Crispy. I heard your, your conversations. This was awesome. Thanks so much for telling your story. Thanks for being available to the NWTF and, uh, you know, welcome them into our community. Like, like we do day three is coming next. Uh, we're going to give you guys the weekend to consume these first two days. Cause there's a lot of stuff here and then, uh, we'll come back with day three and the bonus, uh, Giannis episode next week. So, uh, do enjoy. I hope, um, as you're, as some of you folks in the South are getting out scouting, take us with you. Throw us on the, uh, the radio as you're, as you're cruising around, listen to a few of these as you're, as you're making your plans, um, for a week and a half, I think, I think that's where we're at as always you guys make this work and I appreciate it. Thanks so much, uh, for your dedication, for your passion and for enjoying these stories. We, we do our best to bring you, um, good stories, good storytellers from, from all walks of life, not just the, uh, the famous ones. Right. So that's it for day two. I'm catching my breath all over again. It's crazy. Uh, as always, be kind to each other, love each other, take care of each other. Uh, if you're going out in the field, be safe, get home to your family. We will do it all again on day three of the convention conversation special. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend. We'll see you guys soon. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Hey guys, this is Aaron with The Hunting Public. Each spring we head to the woods chasing turkeys and one overlooked product that we use religiously is Sawyer permethrin. We've used it for years to keep ticks off of us and it's worked extremely well. We don't like messing around with Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, anything like that. So I would highly recommend if you're a spring turkey hunter spending any time in warmer climates in the outdoors to use Sawyer permethrin. Learn about their advanced insect repellents and family of technical lightweight water filters at Sawyer.com. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Berg. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you.